participation. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling Pronco 100 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Obviously, it's UFC 300 week in Las Vegas. Friday, also in Las Vegas, it's the second PFL event of the season. Had a great start on Thursday. Uh, Dakota Cheva with a solid win. You had Moldovsky on there. You had a bunch of... Uh, former Bellator fighters Liz Carmouche getting a win as well in her PFL debut. And so I want to let you know that the PFL is back on April 12th with the lightweights and light heavyweights throwing it down. Last week it was the women's flyweights and the heavyweights. You've got names like Impa Kasangane, who of course uh, won the 2023 light heavyweight tournament. You also have Clay Collard and Bellator, former champ, one Patricky Pitbull is uh, is going to be on the card against Clay Collard. So if you're in Vegas for 300, go check him out. If you're at home, check him out over on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Uh, Plus. That is Friday, April 12th, live at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... The Mixed Martial Arts Hour is back in your life on this Monday, June 14, 2023. I still hear back there, guys. Did a bunch of uh, tests, and uh, it's still our first day on the job over here, but it's great to be back on a beautiful Wednesday, June 14th in New York City. We've got a great show planned for all of you. Everything is going great. Everything is doing great. Everyone is doing great. As always, we are presented by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They are the official sports betting partner of not only the UFC, but this program as well. Please download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and let them know we sent you because uh, that's how we like to do it. We like to let them know that we sent you so that they like us very much and continue to sponsor the show. Uh, We've got a great show planned for all of you. I am very excited. Coming off Monday's show where we were... Uh, joined in studio by Israel Adesanya. We were joined by the middleweight champion of the UFC. We had a great chat with him. We also had 
his longtime friend and manager, one Ash Bel Castro, joining us, and he brought us a whole bunch of cool stuff from Engage. We take things up a notch on today's program, and we're joined by arguably the greatest featherweight champion in the history of the UFC for the very first time in studio. We have the pride of Wainai himself, Max Holloway, joining us, and I cannot wait to have a nice little chat with him because uh, I've never had one of these extended chats with Max Holloway. I've never been able to sit down and talk to him. I've never been able to, uh, you know, do something a little bit deeper than your typical, you know, okay, how was the last fight? How was the upcoming fight? This, that, and the other. So stay tuned for that. That is coming up. That will be in about an hour's time. Back into the show, we'll make our picks for this weekend. Uh, So stay tuned for that. We'll also get GC's picks and talk about whatever else is going on in the world of MMA. Uh, Jeff Neal and Ian Gary was just announced for the Boston card. So that is going to be tremendous. I am looking forward to that fight. And I love the way that they're booking uh, Ian Gary. That's August 19th in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Prior to that, we'll be joined by Regis Progray who returns to action this Saturday, big-time boxer from New Orleans, fighting in New Orleans at the Smoothie King Center, first fight with Matchroom on zone. big homecoming for Regis Progray. A great personality, has once sparred with Nathan Diaz as well. So uh, he will have some insight on his pro boxing debut. Stay tuned for that. Prior to that, we'll be joined by Mike Malott, the star of this past Saturday's card in Vancouver. Uh, UFC 289, what a homecoming it was for him. Uh, he is probably coming down from Cloud9. I look forward to that chat very much. Proper Mike will join us. Prior to that, will be uh, one Max Holloway, like I said. And prior to that, we'll be joined by one of the very best managers in the game, the one and only Tim Simpson, going to join us in about uh, 11 or so minutes time to talk about his big move, going solo, going independent, and the incredible client roster that he has put together, likes of Israel Adesanya, likes of Max Holloway, likes of Leon Edwards, and very recently uh, announcing Taitui Vasa joining his new team, the Chosen Few, the Chosen Advisory Group. But my friends, this Friday at the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, there's a massive Bellator event going down. Patricio Pipple is trying to become a three-division champion. He's the current featherweight champion of Bellator. Three-division champion, never been done in Major League MMA before. He's going up against the bantamweight champion, Sergio Pettis. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk to Patricio Pitbull about this incredible journey that he is on. He's also being joined by Captain Eric Albaracin. There he is, our old friend, who I still think cheated in the darts, if I'm being honest, and uh, his translator as well. Patricio, my friend, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Uh, can I ask, this is the big question off the bat. We're two days away from the fight. Weigh-ins tomorrow. How is the weight cut going down to 135? Uh, very good. I'm feeling great. I'm fresh. I'm like 143 pounds right now, so I'm feeling better than ever. Is it easier than you thought it would be going down to 135? Uh, yes, yes. Because I'm on diet since October, so I believe that time was easier than the last time. And could I ask, other than the history, and maybe it's just the history, why are you doing this? What is motivating you to go down to 35 when you're already the 145-pound champ? I was thinking about the goats, and I realized no one of them has three belts. So that's that's was I, I start thinking about that. You want to be the first? I want you to be the first. When that's did it. this dream start for you? When did this idea actually start? Um, I don't know. It was like uh, when I fought Kleber Koik, he was the he is the rising champion. When I beat him, 
I think about that and ask to Bellator and hey, let's try to put me to fight against Sergio Perez for the Bantamweight title. And they asked it to me, really, you, you want to do that? I said, yes. And they agreed with me. And it was amazing. Okay, so you didn't have to really convince them too much. Uh, it was a fairly easy conversation to get them to agree to let you do this? It was about two weeks okay. to tell me that it's going to happen. Okay. Um, and so just curious, like if all goes well for you on Friday, do you want to have a run at 135 as well? Or is it just about climbing this mountain and then you'll go back to 145? Have you thought of that? Uh, let's see what is going to happen during the fight. My focus is to beat uh, my opponent. I know his stuff. I believe I am better. Uh, after that, maybe we're going to defend that belt and see what's going to happen. I don't know. Okay. Is there any part of you that is worried about, uh, you know, something that you might lose as a result of the weight cut come Friday, meaning your power, your speed, something, because you are depleting yourself a little bit more? No. I believe I'm, I'm stronger than him, and now I'm faster than I have, than I have been. Okay. Uh, can I also just say something? I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit annoyed, Patricio. You know why? Because I feel like history is is potentially going to be made here, right? I mean, this is a historic fight. This is you going down to 135. I kind of feel like you should be the main event, Patricio. Why aren't you the main event? And are you annoyed as well? Fazer um main event, talvez não sei. Eu, pela história de Will Romero também, que é um cara que, que é muito antigo. Sim, para nós. I don't know why those guys are bigger. They got a much of their own history. Will Romero's come from the UFC. He's got a lot of history behind him, going for his another world title. So those guys just got put in front, and and that's it is what it is. Okay, so he doesn't care. Yeah, I don't care. You don't care. I'm, I'm to my fighting in my opponent. That's it. Okay. Uh, fair enough. And by the way, uh, Captain Eric, as as Patricio's coach, um, when he told you about this idea, were you on board with it or did you have concerns about, you know, just the it's those 10 pounds are a lot at this, uh, you know, at this weight. How did you feel about it initially and how do you feel about it now? Initially, I was like, man, can he make the weight? First question, talk to his nutritionist. Can he make the weight? And then I understood what he's talking about, about goats. Uh, he wants to, the, none of the goats on Goat Mountain have ever gotten three titles. And I thought, if there's anybody that can do it, it's him. And that's when he becomes God mode activated. And there's one thing about goats is goats are sacrifices to gods. Wow. This guy is incredible, Captain Eric. I mean, who puts it like that? Okay. And uh, Patricia wants me to introduce to our mystery guest here who's also the mystery coach and Bellator 297's uh camp which is Daniel Vanderlei he's been coaching Patricio MMA and Jiu-Jitsu for this fight former Sergio Pettis's old coach for eight years Daniel Vanderlei right here also speaks English and Portuguese okay hello Daniel and I'm sorry for calling you his translator earlier uh you are way more accomplished than that um and so can I ask about that, Daniel? Uh, you, you've trained with Sergio. How do you feel about now training someone to try to beat Sergio? Um, 
it, I, I never thought that's going to happen, you know, but uh, I trained Sergio from uh, 2013 to uh, 2020. Uh, and I left the gym that he's still training. And uh, I decided to take my own way, the same way that some of the fighters decide to uh, uh, hire different coaches. Um, I, I like Sergio. He's a great guy. Um, he's a great fighter. We all know that. Um, but I had the opportunity the, to work with Patricio, who is a great guy. That's the first time ever I worked with the Brazilian beside my son. Uh, I have a son that's coming up pretty soon. You guys are going to hear about him. But uh, uh, I embraced the, the opportunity um, and went to Brazil to work with Patricio for, this is number seven weeks right now that we've been working together. And I had a great time, and we're looking forward just to make history together. Um, nothing's personal. Uh, I think Sergio's taken that way, too. Like, uh, I have my family defeat. He has his family defeat. So he moved on with the new coaches. I moved on and worked with the different fighters. And here we go, you know, like Friday night, we're ready to make history. Uh, any truth to the rumor, Patricio, that the reason why you feel so confident going into this fight is because uh, you are now taking the secret juice as well, courtesy of Paulo Costa, <laughs> and this has taken you to another level. Even though we always think that the secret juice makes you bigger, in this case, it's making you smaller, actually. Uh, it's it's about uh, it's about to be ready, you know? <laughs> but the size, but I think a lot of things that we put together uh, make me will make me uh, take that belt and make history forever in this sport. Uh, and I do believe that's my silver bullet right here. It make my opponent uh, be a little confused oh. uh, during the fight. So that's very important. Um, I know you have talked in the past about uh, maybe not getting the respect that you deserve from the MMA community, the MMA media. Do you feel on Friday? that you will finally get the respect that you feel you deserve if you make history and win this third title? I really don't know what is going to happen about that. But but I know when the history books going to be open, they're going to see the numbers and everyone will see who is the first guy that have three belts in three different divisions. That's it. That's it. You win this fight on Friday, should Patricio Pitbull be considered the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world? Yes, I do. Where do you put yourself right now? Okay. As a number one. No bodies is on the is on the 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 the, the top of the montanha como to Nobody's been at the top of the mountain for 10 years as like I have. Mm. It's been an incredible run. Yeah, and there's, uh, and there's a reason why no one has been able to get the three belts. I know uh, your boy Henry Cejudo has wanted this, but he hasn't been given the opportunity. Speaks to how much Bellator thinks of you and what you've meant to the promotion that they're giving you this opportunity. And just wondering, Sergio hasn't fought in a while. He's coming off a serious knee injury. Do you expect him to be a little bit slower, a little bit rusty, a little bit gun-shy since it's been well over a year since he last fought? No, I'm expecting the, the best version of, of him. I'm prepared for that. Okay. Um, and how do you think you I beat him? How do you think you beat him? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it really don't care. But... Let's see. I I I am thinking about to put him down and, and strangle him. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, by the way, I saw a picture of you with the three belts. What did that feel like? 
feel good and comfortable and all that. Like, yeah. I am, I am working all my life to realize that uh, to to make that happen that 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 thing happen one day. So I'm I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm okay. I love it. And and by the way, when we saw you in Rise and you came out with this great outfit, are you going to come out with a big uh, armor situation to this fight too, or is that just in Japan? It's only Japan. Ah, only Japan. Why not here? I love it. We're showing a picture I of it now. Permission allowed it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's I yeah. Um, well, I appreciate the time very much. Good luck to you. Good luck uh, shedding those last few pounds. Can't wait for it. History. I think you should be main event, but if you ask me, you're the people's main event on Friday, and that's even more prestigious. Good luck to you, Daniel. Good luck to you, Eric. Good luck to you, Patricio. I'm looking forward to it. All right, there he is. The one and only Patricio Pitbull. It's a big freaking deal, guys. It's a really big deal. And quite frankly, I don't think like it's getting the attention that it deserves, perhaps because there are just so many fights right now every weekend. Uh, this one flying under the radar. Actually, uh, the the whole card on Friday from the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, Illinois. Very good. There's like 15, 16 fights on this card. The, um, the prelims are very stacked as well. Uh, but the top three really interesting. Vadim Nemkov fighting Yoel Romero, defending his title. And obviously, I'm not trying to put down that fight. I just think that when someone's going for, you know, history, something that's never been done before, it's a big freaking deal. Put him in the main. Also, Sergio coming back is a big deal, especially when you have Patchy Mix waiting in the wings. He just won their tournament. So Vadim Nemkov, Yoel Romero. Romero going uh, for another belt. Uh, this time in Bellator, Vadim has looked very good. Sergio Patricio and Corey Anderson returning against Phil Davis. So that's this uh, Friday, PFL going head-to-head with them. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code Hour. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance, cdkng.com slash MMA.com, yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So Friday is going to be a really fun night for MMA. And then, of course, the UFC is back on Saturday with the Jared Cannonier fight against Marvin Vittori, that card from the Apex, also the uh, Regis Prograde fight that we're going to be talking to Regis about on the back end of the show. So stay tuned for all of that. I appreciate Patricio for stopping by. Now, let's get into the uh, in-studio guests. As I said, 
we will be talking top of the hour to Max Bless Holloway, first time in person. But now let us talk to one of the very best managers in the game. He was here on Monday with Israel Desanya, and now it's his time to sit in the hot seat. There he is. Hey, good morning. Tim Simpson, Afternoon. how are you? Oh, we don't get the big hug like with Israel. Oh, there he is. You got a coffee? I don't want to... Do I need a coaster for this? No, no, no. Right. A coaster? Come on. We like to keep it real yeah. here. But that... Could have used the Crows jersey. What a... Oh, wow. <laughs> I have the, uh, the cup right over there. Ah, uh, it's all right. What is your all team right. again? West Coast Eagles. What, and how are they doing? Bad? <laughs> Do you know? I don't know. I actually oh. don't really follow. Oh, it's like the wor- one of the worst seasons in, in AFL history for us right now. Really? <laughs> we're on the bottom, and I think we're like chasing the most 100-point losses ever in a season. 100-point like, losses? It's bad. We've been like really badly injured, Okay. Like, even on top of that. And this is AFL, bad. right? Yeah, yeah. That is Australian rules football? Yeah. What is the difference between that and rugby union or rugby league? Is it a totally uh, different sport? Yeah, yeah, completely. Oh, totally different sport. Right? So, so the the origin of AFL is that people they wanted to play a sport that was like less rough than rugby, I guess, and it's like a blend of like soccer and rugby. Okay, but and it's, uh, it's an amazing game. It's, it's the number one game in in Australia, number one sport in Australia. Right, and is that the Perth team? The one There's that you two support? Perth teams, yeah, okay. the West Coast Eagles and the Fremantle Dockers, the two West Australian. I'm teams. just a big Adelaide Crows guy. How are they doing? I'm such Actually, a big guy. No, they're they're like good. middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Middle of the right. pack. But we're, yeah, we're the, we're the worst season we've ever had. So. Uh, well, you're having a great run, personally yeah, and professionally. Aside from, <laughs> yeah. from West Coast, life is good. Yes. Uh, I saw you on Monday when you were here yeah. with Izzy. Looked like you were hurting a little bit after yeah. a late uh, Sunday. Yeah. But come on, man. Tribeca Film Festival. First off, congratulations to you and Thank everyone you. on the movie. I still am thinking about the movie, honestly. It's like still yeah. stuck with me because of the way it was shot, because of how open he was in the movie. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll say the same thing that I said to Izzy. Like, I don't want to give away too much. If you follow him, you know what is coming up, right? Like, so it's interesting because yeah. I know that after you know, Whitaker is this fight and after this fight is that fight. But then you get to see these other things that are going on. It's just tremendous. I'm assuming you're happy with it? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. Okay. I think that was the third time I've seen it, or the second, yeah, second and a half time I've seen it. But a lot of those, like, I've been involved in a few different MMA documentaries. Right. And when you're too close to it, I don't think you can appreciate it as much. But this one, because it's so much deeper, I didn't have that feeling. You know, and watching it in a I watched it, like, on my laptop. There were some watermarks on it. Watching it in the cinema was definitely the most enjoyable. Um, with his parents with, there? Yeah. It, with everybody, you know, yeah. I had, like, you know... Like my, my partner was there, you yeah. were there, everybody, like all our friends and families, everyone was there. It was it was it was really special. Yeah, really special. Because the also the the cinema wasn't too big, so it kind of nah, felt like a, a real private screening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, and just like afterwards, getting that that you know, getting Eugene dragged up the yes. front, <laughs> all emotional. That. Yeah, uh, he he's he's a remarkable man. You know, the funny thing, and I said this to you, it's like. I, my, a good barometer for, for the MMA world for me is my friends because, mm. like, I'm so deep into it, but i got a lot of friends that know, like, your Izzy's and your Connors and there's a big title fight, but they're kind of on the edge of it. And, like, they knew some of the stuff that went on the movie, but I brought one of my best friends, oh. and he was like, man, I knew some of the stuff about Izzy, but Eugene was remarkable. Like, yes. He was like that. As him as a character in that movie, he was like that. It was so dynamic. It was so deep. So I was like, Eugene as the character was was... I want to say it was a movie about him, but like that was what, and, and my partner and other people as well. They're like, for me, it was Eugene was was the most interesting part of all of that. He's one of my favorite people to have on this show because yeah. also like he takes these ten second pauses before <laughs> responding, so it makes you hang on to every word. Yeah. It's so thoughtful, 
And I know. I want to do that. I'm going to do that at some point. You're going to do that? Because I noticed him do it. Like so good. When I first started, when when um, Ash introduced us to Eugene and Izzy, and all that, and we used to have meetings with Eugene about working together. When we're like, would you know, ask a question, be like almost like a negotiation, or like we're trying to convince him to work with it. Yeah. He would do that. He'd uh-huh. ask him something, and in a meeting where everyone's like ready to talk first, he'll like pause. I'm like, it's a fucking power move. <laughs> it's stressful. I know. Those especially <laughs> it's, like it, it's not stressful when I'm interviewing him, but if you're trying to sell him on something, I know. He's pondering. I know. I know. He's he's yeah. He's still a dickhead, but he's a, he's a, he's a remarkable dickhead. By the way, they've told me <laughs> a, a few times like you you were kind of courting them. You know, there's yeah. the Australia connection, all that. Yeah. Ash, um, you live close to New Zealand or from. When did you first start to go after Izzy? Like when when I. Honestly, when I when I started in this industry, my first when I actually went and met the guys from Paradigm the first time back in 2015, in that meeting they were like, "Who's the who's?" Because I'd just come from Australia. Like, who's the guy next up from Australia? And I was like, "There's no one in Australia top of my mind, but there's this kickboxer in New Zealand who's had like three or four MMA fights, and I guarantee you, this guy's going to be a megastar." Wow! And then I started working at Paradigm. First thing I did was like. Because I used to message Izzy on Facebook when I was just a fan. Wow. Yeah. So I like I was I was still at university at the time. I used to message him like his fan page, like, oh man, like you're the best. You're, you're the, like I'm watching, and he would respond because he was like he wasn't who he was back. Yeah, then. yeah. Um, and then I would hit him back. Like, hey, now I work in MMA. Now I work for this agency. Now we should manage you. And he's like, oh, I'm good right now. So it, it basically like as soon as I had. Like from 2015, basically. Wow. Yeah. And then you're on the red carpet with him at Tribeca Film yeah. Festival. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. That is wild, cool, man. Last time we had you in studio, uh, we were talking about your career. We did the whole story about yeah. you coming over and all that. But so much has happened since. Last six months, yeah. Insane. Changed in life. <laughs> uh, you are no longer with Paradigm. Yep. You have now started your own management group, a boutique group, if you will. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, I have the roster right here. Uh, it's less Taitui Vasa, Yuri Prochaska, Casey O'Neill, Mohamed Mokhayev, Don Madge, Max Holloway. Jack Hermanson, Leon Edwards, Jack Della Maddalena, Hakeem Dawoodoo, and Israel Desanya. That's a who's who. Mm. That is a who's who. Uh, it's your own team, chosen advisory group, the chosen few, hashtag chosen few. Um, it's tremendous what you've done at such a young age. 31? 31, yeah. 31. 31. Just turned 31. Can we start? Because, you know, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while. And you've been quite elusive. <laughs> once a year. Yeah, once a year. Exactly. Once a year. <laughs> uh, when there's something really big to talk about. Why did you decide to go out on your own? Um... That was my pause. Yeah, this is <laughs> I was like, shit, is he about to say some shit here? What's no, going no, on? No. That was good. No, though. I mean, listen, the, there's a lot There's a lot that went into it, right? And, and a lot, you know, I don't, I don't want to air publicly. Some things transpired, some things over time. I'd say that, that the fundamental difference was between me and Paradigm, there was a difference in, in vision and a difference in values. And that, that was what, I guess, started wearing on me and, and realizing that that may not be the place for me anymore. You know, I was there for, for eight years almost, you know, from, from 23 to 31, 23 to 30. You know, I'd say it's like the cliche of the best years of your life. Yeah. Like I, I really gave everything to that. That was all my life was, you know, it took a huge toll on, on personal relationships, on my health, on, you know, just kind of growing up and, and in your 20s. You know, I looked at my friends traveling the world doing that. And, and of course I had amazing, phenomenal experiences in life doing this. But it was all I did for eight years, right? And, and it started to wear on me. And, and 
when the, I guess, the, the value and the vision changed and I felt like I wasn't on board with what, what, what they were doing anymore, and, and that's not saying what they're doing isn't great, it's just different, mm. right? Like, like you, when you left ESPN, right, it's, mm. it doesn't have to be uh, this is why and there's this critical reason. Sometimes it's the right thing for you, and it was the right thing for me. I needed to make a change for, for many reasons, and, and fortunately it all panned out. You know, when, when I left, I, I resigned in December, and there was no chosen advisory. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going right. to do. Okay, like so I, you didn't. Wow, you you just left. Yeah, yeah. I I had I had not I had nothing planned. I was like, like it's not like I had this 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 thing to set up. These guys are coming there. Like the only people that knew were my partner, her dad, my dad, were the three people. Wow. That that knew that that I was going to resign, and I was like, what will be will be. Like for for I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll end up back in Australia doing something. Like maybe I'll. I'll think about leaving MMA. Yeah, that, I was ready for that. Wow, I was ready for that. You know, like like we burnt out to a degree, but it was just like it, it, it was like if I was willing to walk away from that, I had to be prepared that it wasn't going to work out. You know, and so I was I was at peace with that. You know, that there was I, I I you know I felt like I had a good enough relationship with a lot of these guys that that they may want to hang around or maybe I'd, I'd work in something else. Maybe I'd go work for Engage with Ash or, mm. or maybe like I'd go to the dark side, go work for a promotion or something like oh. that. I was like, I hope I stay in MMA. But I was prepared for any outcome, you know. I, I, was, I was away, nobody knew. You know, within the next couple of days, my clients, former clients at that stage were messaging me. I had to tell them, hey, I'm not in this anymore. And then they called me, like, what the fuck are you doing? Wow. <laughs> Once I turned, like, Israel, Leon, all those other guys, they're like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't really know. And they're like, are you going to stay in MMA? And I go, well, what do you think? I guess so. And they're like, whatever you do, we're going to do. And I'm like, well, that makes me feel great. I probably have something here. Okay. That, that was really That's how it. it started. Yeah. Was then, there any part of you that thought about joining another management team? Not really because it was like I wanted to do my own thing, not necessarily as like from a work perspective, but I was just in a big company, mm. right? And, that, and that, again, vision of a big company that wants to grow and scale and be big. And like I, I had autonomy there. It's not like I was – and this like corporate thing and everyone was like holding me down like like I was treated I was treated fine there you know and like I, I had the autonomy but from going from like from one big company to another big company because a lot of them reached out like I'm not gonna lie I won't name names but pe- people everyone kind of wanted to know what I was doing and said hey, trust me a lot of them reached out to me to, to you <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like what am I this guy's agent or something <laughs> what's going on you're fielding so, calls on your behalf it, 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 I thought about it. Obviously, that would have been like the secure thing to do: yeah. go get a, a paycheck, go get a go get a salary. But I was like, why would I do that? You know, I'd rather give this a shot now and see. And 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 if it didn't work out, maybe I go get a job. But I've been fortunate that it that it turned out pretty well. And and without sounding like like a, an asshole, I've honestly never been happier in my life. Wow. Like my life holistically, everything going on, it's like it just. I've never been happy. I wake up every day motivated, happy. I'm rested. I'm not in a different city every week. Like right. when you do things on your own terms, again, you, I guess, in a similar position, right? You went did things on your own terms. Like it's very, very rewarding. And everything that I envisioned, how I wanted to live my life, is, is happening right now. So, um, yeah, it's good. Like if if that that could be there. Like maybe maybe there's an offer that I can't refuse, or another agency that I join. But right now, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing. Keep it small. Well, know, at this point, why fighters. would you? Though? I mean, you you've got yeah. you've got the clients. The one thing that I kept getting asked 
And honestly, I don't know the answer to this question. When you made the announcement, you put out that cool video um, announcing the roster. And I love how you like, oh, yeah, I got this guy. And a lot of these guys you're associated with, but then Max is a part of the announcement. Yeah. Which was <laughs> tremendous the way you played that. I'm going to ask you about him in a moment. But um, the comments I got like, what? So like, how did Tim take all these guys? How did this happen? Mm. For those that don't understand how that works, how does that work? You're with Paradigm, you're representing them. Mm. How do they come to you now? I mean, as much as I've been like, you know, I'm, I'm very little drama. I don't like, I'm not big into social media and everything. And, I, and like, people can say what they want. The only thing that triggers me a little bit when people are like, take, you took. I'm like, uh. how do you take a person? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like the, these people, like the, the, the eight athletes that came with me, it's like they have free will. Like, there was no taking, you know what I mean? I don't know, you're not saying it like yes. that. Yeah, no, no, I, you, I get it. You hear a little bit, it's like, oh, you took. It's like, what do you mean? How do you, how, do you, how do you take someone that has free will to make their own decisions, right? So I think you're asking from maybe from like a more legal perspective or from like a functional perspective. Yeah, how does that but work? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I don't want to disclose anything confidential as, as, as how a, a, a contract works um, in that sense but yeah i mean there, there was nothing contractually stopping anyone from going anywhere right and obviously i'm, I'm honoring any fetal or ongoing payment obligations to the work that i did while i was there and i and i've been i've made sure that that's been adhered to and the right thing is done by them even though it was the work that i did while i was there i'm making sure that they're honored for that right yeah so as long as that's done, it's 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 simple, you know. We're, we're, it's a, it's California. There's no restraint of trade. You can't stop people from working in California. There's there's, there's nothing like that. So, kind of just worked out, you know. What I learned, I guess, more than anything in this process, is that relationships are everything, everything. You know, when I started, when I speak to you, when I spoke to the clients, when I spoke to the UFC, whoever it is, um, I felt a little bit. A little bit, uh, in other words, proud or a little bit validated that the responses and maybe people talking shit behind my back, but no, I don't think <laughs> validated so. that that it was just all positive. You mm-hmm. know, everyone really, I really felt everyone was like, "Good for you," you know. And those relationships, I was able to to I'm going to use the word take, but take those relationships to to this new business and and really day to day business hasn't changed. I don't feel that that different, right? So I think as long as the, I'm a relationships person. A contract's a piece of paper, and you, you know I'm a lawyer as well. You got to obey that. But really, a relationship's going to shine through in the end. So, as long as the relationships are there and you have people's trust, that that was how it all worked. How many people work for Chosen? Just one. Just you. Me and Dan. You, okay. met, you haven't met Dan. I don't know if you've been connected with Dan. On uh, I think on uh, Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just you and him. And where did he come from? So Dan <laughs> shares a similar story to me. He's Australian. Australian okay. lawyer. Um, reached out to me, excuse me, for a number of years. Um, he, he, I hired him at Paradigm probably like four months before I left there. So when I left, um, you know, again, I didn't tell anybody, but he was like, what do I do now? I'm like, man, you'd make your decision, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a job for you here. Okay. You know, he, he's, Dan's amazing. He's amazing. He's, he's a young lawyer, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, kickboxer, Massive, massive MMA fan. We share a similar story, and he, okay. he works his ass off. Um, you know, he he's relates well to the fighters. So it's just just me and Dan. But then I had like, like I have some outside outside contractors. I have a, a great accountant. Shout out to Jenny. 
the camera. Thank yeah. you, Jenny, for all your help. Uh, so I've, I've had I've had like some outside help, you know, some legal stuff, setting up the company. Um, Jenny, my accountant, but inside day to day, it's just me and Dan. How how hard is that to actually set it up? Um, <laughs> get it off the ground. It's it's and this might be a problem with the industry. It's embarrassingly easy to start an MMA management company. Wow, from a nuts and bolts perspective. Yeah, obviously the relationships, the experience, the ability. To no, take, no, take yeah, I know, but the foundation. Yeah, it's it's ridiculously easy. You know, like that we don't have any. I don't really have any overheads. We don't have an office. I work from home. There's no like licensing or registration. Yeah, There's no inventory. You provide a service, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, you just make a company and get going, really. Like, there's com- compliance stuff you have to be compliant with with California, but like, yeah, it's, 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 I tell people it is embarrassingly easy. I could to be set one tomorrow. Day. Yeah, you could. That's wild. Easy. easy. Is it like that in boxing, too? Uh, uh, pretty similar. Yeah. I think there's some licensing Not an stuff NBA and well. NFL and all those. No, those you, you gotta, to... you gotta pass the certifications. Yeah. You've gotta do all that. Yeah, the, there's a lot to it. MMA, it's like, and you do it without a company. A lot of people do it without a company. You just have a, like a contractor agreement with a fighter and you say, I'm an MMA manager now. That is which is probably a problem, but yes. from the nuts and bolts of running the company, it's really easy. Do you think that'll ever change? Mm, I don't know. It would, it would, I think it would, it would go alongside like a unionization effort yeah. or something like that. Right? I think then, then you'd have like more certification. And there are like elements. You're, you're meant to be licensed in different things, but it's pretty loose and... I don't know. I, I, I'm optimistic that the sport will continue to grow and be more professional. And what is it like when you have guys like Izzy and Leon and Yuri and Mokhaev and all these dudes, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm coming with you." I mean, it did feel good. I mean, the the, the one that like the one it's like it, it sticks with me is Izzy when he's like, obviously we have Ash and Huge. Yeah. So he's like, I, I spoke to him. I'll speak to them, but then he was like, "I'm." He, he said to me, "He's like." I'll do whatever you do. Wow. And when you hear that, you're like, it's validating. You're like, damn, I must be doing something right. Because like, that's a, that's a big, Paradigm is a big, well-known company, right? They've got a big engine. They've got a lot of staff. It's like, if I'm a client, if I put myself in their shoes, I feel some security there. But when a lot of these fighters are like, they don't even ask twice. I didn't even, I couldn't even pitch them anything. <laughs> like, I couldn't be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. This is my company. This is how we're going to structure it. Like, my pitch was like, I don't know. And then a pitch that week through the strength of my relationship with them, you know, that they're willing that I'm going to follow you to whatever you do, that, that, that makes me feel good. Uh, that, that's a good feeling. I, I can't imagine. Um, last time you were on, you talked about your relationship with Adi Attar, who's at the face of, of Paradigm, right? Yeah. How are you guys now? Yeah, fine. It's fine. I mean, we're, we're not like, I, I hold no personal grudges or anything like that. You know, Audi sent me a nice message on my birthday, like okay, great. something like that. But yeah. like, uh, there's no animosity or nothing there. Okay, you know? good. Fine. That is good. Uh, did you consider join? I was I was wondering if like the UFC would try to they could use guys who understand that side and come mm. over. And not to say that they need any help; they're doing just fine. But I was just wondering if like a hunter would say, "Why don't you come over here and mm. do this?" That it was was there ever any talk of that in the early days? Nah, no, no, no. Like like obviously they, they they reach out to me and everything, and I have to tell them, you know, I'm not there anymore. Okay. Um, but that crossed my mind. I was like, hey, if, if I if I quit and I start telling clients I'm not there and they're like, cool, peace, see ya. And some of them said that. Not ones that I want to come with me, but yeah, I'd be like, they'd message me be like, hey, I'm not there anymore. I wish you all the best. And like, oh, that's awesome. All the best for you. And like, if, if everyone did that and I'd be like, hmm, what am I going to do with my life? Maybe I'd make that phone call to a hunter or someone and be like, hey, 
do you have a job for me? But I don't, I don't really know where I'd fit. You know? Yeah. No, no. I think you're way better suited on this side, but I was yeah. just wondering if you wanted to see what it was like on the other side of the fence. I, I think like, I, I think matchmaking would be fun, but also like I've done a little bit of matchmaking on like a, for like this, this Spanish promotion. I like, helped make a fight. It was so fucking stressful. Really? <laughs> it's hard. And like Sean and Mick, what they go through, that's a hard job. It's yeah. a really hard job because shit like falls apart all the time. And like, I've only got like 10 fighters, right? And I'm, I'm in contact with them every week. I, I, I try and put myself in their shoes. Like you've got hundreds of people calling you about your fighters and everything. People have your phone number. Like the idea of matchmaking sounds fun, but I think day to day it would be yeah. fucking tough. People falling out and all that. Yeah, and yeah, scramble. yeah. And just, you know, you got it. You're negotiating. Negotiating takes a lot of energy. Right. You're negotiating all day long. Um, so you said you have 10 now? Yeah. Uh, what is the, the cap? Right now, 10. 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, you're I've, not open for business? No. I mean, listen, if an outlier. Sure, sure, up, sure. Like, like, you're not seeking anything? No, no, no. Ty, no. so I really wanted to have like, try and keep it one per weight class. Mm. There's two weight classes where I have two. but but Which one's that? Welterweight and middleweight. I have Got two it. in each. Got it. Um, but other than that, I really want to keep it one per weight class. Um, much more manageable to really just push for their interest. Like as much as you, you are pushing for everybody, it's like... You got five guys in the top ten. Tough. It does get it gets complicated. So I really want to keep one per weight class. Obviously, heavyweight. There's Thai now. Um, I don't have a lightweight or a bantamweight, but right now I think just with me and Dan, our outside sales teams or outside teams, and um, ten clients. I think that's very manageable. Like I think we're doing good work. Life's good. Like obviously, you get these like busy weeks like this, and you feel stretched, but. That's very manageable. I'm very, I'm very confident in my business model right now. So ten right now. Uh, I said, you know, at least until next year. Focus on who we got now. When I feel like we can take it on, then maybe we'll expand a bit. But but right now, unless there's a top three guy, top five guy that that really really wants to work with me, and I figure it out, like I'm good where I'm at right now. What is your business model? Um, you know, boutique. Client focused MMA management agency and advisory. I've done. I have done a little bit of like outside advisory type work, consulting work, like um, with some of my partners, like uh, Ivana Petrovic, who's debuting in the UFC July one. Her manager is my partner David Garcia, who I work with Jack Manson on. Mm. I helped open the door for her into the UFC and use my relationship with Mick to, to help get her an opportunity. I'm working with um, Eldar Eldarov in Bahrain there, um, helping his heavyweight Shamil Gaziev going to contender series. So I'm doing a bit of like, oh wow, that's their managers. Okay. But through my relationships, I'm helping open those doors for them. So I will keep doing that because it takes a bit of the day-to-day strain off. But yeah, it's really just one per weight class, focus on, on a holistic effort of sponsorships, endorsements, media, fights. Um, and then really beyond that, without sounding cliche, like I found like I found my purpose a little bit with with fighters lives you know obviously working with leon like someone who's so close to me personally like we've really built a lot in finding the right accountant financial manager um cleaning up his money getting a strategy with buying properties investments um building out his commercial landscape whether it's merch media all that stuff i feel like i kind of understand how to holistically put someone in a position for the rest of their lives like leon is a, a great example from being born in a tin shack in jamaica to now, he's in a position now where we have these pieces in place where I know 
that that guy is going to be good for life and his son is going to be good for life and his son's son's going to be good for life because wow. we, we have built that. And if I played a very, very, obviously that's him and his effort that's done that. But I kind of know the blueprint of what, in my mind, every fighter should have to make sure that they have that generational wealth or that generational change. So I feel like that, that it's very rewarding when you see that. Like I'm not, that's, that's Leon's life. There's no flow on of money from him investing correctly, right? Or him buying a house and that kind of thing. But I feel like I've, I've got kind of a blueprint of what fighters should do, at least on a preliminary level. These are the building blocks to, to financial freedom um, for yourself and your family. So that I feel is kind of my purpose that when it's all said and done, if I do my job correctly, they should all be in that position at the end. It sounds a little cliche, but, but no, no, that's that way I feel. It doesn't sound cliche. Uh, as someone who uh, has had and has representation, like you don't hear this type of thing, and I've talked to fighters about this. Like I, I kind of feel like you're about to enter a bit of a problem here, not to say that we're some gigantic show here, but like people are going to read. That right there, what you just said about, it's not just about negotiating fights, right? It's not yeah. just about the next one. It's about 10 years from now. It's about setting yourself up. I don't know if a lot of people do that. And so I worry that now people are going to reach out to you and ask <laughs> you to represent them because you seem to have figured out the model that every fighter desires. And that's the level I want to go into. And that's, I guess, back to the business model question. If I have 50 fighters, it's really hard to invest that much into everybody with a small team. Yeah, that's right? a great so, point. So with, with 10, it's like, I just started working with Ty and Ty's got a great team, Rice there in, 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 in Australia and everybody. And it's like, I want to make sure that we're working together to do that for Ty, someone else who came from, from a yeah. childhood background, right? And, and everybody, I want to make sure those building blocks are there if I got 50 clients, that's really hard to do. Mm. So that, I guess, is the essence of the business model. You know I love Leon. Leon's my guy. I mean, mm. a little bit of work on the goalkeeping, though. I mean, <laughs> that dude, <laughs> what is this? He had a few good ones. Show? Yeah, I did tell Who's that kid from Sex? That oh, kid just... scored on him? What is that all about? <laughs> I was... Like, um, Leon, what? It was like going like two miles an hour. I know. I know. <laughs> that looked like the fix was in, honestly. You maybe because so? they were up. Maybe they wanted to make it closer. What and a then scene Stormzy was blasting. Yes. What a scene, though. I so knew, good. At Wembley. 74,000. No, it's at Old Trafford. Old Trafford, sorry. 74,000. Yes, it looked like a real, like it looked like a World Cup match Crazy. there. Crazy. Yeah, and it's, they raise like 90 million pounds or something. And something like that. In that case, like, do they reach out to Leon or do, does... That came through Vicky at the UFC. So they reach so out good. to UFC. Vicky reach out to me. Now, do they reach out saying, we want Leon Edwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that just speaks to his status, right? Yeah, Are they reaching out this time thing. last year? Pre- right? No, no, no. And that's massive. Like Soccer yes. Aid, obviously this side of the world, we don't know. But Soccer Aid's massive there. Obviously 74,000, 90 million raised. Like for his profile, even like in the UK is massive. It was like, for me even, I was like, man, look at Leon out there with all Very these proud. celebrities, right? It's Very like proud. He wasn't stoked that he was in goal. But did did but they I think- force him to do that? Oh, they just assigned it. Like, oh, but, okay. but I think yeah. for a TV time, you're going to get more TV time. Yes, goal. everyone was talking about him. Yeah, he, had a afterwards. <laughs> he had a shocker. But he did have some good saves. He too. did, I did. I just and did. they won. Yes, yes. No, he so. was very dependable back there. Just yeah. a couple of uh, shots. That um, was bad. <laughs> yes, I did the, the celebration of the kid after. I was like, yeah, this kid yeah, scored yeah. on you. Uh, um, how did you get Max? Max, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brad Slater at WME. Of course, um, yes. Super agent. Legend. Yeah, legend. Super agent, massive MMA fan. Worked with Max on that on that side. Max um, stopped working with his old manager, and he reached out while I was still at Paradigm um, through Brad. And was speaking to Max, like that process was going on when I resigned. Oh wow! So then I'd resigned, and and Max's lawyer Stuart 
like was I guess figured out that I was gone because I, I didn't tell him because I, I didn't want to touch that you know because it was kind of a weird spot and then Stuart called me and he was like do you leave I'm like I'm so sorry to you and Max I'm so sorry that like because I was the one communicating there I was like I'm so sorry that timing is so bad and they're like what are you going to do same thing I like, didn't have a company I was like I don't really know I'm figuring it out and they're like well just let us know what you end up doing and then couple of weeks go by and I was like, hey, I, I'm going to stay in MMA, I'm going to manage people and then went from there. There was a period there, I remember when I heard about this and then I didn't bother you, but then I reached out about something and then like when you call someone and they're overseas, um, the, the, the ring sounds different. Yeah. And then I called you and you were in Australia and like you felt so removed, you felt so distant. Yeah. And I was like, man, like, I almost felt like in the middle of the night, you just packed up and left MMA. <laughs> and for a moment there, you were, you would tell me like, you have nothing to do with this, that, and the other. Uh, did that kind of feel good? Like you couldn't have been further away from America, right? You're yeah. literally in Perth, which well, is hours and hours away. And you're like the whole craziness of this sport and Izzy had just fought, right? And that was a crazy event, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Uh, was it nice to kind of just remove yourself for a moment? Yeah, well, I was, I was, I was meant, one of my best mates was getting married in Perth the same day Yuri was meant to fight Glover. Uh-huh. And then Yuri got injured, so that fight was off. So I changed my flights to make it to my mate's wedding. You were going to miss the wedding? Yeah. It was a world title fight, you know. Yeah, man, it was like, I know. It's one of those, it's one of those ones. Um, so, I, so I'd moved my flights forward and I'd, I'd resigned and then I was flying to Australia the next couple of days and I really like didn't even know, like there was no plan. I didn't even know how anyone was going to react. So going being at home in Perth and having that wedding right away. But for the whole month of December, I, I didn't work. Wow. For the first time in eight years, I did not work. I was just like being with my family. My baby niece was there. Like it was, I think had I'd stayed in in my house in LA, like my may have gotten a bit like, oh, what am I doing? But yeah, I went home and it's like, it's like I forgot about it right away. I was like, I took this like like a month off, and then January kind of started getting some momentum with 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 um, the chosen advisory. But yeah, it was kind of perfect. Yeah. Like I was there, and I was like, that's that's over in that yeah, country. Yeah. Like I'm 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 relaxing. Like it, it worked really well. I think for just for like the mental side. Sure, of it, sure, you know, sure. I felt fine. Honestly, by the time I resigned, I was like, when I make decisions, I, I just mm-hmm. like I, I I very rarely regret them, and I make decisions really fast. I can be like stubborn in that regard. So once it was done, I was like, cool, next thing. And then, but being there definitely helped me kind of just chill. So the good thing about having you here is I've been interested in all this stuff and I know a lot of the fans are because they, you know, like I said, uh, everyone seems like, no one talks bad about you, even the other managers and they all talk shit about each other. No one talks mm. shit about you for whatever reason. So kudos to you. I know, but I don't really like, you know, doesn't mean I, I need an edge or something. No, you don't need an edge. <laughs> You're good. You're good. No drama. It's good. It's a massive heel. You have some massive names and a lot of them, like we don't know much about. Mm. So if I can ask about a couple of them, well, I was talking to Izzy about, what was your reaction when they booked Rob and DDP? Because I thought the DDP fight was right there. And then oh, you've got yeah. Sydney coming up. Why not just do DDP versus Izzy? Yeah, great. I, I hit Hunter right away. I text him like, I text him like, why are you killing off yeah. Izzy's, Izzy's opponents? And then Hunter called me and probably spoke about half an hour about their reasoning. Okay. And I gave, I didn't agree. And like we, like, he he explained it more. And 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 I, just, I always like Hunter's um, very reasonable. Like he does, he's not emotional. Good. And and neither am I. Mm-hmm. So we always. Like we can talk about hotly contested things and never it never escalates. So he he explained their perspective. I explained our perspective. Like our thing is like, listen, Izzy's fought four of his last five fights have been rematches. 
Pereira, Vittori, Rob, all rematches. It's like, we really want fresh blood. And I, I personally respect to, to Driquez. I feel like Rob is going to be like a 10 to 1 favorite to win that, in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like it's Rob. And then what, we fight Rob again? Like, can we not get something fresh and exciting and new? Um, Hunter gave their perspective, which, which I understood from their perspective. And... You know, agreed to disagree, and we'll see what happens in July. Is where we went, but yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, what? "Yeah." <laughs> so the plan is, is he in Sydney? Yeah, provided everything goes. My um, worry is that that's two months later. When does anyone fight in a number one contender fight and fight two months later? It never yeah. happens. It's ten weeks exactly. I count it because Della's fighting on that same card, yeah. and then I want Della in Sydney. Got it. So that's big I, fight for him Della. too. Yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, really t- into the top ten. So what if what if those two guys are banged up? <sighs> I mean, Strickland fights yeah. in a couple weeks. So there's that, um, you know. I, I know that uh, Paulo Costa and, and has got a fight. I yeah. don't know if you do that again, but I guess we we got to figure it out. We got to figure it out. I mean, for for like ten weeks is actually quite a long time. Unless there's a major injury, I think they should be able to figure it out. But yeah, it's not it's not ideal. And you know, Izzy like Izzy Izzy wants to fight. He wanted to fight in July. Yeah. So September's already a stretch for him, so we're going to have to figure something out. I remember talking to you after Leon's win and how emotional you got. Yeah. What was it like seeing uh, Izzy win in Miami? That was the, I'd say those two in my career are the, like, the hardest I've felt it. Like, I cried in Salt Lake and I cried in Miami. Oh, wow. They're they're the only two that's really hit me that hard because, like, Izzy's, they're both really close, good, close, like, personal friends of mine. And it was just that, that week was, like, it was so intense. Like, so intense. Like, I don't know if Izzy spoke about it on the show. There was this one time at the gym uh, in Miami during fight week and there was an ice bath in one of the other rooms and I went in and used the ice bath. And, and as I'm, like, done, Izzy comes in and I'm like, yeah, how do you feel? And he, he was like, like, blank, like, blank, like, wouldn't. I was like, are you okay? And he went in the mirror and Ike, who's security, Ike was like, yeah, everybody just get out. And I, like, kind of stayed. And he was just staring himself in the mirror, like this, like, like it's like he couldn't hear me, he couldn't hear Ike. It was like this, like intense, like dark thing, and he was staring himself, like breathing heavily. And I was like, it was like he was like possessed. Whoa. Yeah, legit. I don't know if he told you that. No, he did he not. Had this like he went to. He remember he said he went to a dark place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in. He was. It was. It was crazy. And like I know, is he? He's like always laughing, joking, fun, friendly guy. It was like it was like a. <laughs> it was like he was possessed, and that happened twice during the fight week. Whoa. So there was this intensity where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then as he walked out, when he came out to like headstrong and he was like, it was so intense. It's a crazy scene with these because we sit with his mum and dad. Yeah. I'm like seeing him like all pumped up. I feel sick. His mum and dad are sitting there praying. And the emotion, I was like, this is so <laughs> I tell myself, I go, why the fuck do I do this for a living? Why do I? Do? It was just so much anxiety. And then like, and then, so I was so balled up because he means so much to me as a friend and a person in this fight. Like, had he lost that, like, where does that leave him? It was just, I was like, I was so anxious for that fight. And then when he won and he was against the cage, I was like, oh, and then he knocked him out and then just kind of exploded. So that was crazy. That was crazy. Like he, he I don't know how he does that. Like the mental, mental strength of that guy with all things considered, I couldn't believe that. And so then, yeah, that was a heavy, that was a Post-fight celebration and the speech yeah. and the after party there, I yeah. mean... The presence of mind on these guys, it's insane. I mean, Leon's was just raw emotion. Right. Is he to like, yeah, I, I, I'm in awe of them sometimes, honestly. Like how, how his presence of mind is Were crazy. you nervous for the uh, Leon Trilogy fight? I haven't talked to you since then. Um, less so. Okay. Less so. I don't know. Leon, Leon was like, 
the, the crazy thing about that kick is like we were, I was really confident going into that first Kamaru fight. Do you mean the second? The, the second, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. The crazy thing about that kick is not only like it was a last minute and it, and it you know, the, the comeback and everything. Like now looking at what he was able to do in the third fight, the significance of that kick, because if he didn't land that kick, the history, like it's going to go down as he was never that good and mm. he got beat. Mm. But we knew he was capable of doing what he did in London. And it was just the altitude. There's some stuff he didn't talk about, injuries, et cetera, and he just looked terrible in that fight. And that's why before the kick, I was sitting there in the crowd in, in, in Utah so depressed, like, oh, he didn't represent himself well. So without that kick, not only do you not get the victory in the title, you don't get the ability to prove that he can do that over five rounds and be the better fighter. Mm. It's crazy, yes, right? it is it's crazy. It's crazy, right? One so, thing So, yeah, so now he got to prove that it wasn't a fluke. So I don't know why I wasn't as nervous for those because we've – he's so good. Like, ask people that train with him, watch it. He's so good. Yeah. So I, I always felt like more, almost more confident in, in, in that one. And then the thing that was just maybe nervous was the point deduction. Because mm. I had him winning and I was like, oh, does this land as a draw? And then we're doing a fourth. But mm. no, that felt really good as well. When do we see him again? Hopefully, we, we said we were ready to go from August. His foot was pretty banged up after, okay. um, after the second one. He like came out and he got like a, this like infection type thing in the bone. So his foot was pretty banged up. After Salt Lake? No, no, after London. Got it. This got year. It. And then um, they were tr- trying to maybe do a pay-per-view in July back in the UK, but I don't think ESPN wanted to do it because of the time differences. So then we said he's good from August. Obviously, they got O'Malley in August, so, and then September's Australia. doesn't really make sense. So I guess he's good to go as soon as they know what they're doing. So it could be Abu Dhabi or New York yep. or the December card. Yeah, one of those. How do you feel about Colby being his next opponent? It makes sense now, you know. I mean, at first, at first... Um, Makes more sense than Bilal. I think so. Well, like, when it first happened and, and like, he no-sold it, which is great. I think a bit of that was a few years ago, Colby no-selling him. Sure. Now he no-sold him in London. I think, like, Leon said to me, and I don't want to break the fourth wall here, he doesn't actually give a fuck who he fights. Okay. Like, when you're the t- title, it's like he doesn't give a fuck, but it was nice to get a little nudge back at the Okay. Goal. But in reality... We were waiting for what happened with Masvidal and Burns. Because if Masvidal goes and knocks out Burns, him and Leon, regardless of what you want to say about who deserves it, that's like the would have been one of the biggest fights you could do in the sport at the time. Mm-hmm. Him and Leon for the title. So we were waiting for that. Um, obviously, Jorge didn't win. So then it was like, well, what do we do now? You've got Gilbert, Bilal, and Colby. And then Bilal and, and, and Gilbert fought. Colby's ranked high. It's like if you've got to pick... Colby probably moves the needle the most, makes Leon the most money. Um, he doesn't think it's a particularly hard fight. So, And the UFC won it, obviously. That's their preference. So I don't think we're going to die, you know, plant our flag and, and, and die on the hill to say, no, we want to fight Bilal instead of Colby. Mm. You know, it's a partnership. So they're like, we'd prefer Colby. Leon's like, yeah, we'll do Colby then. No chance it's in the UK, it seems. Or is it possible? No, no, I think they'll go back next year because they're doing July. I think they can. I think it comes down to, to ESPN negotiations between where they do their pay. I'm not privy to that. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. I think it'll be US or Abu Dhabi, and then they'll go do another pay per view there next year. Do you think there's any chance, given his popularity, let's say he wins this fight, that they would go to a stadium? Hope so. I hope so. The problem is finding an indoor one because the UK obviously the weather's so temperamental in the UK. Wales. Yeah, there, there's something wrong. Someone explained the problem with that to me. Um, 
the boxing that I would do it because they can put it at a certain time. They do a bit earlier, I think, oh. because it's it's they got to do like US time or as close to. It's something to do with there isn't that many hotel rooms in Cardiff, and there's only like one train that ends at a certain time. It's a logistical problem oh. that stops that or something. Yeah, it's all logistical, and and. I don't think UFC loves stadium shows because really it's not a good viewing experience. Right. Like I've been to the ones in Australia. It, it's unless you're right at the front, it's yeah. not a good viewing yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. So I, I understand that. But for the sake of legacy and history, I would I would love that for him. Obviously, the other big one that I'm wondering, and everyone is, is uh, Yuri Yuri yeah. Prochaska. I saw Jamal Hill recently yeah. say like I'm tired of waiting. Yeah, we're, we're, Yuri's good to go. He's ready. Yeah, we're not. He's not. You're not waiting on Yuri. Yuri's, Yuri's good. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. They, they again. Yeah. I saw his post where it seemed like he was declaring that, but yeah, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. What's, they, they, what's the holdup? Just finding a slot. Well, I think what what the, they have, they have Colby and Leon is a main event worthy fight, and Yuri and Jamal's a main event worthy fight. But it looks like, like August is booked, September's probably going to be Izzy, October I think they got to put Islam there, yeah. Um, November they're talking Jones, December. So it's like, where do you put these guys if they don't have main events? What you got to the days of two pay, uh, two title fights on a pay per view? Yeah, I mean that that may I don't think they're opposed to that necessarily, but I think they're kind of. If I had to had to read between the lines in our conversations, I think a lot depends on what happens in July to make sure they got Izzy for September. Do they need to move that if someone's injured? So I think maybe after this July eight card, we'll get things will start moving pretty quickly. But Yuri's. 100%. Ready to go. to go. UFC told us him and Jamal's the fight. They just need to place it there. So no concerns about that. Okay. He's back. Um, Casey O'Neill is back too. Yep. How did she uh, handle the last fight? All right. Casey, the chosen princess. Yeah. I know she'll be watching this. Um, <laughs> She's your only female fighter. My only female fighter. She's like my little sister, honestly. Okay. I love Casey. She uh, does my head in sometimes, but I love her. <laughs> she, she's... She's honestly like like a, a little sister to me. So, she's uh, she's good. It, it was she she took it hard. Like she's a, she wears you know Casey wears her heart on her sleeve, and she's a very emotional person. She'll tell you that. She took it hard, and you start to ask the questions. As like she that was a nine month ACL turnaround. Yeah, the torn ACL. Yeah. Very quick. Yeah. Yeah. Very quick. He's a tough opponent. Yeah, she she he won a tough opponent. I just didn't think she didn't fight well. She didn't adjust. She didn't go to her grappling, and and I think that hurt her because. I think she knew she could be a lot better, and that they're the losses that suck when you think you could, like, you get your ass kicked, you get knocked out, you're like shit happens. But when it's like, oh, I really underperformed. So um, with Casey, it's just reminding her, like, you're 25 years old. This is a sport where people lose. It's not all over. Like, I still think she's going to be a world champion. It's just get back and build, and don't be so hard on yourself. And and she'll get there. She'll get there. Does Ty have his next fight? Uh, not not yet, but it'll be Sydney. Sydney, okay. it'll be Sydney. We're just figuring out. Who are we talking about? Who are we thinking? Anyone in particular? Anyone around there? I like Volkov. I like Rosenstrike. Okay, as well, someone who's not going to wrestle him. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Not that he can't handle that. He's knocked out wrestlers, but you know he, he's coming off some really hard fights like Cyril Gann and Sergey, two title fight chat. You know, yeah, yeah. title contenders. So and he took the Sergey one on short notice, but um, like Ty, I believe is proved even in the in the. Um, Cyril fight, like he rocked him, hurt him. Like he's elite of the elite, and I don't think you gotta like rebuild him, if you will. But a striker fight would be fun for the Sydney crowd. And by the way, I'm not asking you specifically about Max because he's coming yeah. in in a couple of minutes here. Although I feel like if I ask him, like, is it true? Yeah, I saw a zombie wrote on my Instagram yeah. post today. He's like, I'm Let's waiting. Go. Yeah, uh, we all are. Everyone's waiting. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. I mean, Max said I won that fight. Zombie said I won that fight. 
uh, you know, UFC will do their thing. It's just picking the day. Hopefully. And I mean, they got to lock it in, but yeah. Sure. Uh, something I learned about you, and I've known you for a very long time, almost a decade now. Uh, I never knew you were a big pro wrestling guy. Yeah. And then I see you at a freaking Lucha, uh, Lucha show. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like dropping all this stuff on the, the bloodline, this yeah, and all yeah. that. So you're a big pro wrestling fan. Yeah, I, I would say there's, I'm, not in, I'm not in MMA if it's not for pro wrestling. That, that was, was like the, my, some of my earliest memories of life is watching pro wrestling. Like, I, I don't know how it worked from a licensing perspective, but I guess in Perth, when I was like six or seven, we, we had, WCW was on TV. We didn't get WWF until I was probably like 10 or 11. Okay. So yeah, started WCW. That was hot my whole life. Until probably like five years ago, the reality era didn't really do it for me and I dropped off a bit. But in the past like year and a half, I'm like, I'm watching, You're watching everything. Everything, yeah. AW? <laughs> nah, oh, okay. a bit, a bit. I don't watch NXT. I'll, I'll watch it like from a social media perspective. I follow social media. I'll get yeah. like the, the hits on that, but more WWE. There's a great uh, Australian uh, wrestler in NXT. Actually, I think he's Buddy. moving up. No, Grayson Waller. Yeah, they does shoeies. Yes, this guy's <laughs> he does great. Shoeies. He's a huge MMA fan too. Yeah, at WrestleMania. There's... Have you ever considered repping the wrestlers? No one's ever done nah. that. No one's done. Meaning they have representation, but no, yeah. I, no one's done MMA. Actually, you know, Lloyd, Lloyd Pearson. I think for a minute was repping uh, Charlotte Flair. Right. But just given your interest in it, have you ever thought about that, or is it just a completely different world? It's, I wouldn't even know where to start. Okay. Like people ask about boxing, it's like I, I love. There's, there's two parts to it. Firstly. To, I think to be excellent, you got to be all in. And it's like, I, I want to specify on MMA. I know the MMA business, like the back of my hand, I'd be an amateur boxing or amateur wrestling, not as in the sport amateur. I would be the amateur in that world because I don't know anything about it. I know like the business of wrestling, how some of it works, but I wouldn't like, no relationships there, nothing. Like I could learn it, but I, I don't think I would be, it would take me a while to grow in that. And I'm happy where I am. And then the second thing is, not I still love MMA. I still watch a lot of MMA. But when it's like what you do for work and you've seen behind the curtain, it can take some of the, the fun out of it. So in the, the WWE and boxing in particular, I don't want to go there because then I can't enjoy it as a fan mm. as much. So that... That I don't see myself doing that. You never know. But I yeah, yeah. No, no, I totally understand. So you just want to stick to MMA, even though... I believe uh, initially, and I think it still might be the case in your logo, there are boxing yeah. clubs. Yeah, that, but that was just like, so many people picked up on that. I guess you, you said your mom mentioned that <laughs> My too. My mom right? didn't yes. like it. Yeah. But I was like, to me, the boxing glove is like, so I, I, I started in Muay Thai. Like that was what, I was pro wrestling as a fan, but Muay Thai was... was like you competed? Yeah, it changed my life. Okay. Like that's what really changed my life. Like I... I, I I won't go too deep into it, but but changed me a lot as a person. You know, okay. gave me a lot of confidence. You know, and changed changed a lot of who I was. Could, could I ask how, how to change specifically? I mean, I was I was I came from a smaller town. Perth is it's it's not like a country town, but it's smaller. You know, I'm from the western suburbs of Perth. Everybody knows everyone. I was very growing up. I I, I really cared what people thought, mm. right? And and I exuded a lot of confidence. I'm naturally a, 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 an introvert. Like I'm I'm not out a lot. I'm an introverted person and I exude a lot of confidence, but I'm, I wasn't a confident person at all as a kid. I was not a, I, you know, I, I, I used to get anxious. I used to really care what people thought. Like I was the first generation where social, we were the first ones with social right, media, right? right. And I, I really, really cared a lot and it wore on me. It was when I moved to the Gold Coast and so I had a lot of like fake confidence, right? When I moved to the Gold Coast, I left Perth when I was 17 
you know, started kind of fresh over there. I was at, I was at uni. When I started doing Muay Thai, I found that I gained real confidence. Mm. You understand? Like, like I was, I was, I was, it made me a better person. And now I think a lot of my success has been because I have a good sense of self. Like, to a point where it may even be negative, I really don't care what people think if they're not people that are important to me. I really don't care about that. And, and that, a lot of that I gained through Muay Thai. I gained real confidence, not in like, oh, I can fight now, but that crosses over into the rest of your life and just confidence in business, in, in relationships, in talking to people. Before, and I, I was deep, deep into Muay Thai. Like I was training twice a day, I was fighting, like I got into the culture and that really changed me as a person when I came back after training there in the Gold Cup, when I moved to the US, I was completely different and that, that fake confidence that I exuded was real confidence and I attribute that to martial arts and Muay Thai and the world that I'm in now. Wow. And now you're representing some of the biggest three champions out of your yeah. 30% of your roster yeah. are champions. Then you've got legends like Max, Future. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty damn impressive at 31. Uh, I'm very happy. I'm very yeah. Happy. And you went yeah. out on your own, independent Tim. Yep. And yep. you travel less. Way less. That's it's great. Nice. It's great. Yeah, and that was a big thing. Like, I wouldn't say I'm working less, but I'm working now on my own terms and, and you know, not being in a big company, you get more time. And I had to, I had to, for, for the eight years there, I was like doing it. I felt like I was doing everything for everybody else, mm. my clients, my company. And while that still has to be the mindset, because I'm in it's a service industry, I work for these people, but um, I really, I feel like I'm doing more for myself finally. And that feels good. And I was kind of scared to do that because I'm like, that's going to make me a bad manager. Mm. But I actually feel like I'm, I'm doing more for myself for the first time in a long time. And it feels really good. I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I appreciate well it. done, my friend. Thank you. Congratulations. Having us. Uh, I think in a matter of seconds here, we're going to be joined by uh, your, your, well, I was going to say your newest client, but he is second newest, second newest Max Holloway. Oh, there he is, Tim Simpson, everyone. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Chosen advisory, the chosen few. There's the man. Thank you so much for coming in, Tim. Appreciate time. it. And then we'll bring in the pride of Wineye here. Max Blessed, what's happening, my hey, guy? Man, How are you? Good to see I'm you. Good, good. Please have a seat. Oh, it's so nice to have you here, Max. Yes, sir. I think uh, first time ever. Ever. Look ever. at you. In ever. the spot. In the hot seat. Yeah, pretty sick. It's nice to have you here, my friend. You know what I was thinking? There's no, like, Max toy or anything. Yeah, I know. I was looking. I was trying to look. Where, where No, no. Does, does any exist? Yeah, we got the, uh, the, when they did the action figures. They have them? Yeah. I need to get that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a bobble? Did you ever get a bobblehead? No, I never got a bobblehead. You got fat DC how, how over there. I have like nine DCs. They made Why like you got so much DCs. I don't know. He's not a very good friend, and yet look, look, yeah. I put him over there. I put. He won't say my name on any of his shows. He refused to acknowledge me. Yeah, I know. It's a bit you should awkward. probably take him down. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, this is great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks I appreciate it. It was good to see you on me. Sunday at the premiere. Oh yeah, I was sick. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. What would you wait. think of the film? Ah, man, amazing, man. I can't wait. Um, I got to talk to uh, AZ a little bit after, too, and uh, just how open he was, you know, without giving too much away. Yeah. It's just uh, they get to see a different view of us fighters that we go through, you know? A lot of people think we're superheroes, and the vulnerability of uh, of Izzy, and not only Izzy, of Eugene, too. <laughs> seeing, seeing that side, you know, everybody was telling me that like, Eugene is a big, uh, like, this big bad guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's this tough guy, but... He's actually a nice teddy bear, you know. Most yes. of the guys who's that has that tough exterior, exterior, is usually some of the nicest people in the world. So it's good to see both of those sides, and I can't wait to to the world can see it, man. Yes. Whatever it premieres, hopefully it premieres big, and um, 
the, his story get out, man. It was, it was very touching. There's been some great MMA docs. This is up there, in my opinion, as mm. one of the best. And I was like, man, you got a great story too. When you're watching that, are you thinking, oh, I would like something like this about me or I should have had cameras following me? <laughs> like, Were you thinking that at all? I mean, it, it, it was amazing. You know, we was here for Izzy. You know, yeah. that's what it is. So that was in my mind. But then, of course, Tim asked me later, like, well, what did you think about that? You know, and I was like, I'd love to. You know, we had we had some cameras following us here and there. So we do have some behind the scenes stuff. But okay. at the end of the day, yeah, the story would be good. You know, I, I, liked, uh, I like how a lot of people, when they see Stylebender, you know, the, the, the doc, it's not an MMA doc, man. No. It's an it's a, it's a actual doc. It's not a UFC doc or anything. It's an actual life doc which i think so it's cool man you get to see a little bit you get to find out more about the dude and guys who already connect themselves to style is going to be even more connected because they're probably like oh look like some of the stuff that happened like i can compare it to that so it's uh it's amazing man you know and and style actually sent uh he reached out to me when he found out that i was in new york you know oh, wow. for the premieres i just we found out that day he's like hey yo he's like, what's up brother he dm'd me on instagram he's like tim said you're here <laughs> I got my, I never know what they, they had to release, you know, and then he said, I'm be, I'll be out here. Let me know. I can get you tickets. So that's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. Especially since, and, and I feel like I know the answer to the question, but like, you know, you, you, you fought his boy three times, mm. but there's no hard feelings, right? Eugene helped his guy try to beat you. Yeah. Is that at all weird initially? No, not for at you? all. I talk to Eugene all the time, you know, Eugene, you know, me and him. You still always, talk. Uh, I see Eugene. No, like Eugene, like yeah. whenever I see him, I talk to him. We always change, wow. change some conversations, you know, but. At the end of the day, it is what it is, you know, that's what it is. Like, I ain't, this ain't, to me, it ain't nothing personal, you know. He's the best guy in the world. I'm, I like to consider myself one of the best guys in the world, and I'll, I'll keep continuing, you know. Like, people keep giving me a hard time about maybe there be, being a fourth time is so hard. I'm like, it's not that hard, you know. If, uh, if you, whatever step I got to take to get that fourth one, uh, that fourth shot, I will, you know. If it's Ar- if it was Arnold, next one. If it's somebody else, keep feeding me, you know. I want to I wanna get back up there. Uh, and we'll talk about the career stuff, but I'm, I, I just want to, you know, because we don't get to ever talk like this, you know, we're always <laughs> on the Zoom and whatnot. How do you like New York? Do you like the I vibe love New York, bro. It's yeah. different than Hawaii. Oh, way different, bro. We had the horns beeping everywhere. Yes. It's like, it's a very fast It's good fast for a few city. days? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't sure. want to live here? Probably, yeah, probably not. Yeah. No, no, I love I love Hawaii because the ocean and yeah. and how, like, living, we're living more laid back. Yeah, a little here. bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean... If you beep your horn at somebody in Hawaii, they probably get out your car and fight you. So I don't know. <laughs> what about the uh, like? You go to the shoe stores. I know you're you're into all that. Have you been checking in here in New York? Well, uh, my wife's been shopping a bunch. Okay, not so you. I, yeah, I, I've been. You're just holding the bags. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been going wherever. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, man. We just uh, like I said after that last fight we, was our anniversary, like right after April 16th, our oh, wedding wow. anniversary. So I I order a bunch. So we ended up going to Japan, and then Tim ended up being like, hey. Let's do this. We go. Let's put a tour together. Let's do this and that East Coast tour. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I told my wife, and the only way to get her, I told her, I'd come with me, and we. I'll make sure we do days where we can just go around the city and stuff because she loves New York. So yeah, it's amazing. I thought you were gonna say the only way to get her to come was that you'd say you'd come to the Ariel Hawani show. Oh no, that was the, like the Tonight <laughs> Show or something. You know, like everyone wants to, everyone comes to New York. It's sort of like a big stop. Um, by the way, uh, you you were in Japan, like you said. I saw these photos of you guys, like you're wearing like this kimono. I think we're going to show it here in a mm-hmm. second. What, what was that? Look at you guys there. I mean, like. Yeah, it was dressing up, man. Where'd you get that? Uh, uh, whatever hotel you stay in Japan, this is in uh, Osaka, uh, Kyoto. Okay. I think I was in Kyoto or Osaka. I'm, I'm forgetting where we exactly was, but whenever you're at a hotel, like 
right near your hotel, there's places to rent, so you can just rent out kimonos. Oh, uh, sick. So. Pretty sick, bro. So you just like walk around the streets like that? Yeah, I wanted to. She <laughs> wanted to really dress up. I wanted to. It was pretty w- sick. Where's this? That's that's uh, Tokyo Revengers. That's an anime I watch, and that's their Golden Mikey. So the guys, uh, the guys knew I was, the guys who created the show knew I was big fans of them, and they reached out to us on Twitter. No way. And yeah, we ended up checking them out. They reach out to you. Yeah, they reach out to you. Hey, you want to come see this gold? Like nobody can see that that, that gold Twitter statue. So uh, not not Twitter statue. It's gold Mikey statue. And, okay. Uh, what is the the show? Tokyo Revengers. Tokyo Revengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the cartoon stuff. It, I wouldn't say anime. Cartoon, sorry. Anime. Is that is that insulting? I, oh, rare. So you, are, you imagine if style was here. What? If if is it a cartoon? You, no, it's an anime. It's What's the difference? Karate chop you. Why? Animation. That's the difference. Yeah, that's cartoon. Ah, uh, no, no. That's insulting. If I say I, that to bro, someone, you're gonna be wow. pissed off a lot of people. That's who like watch someone anime. saying to me like pro wrestling's fake. I'm like, it's not fake. Yeah. That's like the same thing. Yeah, ex- almost. I would say almost because, but pro wrestling—that's insulting. Cartoon yeah. is an insulting word. Yeah, just like how saying pro wrestling is fake is yeah. insulting, you know, because it's just it's a script win- winner. Yes. But these guys putting their bodies on the line—they're athletes. So, yeah. Is that your favorite one? No, right now I've been right now I've been finally uh, falling in love with Naruto Shippuden. This whole trip I've been watching Naruto, Naruto Shippuden. Shippuden. Yeah. Where can, where can I see this? Uh, on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Yeah, Naruto okay. is on, on. Is that an anime too? Yeah, it's an anime. Yeah. And yeah. is it for kids as well, or is it? Uh, so there's Naruto. That's like more kid friendly, and then Naruto Shippuden is like a little bit more like towards teens and stuff. Okay, and you watch. This is like what you choose to watch. Yeah, uh, we're watching it right now. Wow, like, super good. Bro. How many episodes? Bro, there's like thousands of. Them. Oh, it's old school one. Yeah, and it's and it's like it's it, there's a lot. I'm on like episode and like Shippuden. I'm on like three hundred something right now. And is it subtitle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, so they're yeah. speaking Japanese? I, I, I do, uh, it's called dub and sub. I do dub uh, on, on Naruto Shippuden. But okay. then uh, Tokyo Revenge and stuff, we do sub. Well, we, it's in Japanese and you read. Okay. Was that your first time in Japan? Uh, no, I've been in Japan a couple of times. Um, and like, what do you think about it? Like, I love Japan, it's incredible, man. Yeah. I love my Japan. Yeah, my, I mean, the food there is great. Oh. The food there is great and cheap. Yeah, yeah. And so the people, the, the people there are so nice, man. They're so accommodating. And then, just getting around, walking around is great. I mean, if there's any place in this world where I'd want to live, it would probably be in Japan. Really? Yeah. Other than Hawaii, one hundred percent would be Japan. Just because of the vibe. Just yeah, just how it is. Just how it is. You know, super sick. Never got to fight there. Never did. Nope. Would you like to do that? I'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you that remember that sick. one time when they did that. They did that two cards in the same night where yeah. they did that home, the American card and yes, they went yes, straight yes. to the Japan card. That was yeah. pretty cool. But I'd love to fight in Japan. You know, the whole theatrics uh, that happens with it is pretty yeah. cool. People, how you can dress up and even how like the fans are just like clapping in between. You know, it's like, amazing. Yeah, it's, I, would, I would love Have to. Have you ever been to that. a fight in Japan? Uh, one of my boys, my, the, my wrestling coach, Michael Nakagawa, he got to fight in Japan a bunch of times. Like two times I got to corner him. It wasn't like Really big ones though, but was it was cool, you know? Is that is that kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. like you see knockout, oh, like yeah, you yeah, hear yeah. that? So it's and how far pretty, is it from Hawaii? Uh, what seven hours, six hour flight? Oh, so that's yeah, not bad. Yeah, that's like the twelfth island. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like going to almost like live it longer than going. Actually, the same if we, if we was to fly to Vegas. Right. So it's just in the opposite direction. Right, right, right. Oh man, I love Japan. I got to go to UFC one forty four there when it was uh, Benson against Frankie Edgar. Did the, is that the same one as uh, uh, that's when Joe fought uh, Pettis? 
Cholo's on. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That was a great one. Yeah, that was on Sick. Rampage was there. And they love Rampage. They love Rampage. Yeah, Rampage yes. is a god over there, right? Yes, I yeah. got to walk around the streets with him, and we went to an arcade together. We did a video. And I beat his ass in uh, Street Fighter Tekken. And I don't play video games. Yeah. And he was like talking up and I beat him on the first try. But just walking around Japan with Rampage because they remember him from Pride. It's like you're, you're, you're walking around with like a legit celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting, fighting and, uh, and the sumo's there. It's like they're just yes. gods over there. It's crazy. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Frankie, uh, didn't you do um, like a seminar in Tom's River? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, What was yeah. that like? It was good fun. I was tripping out. We, we they, had... They showed you love? No oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We, we sold out the... Things so, are like 60, 65, whatever the gym could hold. They, they had to stop it because that's how much the gym could, could hold for the seminar. So it was super sick, man. I loved it. And then uh, I did a meet and greet too on the, for the fight night on that Saturday this past week. Yeah. And uh, Frankie's uh, uh, stepdad came. Oh, wow. And Frankie couldn't come. He's, I was trying to get Frankie to come, but they had something to do with the, the film festival too. They had a uh, Saturday night, they were showing something. I don't know if Frankie was in a movie or okay. or one of his friends he's supporting, but yeah, that's something they didn't come out. So So you did that, and then uh, this weekend, and we're going to show you're, you're going to Maryland. Yes, sir. You like doing this stuff? It's my first one ever. First so, time doing yeah, seminars? Yeah, so it's super really? fun. Super fun, yeah. Wow, really first thought, time? Yeah. I'm surprised. I mean, yeah, I, t- I taught, uh, I did a couple of kickboxing classes. I teached a little while earlier in my UFC career at our gym, but then, yeah, not really the seminar. So it's pretty cool. I didn't know what to expect, and I never really did any seminar. I did, like, jiu-jitsu seminars, but I never did a striking or MMA one, so being able to run one was pretty fun. Does it ever blow your mind? Like, you're a guy from Waianae, Hawaii, and here you are in South Jersey, yeah. and there's people, like, paying to learn and be next to you in the same room. Does that blow your mind, or is this all just kind of old hat at this point? Do you ever have moments when you're like, this is some crazy shit? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, that's what I say. Like, every day, I'm like, I'm, in the other, I'm across the country, you know what I mean? Yes. Literally, across yes. the country, and then more. Yes. Not only across the country, but and then more, because there's the ocean. But, yeah, you know, I just... You got to take it in, you know, and uh, it's just a blessing to see these guys. And some guys was that our first seminar that we did on Saturday, some guys didn't even know how to strike. They just came to do they it. Just they just wanted to do it. Wow. And, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I thought so guys signing up was going to be like at least like mid-level or, or fighters or guys who train, but brand new guys, guys without even, we had a couple guys in, in the class without no gloves. So I was like, wow, it's pretty cool. Do you think when you're done, you'll want to be a coach? I always see what happens, you know. I always be like, I don't want to be a coach. I want to be done with the sport. I want to just walk away. And when I'm done, I'm done. But disappear. Yeah, who knows, man? I because like I love, I love like helping some of my teammates, most of my teammates out. Like I, I love when they got a question. I try, I, I can kind of try to show them. It's, it's kind of frustrating, but then when they figure it out, it's the best feeling in the world. Like, oh wow, this guy finally got it, you know. So we see, you know, never say never. Is it part of you? Is just like you just don't want to be bothered anymore? I mean, I don't know. I just, I just know the, I know the shit I give my coaches. Yeah, I know. Th- and then not only that, I know the shit that the that us as a fighter need to go through. So always I, I, I in my mind, I was like, man, I just when I'm I, when I'm over this, I don't even want to talk about fighting. I don't want to do nothing with fighting. But that's just me talking right now. You know, uh, like who knows? I should, could be home sitting sitting at home and just be one of those guys that just drives crazy because it's like, what the hell do I do now? Right, you know right. and. And I'm sure I got to fight, fill the void as soon as fighting's gone. So never seen ever. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, like you don't really watch random fights, right? No, I haven't been watching. I don't really watch fights, period. I, yeah. I really don't try. I try not to. I when, just, why is that? 
I do this. This is what I do. You know what I yeah. mean? At the end, if, if there's like my friend, you know, like my former friend, like DC, but I don't have to worry because he's, he's your fired. former friend too. Yeah, he's a former friend. Fuck. Yeah, okay, yeah. both of us. He's he's not loyal to you as well. <laughs> no, okay, no it's good to, bro, I guess, at least it's not just me. I no, it's everybody, bro. Okay, okay, it's good. everybody. Yeah, I yeah. think we have a group. We have a fan page. I can invite to you later on Facebook. Oh, okay, cool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll respond to my messages there. Fucking so send him a message. Yeah. You don't watch anything. No, not really. Like, I watch something here and there. Or if somebody tells me, "Oh, you gotta watch this fight," I'll go rewatch it. But most of the time, I'm, I'm probably not gonna watch it live. Were you always like that? Yeah, I didn't care too much. Like, Even when you're coming up, like you're 21. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you'd you watch like uh, Aldo and Pettis guys and whatever, but sometimes it was even live. I, I, or most of the times if I did, it was just because my friend was like, oh, bro, I'm watching the fights over my house, come over. And I got nothing to do, you know? Wow. But now I got like so much stuff. I got a kid, you know? Yeah. Like I got Rush. My wife loves going surfing and doing outdoor stuff. So it's just about like, ah. Let's go do this instead of sitting around for four or three hours and watching something. More you know? than that. Yeah, Six, yeah, seven sometimes, hours yeah. sometimes. By the way, I heard, correct me if I'm wrong, you used to live in Waianae. Do I still live yeah. here? Yeah, I still live in Waianae. I heard that you and your wife are like celebrities in <laughs> Waianae. Like you are the celebrity couple. Like you can't get, people are taking pictures of you all the time. Like you are you are the, the kings and queen of Waianae. <laughs> is that accurate? This is what I was told. I mean, she would not, but she's like, okay, where we're from, uh, the West Side is all Waianae side, but then... She's from the city called Macaw. Like okay. it's in Waianae. Like there's four it's different cities that not Nanakuli, Miley, Waianae, and then Macaw. But then all our zip codes is the same. But like when we're, when you're from that side of the island, whatever you are, like if you're a Nanakulian, you're a Nanakuli. Like you won't tell someone you're from Waianae. You know, if you're a Miley person, you bet oh, I'm from Miley. I'm uh-huh. not from Waianae. You know, and then and then Macaw is the same. So don't ever. If you ever talk to her, there's a heads up. Uh, don't call her the queen but of Waianae because she, she's a she's a macaw girl through and through. It, it isn't like Waianae sort of like the umbrella? Over- I, that's what I try to tell people. I mean, I, I know a bunch of Waianae, Miley, Nanakuli, macaw people probably watching the show right now. They'd probably yeah. be pissed at me when I come home. But I always tell them, like, whenever there's an argument to me, I'm like, brother, what is your zip code? Uh-huh. And our zip code is the same. So it's like, come on. Okay, but is that true though? Are you guys? I mean, she's a, she's a professional surfer. She, she was on the World Surf League for a couple of years, so... Yeah, everybody know who who both of us are. So it's it's and it's not like it's like LeBron being in Akron, you know. It's not like people's picking taking pictures. Like they see us all the time out, you know. Like they're, you don't they're get real, bothered. yeah, it's they're not real annoying. cool. Yeah, everybody's real cool. It's like it's most of the time like people that live there or people that are visiting and we're at the beach or something, and then they're the people that live there, their friends that's visiting with them. We're like, oh, can we go up there? And then most of the times that. If they're with somebody that lived there or friends that they have there, and they're like, oh, I'm going to tell Max or tell Lessa Hyde, their friend is like, no, don't do that. They're, they're chilling with their family. Leave them alone because they're so used to seeing us. You know, they, they, a lot of these guys, I, they saw me since I was like a young kid, you know, at Wine Eye Store and Tomorrow's or whatever it be, you know. So at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not crazy. They know who we are, and, you know, and we're respected, but it's not insane. Like, oh, we're always taking pictures. How did you guys meet? How we met, oh, man, I... We did. We knew of each other. I was like uh, semi, probably stalking her on Instagram, you know, and just planting seeds here and there at her birthday party every year. DMs, of, some DMs. You slide DMs in. and planting, planting my seeds. She had like she, uh, she would always have like this birthday at at the famous Macaw Beach. Okay. And uh, one of my friends was like her friends, and uh, he would always invite me. 
so and show up and she'd always be like what the hell is this guy doing here like she knew who i was like why are you are you to are you like max holloway champion at this point yeah I was and she's still was, like yeah. why is this guy here yeah like why yeah that's how come she was yeah. even more and then all her all her cousins like why is he here you know like why is this guy here but <laughs> i was like i would just tell her it's a free beach my yeah. friend would invite me and yeah. i just so happened it was your birthday it was, it was a <laughs> coincidence it, it, no it was a thought out plan I, to her is a coincidence yes, you yes, know? Yes. she should never know that but then it's a it was a very I played the long game. You did? Played the long game. How, how long was the long game? Uh, very long, brother. Very multiple long. years. Yeah, you're married now. Yeah, you... married now. We're happy. Oh, good. So. Did you want to be married? Like, was for that sure. A, that was sure. a big thing for yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Did that have anything to do with the way you were brought up? I know, like, you know, your dad wasn't around too yeah, much. Yeah. Your mom, you, your grandparents kind of raised yeah, yeah, you, right? Yeah. Was it very important for you? Yeah, especially exactly. for your son. Exactly. That's what it is. You know, I wanted to show my son that, uh, that, what it had to be to have a father and a mother, you know, because I, I, I really didn't have both of them, you know, I didn't have a dad at all. I had, and it was funny because like it took, uh, it took my wife to explain to me that like, yeah, you had father figures, but that's not the same, you know, like my grandpa was my father figure and, and she had the hard time explaining. I'd always fight with her and I'd be like, no, he's like my dad. He's like, no, but he's not, he stood your grandpa, you know, and she finally, it finally hit me where it's like, yeah, he was a father figure, but he wasn't my actual father, you know, so. If I can give my son a father and mother, then it'd be great. Um, do you do you have any contact with your dad now? Not really, not really. Yeah, not really at all. Does that bother you? No, it is what it is. You know, I I, I settled that. I settled that quite a while ago. You know, I, uh, when I was growing up, I I wanted to contact him, this and that, and for some reason, you know, I, my mom had her reasons, and she was like, no, no, no. Finally, I was of age. I did it my side. Tried it out. Didn't really work out. So it's like, it's cool. You know, I understand. I got no ill will to the guy. You know what I mean? Like, I got to, I got to send love his way. Cause without him, I wouldn't be here right, today. Right. So, but at the end of the day, yeah, it doesn't hurt me at all. You know, it happens. Do you even People know where he apart. is? Yeah, he's still, he's on the island. Oh, yeah, he's you, on the island. It's not small enough to where you may run into each other. I mean, it is. It, it could, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. So, and what about your mom? My mom, I still talk, yeah, my mom is there, yeah. She's been to your fights and yeah, everything. Yeah, all she's time. all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's good. I know she has battled some stuff yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's good? Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's okay. good. She's good. I mean, when you battle that kind of stuff, it's never ever, it's a never ended battle, you know? So she's still fighting those stuff, but she's, I would say she's good, you know? I was uh, watching some old interviews of you, uh, and I, you told a story. I think it was to Tyron Woodley when he came to visit you. Uh huh. When you were in fifth grade. Which is wild because I just came from my son's fifth grade graduation this morning, so I'm all like emotional about it and shit. Oh, I grabbed the bandana. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Crazy. You, you took the. You're learning about drugs. Yeah. And you dare was in the dare. Pro, yes. You know the dare project. Yes. D a r e. e yeah. Right. So so you're learning about drugs. You go home and what happens? I go home. I grab this bandana, like thinking like, well, last at that time it was like you want to be a ninja. You know, you remember like you put it on your you put it on your head or you put it like the cowboys whatever. Pull this thing off the shelf and freaking crack pipe hits the ground. And I'm like thinking, I look, I see it. I'm like, holy shit, like, what the hell? Like, I'm like putting it together, like, oh, wow. Like, what, what? At first, I was like this. I was figuring it. I was figuring I was like, what is this? Whatever. I put it back, you know, put the banana back, put it back, put it back. And then one year later, sixth grade is the DARE program. And then I found out, like, holy shit. Like, that's what that was. Yeah, that's a fucking, wow. that's a crack pipe. And I was like, what the hell is going on, you know? And You didn't uh, know at the time your mom. I didn't know. I didn't know. So was this, uh, it was insane. But then I saw some stuff that you're not supposed to see, you know, like my mom fighting with, with her. Uh, with her siblings and stuff over like in front of us when we we're like kids and showering and stuff. So I always thought like, what the hell is going on? Like to me, this is normal. 
You know what I mean? This is normality for me because I see this. You know what I mean? So I'm not questioning it. And then when you watch these movies and stuff, that's come most of the time I watch movies, like, this is fake. Mm. There's no way a family can be like this or whatever. So at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's just things I feel like I had to go through, I had to endure so I can get my story out later on. Um, when you found that pipe, did you ask her? No, I didn't. I'll put this shit. I, it looked... It looked like it wasn't supposed to be touched or messed with anyway. Okay. So I put it around, like, I used to get cracks, you know, for my mom, my grandpa, my grandma. Like, if we got out of line and we did something bad, we get, we stood in that time where we'd get lickings with, like, yeah. hangers and belts or whatever is in arm reach, you know what I mean? Pet, like, uh, wooden spatulas, uh, iron tongs, whatever it is, you know? And I was like, Whoosh, I better put this back and put it exactly how I found it and get out of here before I hit cracks. So when did you find out that she was using drugs? To six, uh, sixth grade when I put That's it, I was when, like, okay. what? The, the dare, the one year later, yes. I was like, what the hell is this? I've seen this at my house, you know what yeah. I mean? But I'm not, but I'm not, in my mind, I'm like, who the hell do I tell? I cannot not tell. I just had to live with it, you know? I lived with it forever until, like, we was in high school and we could actually, like, question about it or or, or my, I had, a, I had an older brother that was, like, four years older than me and he was, like, he was, like, telling them stuff and then he was in high school, uh, in college, he's graduating college, he's having a kid, and then I remember him like telling my mom, like, you're not gonna be a part of this kid's, uh, your, this grand, your grandchild's life if you don't clean, and then I think that was the thing that pushed her, you know, and she's been, she been good ever since. Oh, wow, that was it? Yeah. Damn, you, you, you mentioned that like, you, she would go away for like three, four, five days. Brother, without me knowing, you know what I mean? And I'm just like. So I'm who's just, raising you? My grandma, my grandma, okay. so we lived, we lived with my grandma and grandpa. Okay, and when you say we, how many of you was uh, me, that? Uh, me, my younger brother, and then my older brother. Okay. That's pretty much who raised us. And it was like, my grandma and grandpa's house was like the house for all, all of the grandkids. So like at one point, there was like all, like they have my uh, my cousins had like maybe like 10, 12 of us in the house at a time, you know, like because we all went to the same elementary school. And then when they started like, moving out of Waianae or, or going to a different school or some of them went to a different school out of Waianae, then they all started like not really coming over and stuff. But then most of the time was, I always had cousins, you know, and uh, and growing up with them. So it was just, I always had like a lot of people in the right. house. Right. But when, when she's away for like four, five, six, seven days, are you asking your brothers or your grandparents? Like I, I think so. It was m- more me and my younger brother. Like we'd always ask each other like, what, you know you know, if what, like his mom coming or whatever, or, and then she'd just show up out of the blue and then it'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. But it would be scary, you know, like we know she would disappear and be like, what the hell is going on? You know, like one or two days is one day fine. And the two days start tanking and three days and like, cause she was the one that she would use, usually would take us to practice, like to when we was playing baseball or whatever, you know, and then my grandma would take us and then she'd just show up on the Saturday game and it'd be like, oh, okay. And we, I thought that was normal. That was the original dream for you, right? Baseball player. Yeah, 100%. You wanted to be a baseball player. Yeah. And that's, correct me if I'm wrong, like around ninth grade, you found out like you need good grades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what really like. Exactly. What? Why baseball? What was it about baseball? I just was playing baseball all the time, you know. What position? I was I was an infielder. Okay. Yeah, I used to play baseball all the time. And, uh, and then like even ninth grade, I have a cousin that's like two years older than me. Like one of my, he was my best man at my wedding, you know, like a brother. I'd consider him a brother. And uh, he just always like, he was just, he was always better than me and faster and stronger or whatever, but I always just would compete with him. I would be like, bro, I'm going to compete with you, you know? Like, I'd like, 
the only reason why I played the position is because he was playing it. I was like, I'm going to be better than you. Like, I said, so what it is. I was just competitive in that way. Like, like to the point where, like, we even, uh, with him, we'd play, like, uh, like, Chase Master on top of the street, you know, like, tag. And, like, he would do in juke. I would see him do him. I would start trying to do him just so I, to find out if I could do it better, you know? So that's just what it is, you know? I was just competitive from, uh, from being a young kid. And uh, why did you stop playing baseball? I found fighting. Oh, wow. Yeah. How did you find fighting? So ninth grade, ninth grade play baseball, tenth grade playing baseball. Towards the end of the season, I met this I met this guy named Josh Keanu, one of my best friends now, and he got me into fighting. So he was fighting, you know, this tall, goofy kid with like he had this weird like mohawk. I remember in ninth grade I saw him and I'd be like, and I was like telling myself like, what the hell is this guy's deal? Like I'd fucking beat this guy. He was huge though. I was tiny. I was a small kid, so I don't even know what I was thinking. I was just. Being an idiot, and because I was just a hothead kid, all the way to, all the way through, all the way to ninth grade, until I know when I had to figure it out, you know. And then I remember I was like, I'd probably beat this kid up. Which two years later, thank the Lord, I didn't try him because he, and I became friends. He invited me to come train, and he beat me up that night in training with just like one punch, a jab. Wow! Literally, just beat me, like beat me up, and I was like questioning. I remember going home and thinking, like, holy shit. <laughs> Thank the Lord I didn't fight him in school. I would have been, I would have been, I would have got my ass kicked. <laughs> I would straight up. I don't know how else to say it. So, and then there was him, you know, and then he was fighting on Saturday. So I went training with them on Wednesday, had that sparring. I did good at sparring, except for him. He's like, he's like six, I think like six, four. Oh, wow. Whatever, 100, 190 pounds, you know, like I'm like, I'm like probably like five, seven, five, eight, like 100. 25 pounds. You're a high school pounds. kid. Yeah, high school yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, you know? And, but he's a high school kid. We see him great. Jeez. He's just huge. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Like, he was. He fought at 185. That's why that that uh, that fight night. But, yeah, he told me, yeah, come. I'm, I'm getting ready for a fight, whatever. I guess so sparring. I did good with everybody else, this and that. And then we come back Thursday, and I, I, I show back to training, and then the coach asked me, hey, you want to fight Saturday? And then I was like, I was like, yeah, why not? And he's like, oh, you beat the first fight of the night. The fight just dropped out at 125, a kickboxing one. I was like, oh, for sure. Because in my mind, I had to ask my grandma for $35. <laughs> there's no way, you know what I mean? I'm like, there's no way they're going to give me thir- like $35 to go and watch this fight, yeah? So I'm thinking, I fight, I get it for free, and I can watch my friends fight. And then so I, instead of going to my grandma, when I come home, my mom was home. I was like, oh, mom, I want to fight. I, I, so I want to fight this Saturday. Can I, can I get your consent? And she was like, and then the only thing she said, Yo, are you going to win? I was like, I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, you better win if I'm letting you fight. And then ended up, you know, that Thursday, Saturday, Friday win, Saturday fight, ended up winning. And I was just hooked, bro. That was You've like, only been training for like a week at this point. Yeah, three days with him. That's insane. I mean, I guess that guy had, had you some. you nervous? No, I just wanted to fight, bro. I was like, bro, I, I mean, you, we got into street fights. I would fight with my younger brother all the time. This and, is a little bit different. Yeah, this is a little bit different. But then this is a fight. And in my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I I get to get into the fights for free. I don't have to pay. You saved $35, bro. So I'm like, bro, this is easy. This is and what easy. is this, MMA? No, 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 no. Kickboxing. kickboxing. Just straight kickboxing. Okay. So this is like the time when You're K1 like was huge. Yeah, I was 16. Yeah. And K1 was huge. So I was like, oh, I want to be a K1 fighter. And then two years later, we're all graduating. And this guy and uh, BJ is fighting uh, the freaking GSP, the Canadians' great, yeah. great hope, and whatever. This is the first or the second? I have no, I, I forget which one it is, but I remember they was fighting. What year is this? Uh, it's so uh, oh, oh nine. I think yeah, oh nine. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was ninety four when he went up to one seventy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so yeah, it was oh nine. Yeah. So yeah, it was that fight. 
and I remember seeing his his payment or something online or something said that he's making 30 or 60k. And I I thought like, wow, that's a lot of money, you know what I mean? Like I bro, forget this kickboxing shit. We gotta go in MMA. So decided to MMA and the rest is history. That is what by the way, did you win the fight, the first one? Yeah, yeah. My nose is like Regular size. My nose after that fight, I got kicked three times in the face that fight. It looked like yours, Arrow. It was terrible. Wow. It was terrible. Wow. <laughs> but it was like five times the size of my nose now. And I was like thinking like, damn, this is crazy. But how fun it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I won the fight. A decision. 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 Yeah, so what, what is it for like a 16-year-old? Is it three rounds? Uh, it was three rounds. And we did, it was easy. We did three rounds, minute, half rounds. Okay. Oh, That's... two minutes. Two minute rounds. Two, two minutes. Minute so, rounds. so six minutes. Did your mom come watch? No, nobody came on. I didn't tell nobody. So when you Only came on, did she like, yo, you went, like, how does that work? You I didn't come? even remember, to be honest. Okay. I, I slept over at my friend Josh's house. We, we, <laughs> my friend Josh, he got robbed, bro. That was his first ever fight. He got robbed. He was slipping and dodging. Those judges, man. Bro, they robbed him. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy, bro. He was looking like the Gypsy King out there before yeah, the Gypsy yeah, King. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. amazing. He looked good, but he ended up like, he was like more into sticking and moving. But then after that fight, he fought a couple more kickboxing fights. He just knocked people out because he's like, bro, frick this decision stuff and yeah, slipping. Yeah. Like, he just started, his name was Bazooka. So he just started sitting down and bazooking people, I guess. Did he become a fighter? No, he never did. They all stopped. I'm the only one that, yeah. that saw it true. How is that possible? Like, why did you stick with it and they didn't? I just wanted to. They wanted different stuff. You know, right. he, he got into music. Yeah, he he has a great job now, too. He works at uh, at uh, in Pearl Harbor. Oh, wow. So, so like, he, he's like set, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, like a bunch of my friends, they just they just stopped, you know what I mean? I, I don't I have no idea why. I just I just knew what I wanted to do and I told him like and then when you start finding out how much money these these people's making, it's like, bro, you can do this, you know. Were you a bad kid growing up? Oh, one hundred percent. So you know, quick story, funny story. Like how I said ninth grade I had to change it around, right? Because like in eighth grade, like seven and eighth grade, I had like I had a chair. I was never really in class. I had a chair next to uh, the vice principal, the VP. <laughs> yeah. Because you were there all the time. I was time. just like, I, 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 like me, I had friends and we just was like, who is this hooligans? Like just like not doing really crazy stuff, but just always getting in trouble and just being a nuisance, you know? So it was like, I don't know what is it, it just was. like, like the usual type of stuff? Yeah, just like not listening okay. or whatever and like Acting feeling up. like the world, like the world owed me something and this and that. And then, I remember in like uh, eighth grade, uh, not not when I was in eighth grade, when I graduated, or whatever, and I got to go back to one uh, intermediate for career there, and then and then you talk to the eighth grade classes, and one of the classes that I got to talk in was the was my science class, and Mr. Smoke, uh, Mr. Smotis is his name. And I remember going there, and I remember like telling these kids like, bro, look, like I was sitting right here. In that seat, like this is my actual table. Ask Mr. Smotis. When I was in class, that was my seat, <laughs> you know. And they all laugh and whatever. But I was just explaining them, like, because I remember I told them when I was in eighth grade and career day was happening, and somebody came to our class to come talk to us. And my whole mind is like, you don't know how it is. You don't know my personal life, and you don't know what's going on this side. You 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 grow up in you grew up in Hawaii Kai or Kahala or. Kailua, like you, like you have no idea what's going on this side. Like I just thought, so the world owed us one-eyed people something, you know. And then being able to tell that story to them and tell them, like, look, bro, it's, nobody owes you shit, you know. If you want something, go and get it. And the only way you're gonna get it if you work hard. So at the end of the day, it's just giving hope to these kids and just letting them know that it's not the it's not the end, you know. A lot of these people from these public schools, they all all they all all they surround themselves with is like. 
you know, like no disrespect to no one, but the aunties or uncles, whatever it may be, and 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 they go and they they, they do great things in sports in high school, and then right when high school is done, they're okay with that, and like after that, they go into like a job site, and then when they start working every Friday, they meet up with the same group of friends and they talk about the same things of what they did in high school and how great they was. So it's kind of like a cycle, you know, and I want to break that cycle for kids. Like, guys, look, you guys can do great things in college. You guys can even do great things in pros, you know, like you guys just got to get out there and, 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 and see the world, you know, because we're like we're almost sheltered, you know, I mean, Instagram and the internet and whatever is kind of a good and bad place. It gives like the weak of voice and stuff, but it's actually showing a lot of kids now. It's like, look, there's so much more out there than where my city I'm from, you know? Is that part of the reason why you still live there? Oh, and I, I just, I love wine. I, okay. I love wine. Like training and stuff, all my coaches like, bro, you're crazy. Like takes like 40, 45 minutes. If there's traffic, like an hour, maybe a little over an hour to get to my gyms when I train. But I'm like, bro, it's a perfect time to freaking debunk and think about myself. Yeah. I Heading to training when it's an hour, it's kind of pisses me off. You know what <laughs> I mean? But driving after, after getting my butt Chilling, kicked yeah. or my ass kicked in training conditioning or at training, then it's like, it's a good breaker. But like getting there is frustrating, but it's like, it's a give or take, bro. You know, and like, I, I always say the the best side is the west side, and you know I'm I'm me, and that I may I may be biased, but I I love wine with all my heart, and I just want to show kids not only from wine that that people kids that are from town like wine I like we can do great things. Mm. Don't let this don't let don't put yourself in a bubble, and don't and don't think because he didn't do it he didn't do it you can't do it. You know what I mean? And don't think like oh look at me I like Max I did like be better than me. Like I'm just like I'm just the tip, you know what I mean? Like you can go above and beyond. That's the main that's the main You goal. talk to a lot of the kids. You go to the schools, you do things like that there. We I try I try like the pandemic put a real big yeah. hold in it, you know, yeah. and then we're trying to do it back. We're trying to figure out me and Tim right now with the UFC. Actually when I get back, we're actually working out with the Boys and Girls Club that I grew up at and Wine Boys oh, wow. and Girls Club. And we're gonna actually do something to the point where I believe is we're gonna open up a gym, a place with mats, whatever, and a couple times a week try to get somebody in there. I think they're telling me of my choosing, like a trainer, and then I just pop in there and there and train people and give kids that outlet. You know, if they want to do that, then that's what they're gonna do. So hopefully we can give back little by little by little, because all, all you need is little change. You know, if you can uh, if you can change one person, that next person can change one person. And it's just a ripple effect from there on. Because I think like us, uh, I guess you would call us mainlanders. Yeah. yeah. I think when we think of Hawaii, we think of like... Just paradise. You yeah. Know I mean? And that's not wrong, but like... That's not Waianae. No, I, I, no, not at all, man. I mean, coming coming into Waianae, you know, right in Nanakuli, like thank, thankfully there's the beach, but it's like on a hill and then the, the road is like this, so you can't see it, but it's just tense, you know, just... Tons of homeless, like a lot oh, wow. of the homeless, a lot of the homeless comes to Waianae, even if it's not homeless on uh, from Waianae, but it's a lot of, it, I don't know, they just get pushed down to our side uh. just because of our, of what we are on that side, you know, and, uh, and, and it's a sad thing to see, but, but, but some of, some of the homeless is like, they're, ni- they're nice people. Some of the, if you actually get to meet some of them, some of them actually, their house, their, or their tent, whatever you want to be, is much more cleaner than somebody who actually owns a house. You know what I mean? They know how to take care. They just can't afford. Some guys in Hawaii just cannot afford. Like some guys are houseless because they can't afford the high demand of how much it costs to live in Hawaii. You know, so at the end of the day, it's just, uh, it's just great, man. I, 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 I'm just here to try and be a, a, a real light to, to, to people who feel down, you know, because I've been there and, 
And that's why I come, you know, going back, I know it's off topic, but back to the style bender, his, his, his doc. I can't wait to see, man. I can't wait to the world to see, cause like, there's a lot of situations that I think so a lot of people, people who's not athletes, people who are just normal people fighting their own demons in their own way, gonna watch that and be able to compare and be like, wow, this guy that's like, seen out to the world to be this Mr. Tough Guy or whatever, even with the coach Eugene, you know, like this guy just seemed to be like the tough guy, the most masculine man in the world, that to, to see them so vulnerable, I think so it's gonna help a lot of people in the world. I was actually thinking of you during the documentary because I saw you, so I knew that you were there. Uh, I'm not giving away too much, he even mentioned it, like he, you, you see his therapy sessions mm-hmm. uh, and you see a guy who's like the yeah. baddest 185 on the planet, planet opening yeah. up and getting emotional. When you saw that, was any of that relatable? Because you've talked about mental health. For sure, health. bro. For sure. You know, even that, like, even like to today, like, I always tell my, I don't want, I don't need to talk to nobody. Like, I'm that kind, I'm, I'm, I'm like that. You, you know? say like, that today. Yeah, like, like even to today, like, I, I fight myself. Like, you yeah. don't have to talk to nobody. You know, like when you, when you just prep talking about, but then watching that after seeing Izzy doing it, it's like, well, maybe I should. And then talking to Izzy a little bit and finding out how much different people he talked to, I'm like, wow, like this guy actually talked to people? Like I thought I was the only one fighting this, but he's like doing it, you know what I mean? So that is a relief, you know? Like he, like like I said, like how the doc is gonna open eyes to other people, he opened eyes to me, bro. Like mm. he did a lot of stuff. Like I even talked to him after the doc and I told him about some of the some of the personal stuff that he was dealing with. I was like, brother, like I was right there and he was tripping out, you know what I mean? So I was like, bro, I, I'm crazy, like more, more like than anything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you talk to someone now? I no, I haven't. I know not yet. So Have my, you ever my, talked why, to someone? No, I about mental health and stuff here yeah. and there. Like not not like a like a actual actual go out and pay somebody. Like we talk to someone because we know someone, you know. Okay. Like, but I want to try and maybe set up sessions now and, yes. and just see how it is, you know. Like, I mean, if it's not for me, I was one of those guys uh, knocking it before I try. You know what I mean? Then when you see it, it's like, bro, like it, it's sad. It took. Me to watch Izzy's doc to do it, but you know, better late than never. But you have talked about mental health and one hundred percent, and I talk to people all the time. Yes. You know, so I'm I, surprised that you haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in that in that way of like um, like sports psychiatry or, yeah. or, or, or 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 life coaches and stuff for sure. You know, like I talk to a lot of people about about mental health and being able to take care of your mental health. But like in in that sports like like in that sports way of thinking like. In my way, I'm thinking, no, I got this, you know, whatever. So that's the different way I was looking got at it. it. Have you ever been depressed? Oh, for sure. When, for when, sure, when? brother. You know, when uh, when I was supposed to fight Frankie the first time, I was holding my ankle. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then and then after that, the whole freaking Khabib thing happened. I was out here in Brooklyn, and that happened. Like, it was just like, I couldn't catch a break, bro. It was just one after another after another, and I just felt like I couldn't catch a break. And I was like thinking, like, why me? Why me, you know? But then... But then, you know, figuring out, reaching out, that was when mental health was like a huge thing. You remember that, like what, two, that was like 2018? Mm-hmm. I think 17 yeah. and 18 was like a huge thing. I think the Gypsy King came out talking yeah. about it. Kevin and Love, bunch, DeMarco yeah, Rosen. Everyone, yeah. the who's who was talking about it. So I was like, oh, this is crazy. So I started looking into to myself and then, and then just, you always got to remember, you know, the main thing that I like to tell people when they're going through tough times is like, uh, you know, without the rain, there wouldn't be a rainbow. You know what I mean? Wow. Like at the end of the day, it, it, that's just what it is. You know what I mean? That all the time, all the time, there's a hurricane. After the hurricane, there's the you know, it's perfect. It's mm. still. You know what I mean? So, 
at the end of the day, bad stuff got to happen so that even greater stuff, you know, the rebuild can happen. Yo, I love that one. Without the rain, there there isn't a rainbow. There's I, no rainbow. I always say it's always the darkest before the dawn. Yeah. Uh, because I battled my own things too. And uh, you just have to remind yourself, like, it gets better. But without the rain, there's no rain. That's a, be- that's yeah. a very Hawaiian way of yeah, looking at is, things, right? There's not a lot of rainbows around New York City. <laughs> uh, but definitely where you are. That It's unbelievable to hear you say that. I'm also... Um, like, like I, I didn't even think of this component to the Izzy doc. Like, I just thought it's a great look at him. But, like, other athletes are going to watch that and have the oh, 100%, response bro. that you... Oh, 100%, And Not only athletes, it's just, it's regular human beings, bro. Guys yeah. who think they're so tough, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, people who have this tough exterior, they're going to be like, look, look, if this guy can act that way, then yeah. I can act that way. Or even, like, you know, like, bro, like, you know, I love you, Izzy. But Eugene, Eugene is the man Eugene in that thing, man. bro. He's the man he's in the there, man. bro. And like yeah. to see to see someone of his stature to go through the emotions that he did when he when he was talking in there, it was uh, it was just cool to see, man. By the way, why didn't you go down the path of drugs and like? I'm sure it was very easy for you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it could have been. I mean, everybody asks me all the time, like, why, why this, why that? I I saw what drugs did to my mom, you know, to. I, I know drugs is a key opponent of why my dad wasn't around. I, I, I see drugs, what they do to some of my close friends' families. And then I, I also saw drugs do to people that 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 I saw was around and like that was older than me, you know? Like this just like I wouldn't say friends, but like guys like oh I see like oh I see this guy around and then you end up seeing him on the streets like tweaking. So I'm like, oh man. Like even even to today, like like uh, me and Rush was just like out and about on the beach, you know, me and him, he, we, we got BB guns. So he's like out on the beach, he's shooting BB guns, you know, whatever. And like this, this, this guy walks up to me and like, uh, and he asks me like, oh, how much is your, uh, I was riding a Saran bike. And he's like, oh, how much is your bike? And he looks up, he sees me, he's like, oh, Max is my classmate from when I was like first grade. Like the earliest memories of this kid is when I was first grade. We went from first grade to graduating together. And this guy, and I was like, oh, like, and I, and I seen him, I seen him around, like, I know that's what he was, but then for him to actually talk to me, and then he, him remember me, like, I would have thought he would never remember me, and then he remember me, and like, he actually know what I'm doing too, so like, fighting and stuff, so it's just, it was just crazy, man, and I was like, seeing that, like, not even now, but even before, I was like, bro, I don't want to go down this train, I don't want to be uh, another, an, another person in a stat book somewhere, mm towards bad stuff, you know? Like, if I'm making stats, I want to make them in the most positive way they could possibly be, you know what I mean? Punching someone in the face is not too positive, but it's the legal way, you know right. what I mean? But at the end of the day, it was just, that's, that was the main thing. I was like, I, I see where these guys go. I, I, I seen what happened to family members, family members' friends. I, I, I saw this, and I was like, all right, this is not for me. I do not want to do that. And... uh I just wanted to be great in something. I don't know what it was, but in my mind, I, I just wanted to be. Whatever I think I did, I wanted to be the greatest at it and keep going, you know, and then try and change the generation. No, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure you heard it. It's just generational curses. That's what it is. That's why, like, some of these guys can't, can't see out of their little box that they live in. Like, this is the way. Like, since my parents did this, I got to do this. Right. Since since my friends is going to this party, I'm, I got to go to this party. You know how much parties and whatever, when I was, like, a young kid, I had to, like, skip out on, you know what I mean? I was like, bro, I'm good. I'm training tomorrow. I got to wake up early. Wow. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll be like, yeah, come on. You can train later. Nah, it's good. You know what I mean? It's okay. It comes to a point where 
you can have that fun, but that 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 wasn't that time, you know. Now you can let loose a little bit here and there because you need to, but there there are certain times and places where you can take it. And and I saw the bad road and I saw the good road, you know. And I saw people take the good road then go back to the bad road too, right. you know. It wasn't always like all bad. And I saw people doing bad and then they hit the good road. And I see people doing great now, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, it's never ever how you start start the race is how you finish. So I always tell people, just finish strong. Finish strong and uh, whatever is hold belief to you, you're gonna fail. You're going to fail. That's just it. That's what I mean. Like everybody's like, oh, how do you do it? Blah, 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 this and that. It's like, brother, I got like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you because I didn't even think about it, but I failed a bunch of times. I got like fucking seven, seven losses, I think, next to my record. Does that make me any lesser person of anybody else? No, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's only losses if you don't learn. And I learned every single time, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like. I try to tell somebody who's having hard times, like, bro, you may feel like you lost now, but turn this loss into a learning. Then you never truly lost, because look, you're going one step in the direction, you know? Sometimes you do feel like you take one step forward, three steps back, but that gotta happen, you know? Maybe the next leap is 10, so you don't know. You you got six steps back, so that's the main thing. We're just trying to uh, just trying to help somebody to, to just be the best they can be. Uh, do you think if you didn't find fighting, you would have gone down that bad path? I, I don't, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I just honestly, I could say, yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to be the greatest whatever brother. If it was a trash man, yeah. I would have been the best trash man there is, you know, if, if you got the trash man of the month, my face would have been plastered on that tank for at least 11 of the months. I tell you that much. So at the end of the day, that's just what I want to do. You know, anything I want to, anything I, I dip my toes in, I want to compete and I want to be the best in no matter what it is, business or even even try surfing with Rush, you know what I mean? Like, if it's surfing against him, he's, he's what, 11-year-old kid. I'm, like, calling him out on waves. Like, what's up, boy? Like, how you saw that wave? You know, that's, I'm, just comp I'm just competitive like that. So, at the end of the day, I think so I would have, my competitive nature would have pushed me to do something no matter what job I did. But wait, your, your wife is a pro surfer. Yeah. So, I feel like your competitive uh, nature gets I'm squashed. I get my you... ass kicked, but you yeah. know what I mean? But it is, it's a learning experience, brother. Right, 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 right. It's a learning experience. Like, wow, I'm learning. My wife is kicking my ass. That's about it, you know? So, and then you kick your son's ass. No, no, no. He's actually getting good. He's getting good. Yeah, so like, uh, it was funny what it, like, it's it's like six hours, right? Six hours uh, behind or six hours oh, behind. Yeah, yeah. And we're at Izzy's after party. And we just like, we wasn't going to go, but uh, we saw Izzy and him walking out. It's like, oh yeah, it's come true real fast. So we just went to do it real, real quick. And like, my son calls me up, dad, dad, I got barrel today or whatever. And barrel is like when the wave like breaks over you and you're in oh, it, right? Oh, sick. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, bro, if it didn't record, it never happened. Don't lie to me. Like, I was thinking like, maybe like the wave was like right here. He just dipped his head, yeah. his head got it, you know, and everything, whatever. And this kid, he uh, there's this app called Surfline. You go on Surfline, and the beach he's surfing at has cameras. No way. Yeah, he remembered what time he was searching. Oh he kind of looked at the time of where he was. He searched it. He finally sent it to me. He's like, "I told you, I got barreled." And like, was that's it how legit? Yeah, it was legit. Like he, he, it got thrown over him, and he didn't, he didn't make it out. He, he, he ate it. But I was like, "Brother, that was legit." That's so, your son. Yeah, he competed yeah, too, yeah, like yeah. in that, in that nature. So. It's glad to see that it's still fighting on. Like he's just calling me out all the time. Be like, bro, I surf way better than you all the time. And we got to we got to see him grow up in front of us for sure. Because you would bring him around to everything. Uh huh. How's he doing now? He's doing good. He's doing good. I he mean, wasn't at the last one, was he? No, no. So 
we're actually trying to get him into a into a private school now. Okay. And, and the private school is like they're all about attendance. Uh-huh. So like if, if the fight was uh, if the fights is like fight like during his schools yeah, and stuff, I can't days, bring him anymore. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's like he's gonna be sixth grade next year. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. fit in sixth grade. Like the the first two, like even fifth grade was like kind of, oh fourth grade is kind of like whatever you know. But fit in sixth grade is like you're getting ready to middle school already, bro. Yeah, you know, like yeah. was he can't bombed? be missing. He was bombed. He was supposed to come here. Oh, oh, so like, cause they're on summer break right now, okay. and he was supposed to come with us on this trip, but um, the smoke, the wildfire smoke happened, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like his lungs is like, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, it's weird. I, I wouldn't say he has asthma, but then like if he's around smokes and stuff, like he always coughs. So I was like, I saw how bad it was here. I was like, bro, I'd feel terrible if something yeah, bad yeah, happened yeah, to him. Yeah. But it, it cleared up as soon as it like, did. but it was as, bad. Like, it was yeah, bad. it was, bro. It was yeah. terrible. It was like the. Did you, the were you here like when it happened? No, no. Yeah. The air, like right before I left, the air was like 200 something. I yeah, was like, yeah. oh my gosh. And then we got on the plane at 150. And then when we got off the plane, it was like 30 something. So I was like, okay, good. Like, yeah, was yeah. it like, bro, it looked like a zombie apocalypse. It was like an orange. The day bro, we were was here, crazy. Was, the skies were orange. It was, it was crazy. And you guys knew was, this was going to happen? Or? Those damn Canadians, man. Oh, they fucked it all up. Nah. You know it was their fault, right? Yeah, it's a there wildfire, wildfires right? in yeah, Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not their fault. It's a no, wildfire. I'm Canadian. I could say that. Yeah. You know, I could fuck around. No, but yes, it was a wildfire. But the fact that it came all the way down here, like we're talking four or five hours away. Bro, it's crazy. And it looked like... Uh, so has he mentioned to you that he wants to fight? Who's, uh, oh, Rush. Your son. I mean, he does jiu-jitsu. He's he been asking me to teach him boxing. So we see what happens. We see what happens. I don't want him to fight. You don't want him to fight. No, 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 no. I know how hard fighting is. And, like, he doesn't have to, right? He don't have to. No, I mean, if he wants to. If he asks me, is we're going we're gonna to figure it out. But I, know I don't want him You're not to. pushing him to? No. Do you, do you feel uncomfortable with, you know, you've talked about sparring and long-term health and things like that. Do you, you feel uncomfortable with that? For sure. You know, even with the, even, it just... Just with the hits, you know what I mean? Like, I die. Like, I, I keep on trying to, like, if he ever does tell me one, I'll just tell him, like, bro, I took all the hits. I did all this so you can live a freaking better life and do whatever you want to do. Like, spend your so much time. Like, hopefully, he says he wants to become a professional surfer. Oh, sick. So we see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, if it's not, like, a uh, competitive route, there's so much ways, like, you can free surf and stuff and, and be a model. I don't know. This kid, like, he got long, like, beachy, wavy hair, bro. The fit that, and then his freaking, just his, like the way he acts, you know, and, and stuff is just. He's a superstar. Bro, like, I can, remember at those workouts. Freaking, I told him, bro, go be a model, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, you don't have to Dancing. get punched in the head. Yeah. He's like, he's good in front of a crowd. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. 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 So he doesn't need to fight. No, I don't think so. Okay. And then there's pressure. You got to live up to your old man. You're one of the greatest. Like, who needs no, that? No, 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 none of that. You don't, you don't need none of that. You make your own name. If he did fight, I would tell them, bro, you, you, bro. You don't have to listen to none of yeah. these guys saying anything. I, I mean, you, you. I hate when people would be like, oh, when I was coming up, they compare me to, you know, like Pettis and then, or, uh, of course, the BJ. I'm like, yeah. bro, that's them. That's yeah. them. I'm Max Holloway, you know, leave me alone, you know. And his name is Rush Holloway. He's not even a junior, you know. Right. Leave him alone. You know? If he's going to do that, that's what he's going to do. So this is so great. We've been talking for almost an hour. We're almost done. And I've not asked you anything about fighting. Isn't Perfect. that great? Perfect. I can go now, man. I know. <laughs> But I just I do I do have to ask a couple because they yeah, they'll, they'll get sure. mad at me. Um, on the post where I posted who's going to be on the show today, uh-huh. Zombie wrote on the post. He wrote yeah. like I'm waiting yeah. or something like that. So is that the one? I mean, I you know I I called him out. He answered back pretty quick. So the ball is in UFC court, man. The but, ball is there. I mean, it's obvious, right? I would I would, I would love that. You know, yeah. like I said, I I told everyone like. From from that time of when WC was coming up, I fought most of those guys. The Ricardo Lamas, 
the Odo, the Pettis, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one I never get yet. I didn't get to get him. So, and he stood here, stood top ten. I think he's like number seven or whatever it, it may be. So, it makes sense right now. It makes sense. This one fight, I, I, I'm hearing he wants to retire. So, why not oh, go out of a bang? You damn. know what I mean? Why not go out of a bang? Like overseas, would it be? I have no idea. Okay, that. They I never hear nothing. I never hear nothing. I, all I know is the. I called him out. He replied with a cute video message. So. Let's figure it out. Uh, when would you like to fight if it was up to you? Whenever, bro. Whenever. You're ready I feel to great. Go? I feel good. I feel great. Fall uh, or something? I was, yeah, I was telling Tim I wanted to fight two to three times this year. So oh. if we can, you know, if we can figure this one out and then maybe maybe get a get a third one too, we'll see what happens. Okay. And uh, I mean, obviously your last fight was tremendous. Mm-hmm. So you're still a factor at 45. But I even heard you say recently, like, you want those other belts. This is still yeah. on your mind. Oh, for sure. So there's are, the other belts, but there's always... Like what I tell you, and you know this, yeah. it's always better to go to a different division while you're holding a belt. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's just what it is, you know? But we see what happens. You know, we see how we see how July pans out. We see how my next fight pans out. And we just see the way of the direction. You know, who knows? You know, we saw that fun BMF belt with Gaethje and Poirier. A freaking me and Poirier for a third time I love. And people keep harassing me about Gaethje anyway. So at the end of the day, that'd be fun. You know, at 55, I know 55, there's a lot of fun fights with me. Maybe the the Olivero 2, whatever, and then, of course, I never got to finish the thing with Khabib, so Islam's there, so that'd, that'd be a oh, great shit. thing. I so. feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like there's more exciting fights for you at 55 than 45 at this point, because you've kind of been there, done that yeah. with all those guys. No? So we see what happens. You, know? you like just I five fifty five 555ers yeah. right now. like I said, bro, we see the lay of the land, you know, never say never, you know, that I know people shit on the BMF belt, but, bro, that BMF belt would look real nice in I a collection. Those, uh, featherweight belts. By the way, are you blown away by Charles at this point, like, that he turned into this guy? I have to admit, I didn't think he would turn into this guy, right? Like he was always kind of, you know, he's a killer, bro. Yeah, bro. Even even in the even even in his fights, bro. Like even before his fights, before he doing this killer, he was always a killer, bro. He just needed to figure it out, and I think he figured it out. And but like now he's become like a superstar. Yeah, bro. He's you know it's sick, bro. It's it's uh, it was it's exciting to see, bro. Especially with uh, him not getting it, like getting that direct rematch, which I thought was like. Kind of weird, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and, uh, hey, he can't be denied. Someone said something uh, interesting to me on Twitter, because, um, you know, he got on the microphone. On, I don't even know if you watched. Did you even watch it? No, I didn't said, watch yes, it. Exactly. <laughs> well, he got on the microphone and spoke English, which I think it was the first time he Ever, yeah. 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 And someone said that, and going into that fight, he was winless in Canada. Had never won. I think he was 0-4 I, in I Canada. I saw that stat. I yeah, saw that stat. which is crazy. Yeah. And someone said he lost his voice in Canada against you. In Saskatchewan, remember the voice yeah, thing, yeah, 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 yeah. and then he he regained his voice in Canada and spoke a new language in Canada. That's crazy. All those years that's later, that's cool. And you look at bro. I mean, leave crazy, it up to the right? internet to figure out yeah. little things out. So that's cool, bro. Even like thinking back to that fight, like at that point, if you would have told someone, what was that? 15, 2015? 15, bro. Yeah, 15. so you would have told me, like, you know, nine years later, eight years later, that he would turn into a superstar like he is now. And this place is going, like, he got the biggest pop by far in Vancouver. Brother, all I know, all I hope is that, I, I hope that guy got compensated somewhere, bro. You know, no. you know he was the, you know he was the dude over there for that pay-per-view card, That's bro. right. You know, no disrespect to the main event or anything, but, but Charles was, he was that dude for that card, I think. You have been what one thing I love about you, and you talked about it recently. The judges, you were on the open scoring train long before uh, any uh, of us. I'm big time on the open. I talk about yeah. it all day, kind of ad nauseum. But like you saw what happened with Kai Car France, yeah. it drives me nuts. Yeah, and nothing is being done. 
brother. I, I don't know. You know, it is what it is. You know, I, I think so. That's uh, that's something that the UFC guys got to figure out. But you know, I wouldn't. I, I I I can see both sides, and I mean, I can see why it can be not good, and I can see why it, it, it's really good. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like it's it's pick your poison, whatever side you want to be on. You know, so. I just want transparency. Yeah, exactly. I just want to know what exactly. they're thinking. Exactly. I can't even talk to them. I ask them to come on and they won't even let them come on, which I think is messed up. That I could talk to you, that I could talk to a promoter, I could talk to a coach, a manager, but the actual dude who's putting 10, 9, 10, 8. That's insane that you can't do that. I mean, they won't do let what them. Izzy said, bro. Do what Izzy said. Keep these guys accountable. They make won't them let do, us. Make, That's the, the make them do the interviews after, right after the fight. Why you pick this guy? Right. And I would love to hear because, like, it's just a. Uh, the thing to me is it's so far off. Like, how can how can one guy be so far off? Like, when you see the rounds getting judged, how can you how can one guy be like these two guys here and then the other guys here? And then you look at the cards like these guys winning the round on this side, but then on this card, this guy's losing. Like, it just makes zero sense to me. Right. I, I don't know how people can be so detached from reality. It's it's crazy. And then the thing is, we have no explanation. So if the guy comes out and says, look, the reason why I gave Amir Al-Bazi 10-9 over Kai is because of X, Y, and Z, then I'd be like, okay, cool. We don't know because yeah. he won't speak about it. Yeah. They don't let him speak about it. That's fucked up. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. I remember you went to the Invicta card and you watched it, the open scoring. That was cool, bro. Yeah. And you see the card, you see it like, oh shit, you know what I mean? It actually, it's time I to go. think it makes it exciting. People say it will take the entertainment value away. Yeah, for me personally, like me personally, I, I, I see the both sides, like I said, but for me personally, like, like I, I, I mean, so I can see how some guys would be like, yeah, okay, I'm winning, I'm up tree, I'm chilling, you know what I mean, whatever. But then I can see also guys like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm up tree, who cares? I'm gonna right. continue battling this guy, you know, like, but it, it's. It's fair play, bro. It's 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 a give or take thing. It's it's super weird, but I don't know. You, and the thing is different, you know. When we saw him in Victor, it was a much smaller event, and you know the crowds or whatever have the effect. So I would love to see what the effect is with bigger crowds and, mm. and, and, and like a UFC crowd and people screaming and seeing how how the judge would react because they hear this and that, and then you know then you really see people panicking on the spot, like oh shit, who yeah. I go, you know. So at the end of the day, it's a it's a really give a give or take thing man it's just there's so many variables that you can put in and I understand it but I mean why not you know what I mean like I lean more to stuff like why not just try it one time right you know? right by the way last thing before I go I was just in um, uh, Dublin and some guy was showing me around and when he's showing me around he's showing me this he's showing me that he's like oh and that's the um, I think was it Jameis that's the place where Max Holloway went he's like <laughs> that's how you referred to it he's like that's the spot where Max Holloway went. was it Jameson Jameson that was Jameson. Jameson this that's day. one of the best things and I like I'm kind of bummed that it didn't lead to something you know because oh, it was so thoughtful and like subtle and I and he he was coming up you know Connor was coming up with the proper 12 at that yeah, point yeah, yeah. and you're showing and you're in, on his yeah, yeah. did you go specifically for that uh, we, we, Were you already in Ireland? Or? We, was in, we was in Ireland hanging out. We were just checking out the spots. And then I guess Jameson found out that we was there. And they reached out. And they said, hey, you want to come check out the distillery? So it was like, yeah, why not? And then I we thought that you picture. actually flew just to do this. No, we was chilling. Yeah, we was you chilling. Were just chilling. What, Ireland and Hawaii are not very close Bro, to each other. You, just fly, you do whatever you like do sometimes, you know? That and was we, incredible. We had, we had nothing better to do. It's like, hey, let's take a trip. I feel like that one has to happen. I, I, it's all I mean, I, I think it happens. I don't know what's going on right now with the dude, but I think so. At some point, it happens. I don't know if it's going to be in the UFC or a boxing or something. I think, I think, I think it happens though. Do you have to have a boxing match before it's done? I would love to. I would love to have a boxing match. I wouldn't say I have to, 
but I would definitely love to have one. That's so, like I feel like that's something you need to cross off the list. For sure, 100%. At least one of them. At least, At least one. one of them. This has been a pleasure, my man. Thank, Thank you, you so brother. much. I really Thank appreciate you, it. A lot Thank of you, fun. Uh, you're in Maryland, probably sold out, right? Can people go check? We have the poster. Yeah, I mean, you can go check the link. I'm not sure if it's like, because I, I saw last night they... People wanted it in, and then they just reopened it just for a little bit. So there it is. Be, yeah. All right. Well, go check it out if you're in the Maryland area. Uh, area, excuse me. Uh, Max Holloway and Sue. This was a lot of fun. No, I appreciate thank you, brother. It. Thank you. Uh, all the best. You congrats on the recent win. Uh, I'm happy we squashed our beef. You know, it was a little bit <laughs> dicey there for a moment, but we're all good. And uh, I can't wait for that zombie that's your fight. Own, that's your own demon. That's my to own. Yourself, de- that brother. is my own demon. Yep. And I'd love to have one of the toys here. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll try to figure it out. All right, cool. We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, here's my recent conversation with Israel Adesanya from Monday. In case you missed it, we'll be right back with Mike Malott. Do not go anywhere. Oh, how good was that? Uh, the Izzy interview on Monday. What a week we've had here on the program. And uh, really, I do have to thank Tim, who was in studio and gave us a great interview as well. Very different than the last time we had him on. Very relaxed, um, at ease himself. Uh, he, he brought Izzy on Monday and Ash, and then today... He comes in and talks about where he's at in his life and career, and then Max was just amazing. I mean, uh, shout out to my my guy Andrew Feldman on on Twitter. He posted the interview with Max from UFC 150. He made his debut at 143. Might have talked to him before that fight, um, but it was around that time. It was that year, right? 20, 2012. Uh, so man, this is eleven years of talking to him, and uh, that's by far my favorite. Max interview um, because it's different when they're in person. It's different when they're in front of you face to face. It's the whole vibe is different. Everything about it is different. And uh, just, you know, when they come on here via zoom or Skype back in the day, you know, you want to keep it to 20 or so minutes and you want to talk about the fight stuff and the news. But when they come here in person, you could talk about their lives. You could talk about their backstory, the trials, the tribulations, the upbringing, the zigging when you could have zagged, the zagging when you could have zigged, that whole stuff. And to learn more about his backstory, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we don't know, uh, was really great. So I really appreciated that and, and great to have Tim in. What a, what a crew he has assembled. Excuse me. What a crew he has assembled. At just 31 years old. Um, all right. So Patricia Pitbull in the books, uh, Tim Simpson in the books, Max Holloway in the books. Still to come, Regis Progre, the pride of Louisiana, who's returning to action, has a great story His uh, in his own right on uh, Saturday fighting at the Smoothie King Center. And then we'll answer your questions and get the picks for the weekend. I do want to let you know that we are not having a show on Monday. We are off on Monday. It's a uh, company holiday, so we are off on Monday. We'll be back next Wednesday. I hope you don't hate us too much, but we've given you some great stuff this week, so don't hate us too, 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 too much. Now, one of the stars of this past weekend in Vancouver uh, is our next guest. Uh, We talked to him right before the fight last Wednesday. We talked to him about flying the flag. We talked to him about UFC 129. We talked to him about representing. We talked to him about him being the you know, the face of Canadian MMA in the UFC, and then there was one win, and then two wins, and then three, and then four, and then five. And then it got to him, and then I was thinking, man, oh man, this is set up so perfectly for Mike Malott to put a stamp on it all. 
He put a stamp on it all and then some in a very impressive performance out of him. He remains undefeated in the UFC. He is the face of Canadian MMA as far as the UFC is concerned. You can make a very strong case right now that he is the man when people think of, when they think of Canadian MMA. He's joining us right now. Proper Mike Malott. There he is. My man, how are you, Mike? Are you are you down? Like, are you back to earth, or are you still kind of floating in the uh, the clouds after what happened on Saturday in Vancouver? What's going on, Ariel? Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm still a little bit up in the clouds, man. I think part of it is just I get you know I, I'm getting ready for bed and I, I want to start winding down, and then I start watching stuff. I'm like, well, let me just go through the press conference and watch <laughs> some of that. Let me go, and all the feelings come back, and it's like. I did that last night, you know, still kind of on Vancouver time. So it was like 1 a.m. here. And then I'm like, well, I'm a little bored. Let me just scroll through some stuff that happened in the fight week. And I didn't go to sleep till like 4.35. After that, I was just like uh. sitting in bed like wired. I should have just gone for a walk or something instead. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm still riding high right now. Did you wake up on Tuesday morning thinking that the fight – what was that that you tweeted? That you thought the fight was coming up or that uh, you were – what happened? So this isn't the first time that this has happened to me. It happened to me after the Mickey Gall fight as well. Um, I think two days last time and then once this time where especially like I don't sleep after fights usually. So fight night, the night after the fight, I, I almost never sleep. Um, I'm just too energetic. And, you know, last after this fight, just ended up staying up all, all night and kind of the sun was up as I was like starting to fade a little bit. And then I kind of like kicked myself back awake and I'm like, dude, I'm awake. Go to check my my phone. And my coaches were going to grab breakfast. I'm like, I'll just get up and go grab breakfast with them and start the day. So I think part of that like delirium of lack of sleep, then when you finally get some good deep sleep, it like it's hard to like reset where you are in time and space. And so I woke up after having like my first good night of sleep and woke up in the morning just like, oh, all right, man, like let's let's do this. Today's the day. <laughs> And it was like a full maybe, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but like a full 10 seconds before I was like, wait a minute, like, no, I'm not, I'm not in the hotel room. Like, it, I was like, what, what's going on? Like, and, th- and then I remembered, I'm like, oh, wait, I had memories of the fight. Like I fought, I won, like it's over, I won. Yeah. And then it took like another full 10 seconds where I had to like tell myself and tell my body, like, no, man, we can, we can actually relax. Like you won already. Like it's wow. over. You don't stay like engaged. So that was like a funny, that was like a funny thing. And then that, that picture just went with it perfectly where you're like, oh my yeah. God, I already won. <laughs> I also feel like you're kind of in the aftermath here now sifting through all the madness because I see you, uh, you know, uncovering like a Henry Cejudo tweet and I see you replying to him and um, yeah. a bunch of other people who who showered you with praise. I think Aljamain Sterling as well, Gordon Ryan. What is that like in the yeah. aftermath to see these fairly big names in the sport speaking of you glowingly and it's not like they're tagging you to try to get your attention they're just talking about you just showing you love and you're uncovering it right yeah the the fourth one was one of my best friends andre feely showed me some love oh yes love andre chatting Uh, just he's the man i'm actually going to corner him in london next month so i'm excited for that we're going to fly out to england for that one uh for him to spoil the party over in the uk um but uh yeah it was really cool like all three, I mean, obviously I've known Philly for, for a long time. So, you know, it's not as strange to get praise from your friends and long-term teammates. Um, but those other three guys like Henry Cejudo, Aljamain Sterling and Gordon Ryan, like I've been fans of those guys for a long time. And it's not like they're just like successful fighters. They're like elites at what they do. You know, Henry Cejudo 
Olympic gold medalist and then two division champ. And then Gordon Ryan, the greatest grappler of all time to get like praise from those guys was, was pretty cool. I mean, obviously Aljo too, like to get praise from all three of those guys was, was, uh, was pretty cool. Just like, you know, just like nod of the hat. And that's really what I'm in this sport for. Like part of the sport is getting your name recognized by like the masses. And that's where the money comes into the money comes into play and, and your, you know, financial future. And that's what the UFC is looking for because that's how they market you. And that's how they, they make their money. But as far as the like actual fame, that's not like a, a, a driving factor for me. It's not like a big, it, I, I don't, I'm not doing this to become like a famous person. I don't want that. Like once my career's over, I'd love there to still be like the nods of like, oh man, that guy was like a sick fighter, but not, I don't want to be like an A-list celebrity. What I do want is like respect from people that I also admire in this game, like having really good coaches, you know, obviously my coaches, but like even Eric Nixick and Dan Ige coming up and showing, showing like, we're like, dude, man, you killed it this week. And just being super nice. Like I've met those guys a few times in Vegas and they're just good people. And same with, uh, I met Eamon and, and, uh, Faraz Zahabi for the first time. And, you know, there's obviously that initial like Canadian we're, we're on this, we're, we're the guys holding the fort down with the Canadians on the card, but there was just like a lot of cool mutual respect between the the three of us. So, just getting that from like other well-recognized people. It's like, these guys know what they're talking about and they're telling me I did a good job and then, and they don't gain anything from it. Right. I'm not their guy. Right. So like, it's, it's cool in that way. It seems more genuine. So we talked on uh Wednesday, uh, just curious, what was the rest of the week like for you? Did, did anything change in terms of how you felt? Were you, were you getting more nervous? You know, now that it was becoming a reality, you're fighting in Canada anything uh go differently come saturday afternoon evening i mean of course there were like ups and downs right there were there were some moments of just like what the fuck is going on here man <laughs> like i can't believe this is really happening right now like this is a wild jump from you know each fight has felt like a massive jump from the fight before of like you, you know not, okay not only am i on contender series but i'm the main event of contender series and then i'm fighting mickey gall in an arena you know, for the first time in front of fans in years. And it's a massive arena. It's not like an apex show. It's like jump up to that. And then you're on the main card of the apex show, which is like, okay, maybe not quite as big as being on a pay-per-view, but then the pressure of like, I'm fighting another Canadian and people are saying I'm potentially, you know, there's a little bit of hype. People are saying like, there's potentially you're the face of Canada or the, or the, the torch bearer moving forward. And it's like, as much as I'm not doing this for fame, it's nice to hear that, man. Like I I like, I like that stuff. And I, I like seeing that there's, a potential for me, like an avenue that's open for me. And like, you know, that's all going to disappear if you can't even beat the next best guy from Canada, let alone like the next best guy in the world. Right. It's like, there's no way that that's all going to disappear. So that was like a lot of pressure in and of itself. And then this one, you know, there's a lot of pressure, like, all right, you're the last Canadian on the card. They gave you this slot. Like there's no way they just accidentally were like, right. Here's the main event, co-main event, put all the other fights just where you think, like there was some strategy behind that. And I'm fighting a super tough guy. Like Adam Fugit did not get the respect he deserved throughout fight week. I didn't help with that at all, but <laughs> like, you know, he's a super tough guy. So it's like people don't really know his name as much in the UFC. So it's almost seeming like he's being teed up to lose to me. But at the same time, I'm fighting the most well-rounded and probably, probably the best guy I've ever fought at very least at welterweight. Um, it's like, dude, this is a this is a very real fight. So not only do I have to go in there and win, if it's competitive and close, it'll be underwhelming. Like I have to smash this guy. And 
you know, then there was the stuff with the Nelk boys and, and happy dad and stuff like that, that all kind of came together at the same time, like working with those guys in, in sponsorship. I'm like, well, if I lose this, that's, you know, that probably won't go through, you know, like this is, you, you probably have to win for all this stuff to happen. And so there's little moments where there's like butterflies of feeling that. And then you have to like reset and be like, number one, I'm the most prepared I've ever been. I'm, I'm so ready for this fight and I'm, I'm skilled enough to demolish this guy or anyone. Um, and then three, like none of those things actually change what's happening in the cage. None of those things change. Like your placement on the card doesn't change what happens in the cage. It doesn't change my ability to perform. Same with any other potential, like things we could have viewed as pressure, um, had to, had to mentally reframe them and label them as, as privilege and an honor to be in this position. Um, and, uh, and by the time I got out to the cage and by the time the, the fans almost fell on me and almost yeah. took me out at the knee, uh, once we got in the cage, man, I felt loose. I felt great. The closer and closer it got once I heard Bruce Buffer announce me, oddly, I felt like I was like, dude, I felt like I was just in here. Uh-huh. Like the Johan fight was like three months ago. I was like, dude, I feel like I was just in here. This feels familiar still. Uh, I want so to ask you cool. about the fans in a second, but just curious uh, one win, two wins, three wins, four, like the Canadian wave is happening and this is a very unique thing that has to be yeah. right. Cause like, you now you're thinking I got to close the show here, right? The, oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And that's something I had thought of before we got there for fight week. So like, okay, look where you are on the card. You're the last Canadian. What possible scenarios are there? There's the scenario of every single Canadian has won. And now you're the one who has to put the final nail in the coffin. You can't ruin the night and be the only Canadian that lost. Then there's the possibility that every single Canadian, including your close friends who you feel emotionally attached to, lose fights. And you have to like wipe that from your mind and go in and be like, if I lose, no Canadians won. And I'm the only one holding down the fort. Like I have, I have to hold the fort down. I have to protect the house. And then there's like the everything in between of like my friends win, but the other Canadians that I, I just met this week lose or vice versa, or what if this person has gets hurt and like, you know, there's like all sorts of things like those uh, three of the other fighters on the card, Kyle Nelson, Deanna Babita and Jasmine, Jazz Davisius, um, shared at least one corner with me. So I'm like, well, what about something wild? Like somebody breaks an ankle and my, one of my coaches has to go with them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And now I'm down one. Like everything I tried to analyze, I'm like, what could possibly happen? Make sure we have those bases covered. And after doing what I thought was an amazing job of that, the railing almost hit me and fell on me. And I'm like, well, that's one you didn't, that's one that you hadn't considered yet, bud. (laughs) Okay. So can we talk about this? Because I'm watching it and, uh, uh, for a moment, I'm like, holy shit, did that thing fall on him? Did it fall on his leg? Like, you you kind of sidestepped it and kept it moving. But, I mean, you go yeah. back and look at the clip, and we're going to play it now here as we're talking about this. It felt like you were that close to being hit. Were you actually hit? I, I wasn't hit by the railing. I think what tipped me off, because I was so in the zone, and, like, I saw people leaning in to high-five, and everything happens so fast, you don't, like, have necessarily a dialogue going on yeah. as you're getting out of the way of something. But I think what I thought was they were just leaning in further at first. And then I felt the person, and you can see it in the video, the guy behind me like bears weight on me as he's falling. And that is what I think triggered the like, oh, they're not leaning in, they're falling. And I just like hard El Matador, like 
stepped out of the way, like a little lateral step and turned sideways and just like, tup, 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 like hiney, hiney, hiney over these guys. All right. Like landed on the other side. And as, as soon as I landed, I remember the first thing I thought was, damn, that sucks for them. And the second thing I thought was, you've got a job to do. Stay focused. Okay. Like stare down the barrel. Don't even look at any other fans. Don't look around. Just stare down the barrel of the camera make awkward eye contact with the, with the with the camera you can high five people but like re, you know refocus and like two steps later i completely forgot that happened until we got backstage and somebody brought out a video they're like dude did the railing hit you i'm like what railing are you talking about then they showed me the video i'm like oh shit i forgot that happened wow so uh, yeah i completely forgot by the time i got in the cage like i was just so laser focused on the job at hand that Man, that could have been disastrous, not just for you, but for other people involved too. Like, I've never seen anything like that happen before. Um, Me neither. And the fact that you just kept it moving, because, like, we didn't see, (laughs) I mean, I was just like, whoa, this dude is, I mean, I kind of felt then that you were going to win just because you were so focused. Even people, like, almost (laughs) toppling you over, um, you know, didn't deter you. The, the, I, I love the end, the emotion that you showed. Again, that's one of the reasons why I admire you. You're not afraid. I love that moment with, uh, Big Dan, do you remember what he said to you there? It, it looked like he said something to you right after you know you won the fight. Do you remember what he said to you? To uh, to who? Big Dan, the the uh, the referee. He said something to you, oh, and he gave oh, you like sorry, a fist sorry. bump. Sorry, we uh, we my mental coach we call him Big Danny, and I thought you were talking about him. I'm like, did he oh, come up to me after the fight? No, 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 no. Okay, yeah, Dan. Mergliata. Yeah, um, yeah, Mergliata. Yeah, um, dude, that was a really cool moment. Eh? Yeah, like yes. you don't normally see that between the ref and the yes. fighter. He was like super, super friendly and smiling. We were yes, he was like happy for you. Yeah, man. I, I, I yeah, that, that was like that really actually meant a lot of me. You kind of see it. I'm like, thank you, man. Like that was cool. He, he just, you know, checked on Fugit real quick. And to be honest, with just everything that was going on, I don't remember verbatim what he yeah. said, but he, he just kind of was like, "Hey, man, great job there," and just gave me a fist bump. Yes. Like, Thanks, man. Like that felt good. It was cool because you, know? you were like, I think from um, my memory, like you were both on your knees, almost like you had you had just rolled him. And you're just like, yeah. all right, good job. You know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. it felt yeah. like to me. And you don't often see that with the referee. And then you on the yeah. microphone after was great. Are you comfortable with what I said at the beginning? Are, are you comfortable with you now being the face of Canadian MMA as far as the UFC is concerned? Not trying to take anything away from anyone. Olivier Aubert-Mercier, Arjun Buller doing his mm-hmm. thing in other promotions. But it feels to me as far oh. as UFC right now is concerned, and obviously they're the biggest, that you are the face. Are you comfortable with this? Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with it. I'm not the guy that's going to, like, say that about myself at all. But, like, you know, like I've said, what I want to see, one, I want success in my own MMA career, selfishly. And, two, like, I'm a fan of MMA, and I'm a fan of Canada. I want to see success from Canadians in MMA. Like, I want our country to do really well on the world stage. And if I can contribute to that in any way or help kind of lead that new charge of this kind of next second wave that we clearly got started, like... It was. We're hoping for a second wave, and and as of Saturday night, it's a tsunami, man. Like six and zero, oh, we really hit the ground running. That was the best way that Canadian MMA could have come back to the UFC after COVID, right? Like obviously, we Canadians have been fighting in the UFC, but having just like a the impact that that having fights locally makes is incredible. Because like speaking from example or speaking from experience, like. When I was at UFC 129 and I was in the arena, it like made it somehow not feel so far away from me. You know, I'm like, this isn't some distant, far off dream. Like this is attainable. And there were probably some, you know, 
10, 12, 15 year old kids that are in there doing some kickboxing and some jujitsu and are really interested in it. And they're like, shit, that's just like a guy from Ontario. That's not some dude who grew up in Hollywood or, or grew up in Dagestan, like things I can't, I can't relate to. And I see success outside of my community, but like, that's just like a dude who grew up playing hockey and got into MMA and just liked it enough to follow it. Like I can do that. You know, I think the impact that things like that have in 10 years from now, we'll, we'll, we'll still be feeling like the butterfly effect of that, of that, of, of UFC 289, 10 years from now, I think in Canadian MMA. I feel like your next fight has to be in Ontario, in Toronto. What are the chances? Come on, man. We, we made go. this one happen. We, we brought him home once. I just want to be like, you know how you have like uh you have like uh performers that do like residencies in Vegas and stuff like that. Like I just want to be the resident like main card guy in Canada now. Yeah. It's like that's like best case scenario for me. It's just like, all right, man, give me a call when you're coming home. Like if I don't ever have to fight outside Canada, I'd love to travel the world cornering. I'm cornering Feely in London. That's amazing. But if I could fight in in Canada moving forward, dude, what more do you want? That's that's absolutely amazing. And every time I've driven by the Scotiabank Center in, in Toronto for the last like two years, which is fairly infrequent. But every time I do it, I point at it and I'm like, I'm going to see you soon. We'll be in there. Like I will be in there and that place will be screaming for me. Like every time I pass it, trying not to get in a car accident while I'm like yeah. manifesting this. Like this is what's going to happen. We manifested it on, on last Saturday night. We came back to Canada. I've been saying 10 wins, 10 stoppages, even though that guy's super tough. He's good everywhere, no holes in his game. And, you know, like, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with the performance. I think it was probably the best performance of my career so far. And the one before that was probably the best performance of my career. I feel like just the things things are moving in the right direction. And we're not just allowing them to get there, we're creating the correct direction. We're like constantly checking the map, constantly checking the compass, making sure we're moving in the right direction. And uh and you know the, the we have the perfect crew. Uh, any intel? What are they saying? I mean, I feel like it's imminent. What are, what are they? T- I'm sure they said something to you on on Saturday or while you were there. Oh yeah, we're looking. You know, they used to go to Toronto every uh, December. That used to be a spot for them. Any intel? December in the Toronto in December would be perfect. Yeah, just don't just don't tell me for like three or four more weeks so I can chill out just uh-huh. a little bit. You just want to? You don't want to be all anxious and and all that, right? I just don't want to have a date because I'm like, dude, I'm laser focused. Yeah. Like even you're joking this week, like, man, I can't wait to have nothing to do all week after the fight week and like not really train, go sauna and hot tub and just kind of have nothing to do. And every day this week I have like completely lined up oh, with things no. to do. I'm like, perfect. We're doing interviews. We're talking yeah. to this. We're doing this. We're doing that. Like I just had a meeting with one of my coaches this morning, just like a, we had a debrief of how camp went, how fight week went and how the fight went things that we think we, we should or could alter about camp, things we could and should alter about fight wow. week and things we could or should, you know, but just like, so I have, I have three more of those meetings set up um, with my remaining coaches just to make sure like we're all moving in the right direction. Like, I think it's really easy to just be like, dude, I won. He didn't land anything clean on me. I got the stoppage. We got the bonus. The fans went crazy. Obviously we're doing everything right. Nothing needs to be adjusted. It's like, if it's just a, fr- if we can just get a fraction better, mm. it might make a significant change. And I know that because the Johan camp was amazing. The Johan camp was the best camp I'd ever had in my career by like a landslide. And this one was way better. 
Wow. This one was way better. It's like, I didn't, I was like, it would almost felt like after the Johan fight, I'm like, damn it. Like, is it going to, is that as good as it's going to get as far as like, is that the most prepared I'll ever feel? And then, and then we'll think things after that feel like underwhelming compared to how prepared I felt for that one. And this one, I was like, Oh dude, no, I'm way more prepared for this fight than I was for Johan. And, and, and honestly, that speaks to your professionalism. Like, I don't know if a lot of people are meeting individually with all their coaches to see if they can get a fraction better. So, uh, very cool to hear that. By the way, did you get engaged, uh, last week as well, or was that an old pick? Um, I, 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 we've been engaged for a bit. We got engaged after the Johan fight, like a week after the Johan fight, uh, in February or so beginning of March. So, uh, but it was just like a, a picture of just like, uh, my fiance and I are just like the biggest win, you know, just like the. Got it, got it, got it. Because I mentioned it to, to Jasmine, and she's like, "No, I think yeah. he was engaged." I was like, "Man, what a week for this guy! He fights in Canada, he gets engaged, he's rocking a Jets jersey. I mean, it, he is oh, yeah. quintessential Canadian. I love it. I was actually saying something uh, about you to someone like I feel you. You remind me a lot of a hockey player, like just the way you speak, the way yeah. you look. <laughs> Have you gotten that before? I know your brother's a hockey player, but. Uh, you, there's just something very Canadian hockey about you, you know, like, I feel like, I feel like that's who I'm talking to right now. And that's a compliment, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'm, I was going to take it as such, regardless of how you intended it, but, <laughs> uh, that's kind of like, I mean, that's like how I grew up, man. Like, I'm just like a young, you know, I was just like a young hockey kid growing up. I just, it just turned out I wasn't that good at hockey, but, uh, <laughs> my brother was really good. And most of my friends played hockey and like, you know, I, I've grown up watching, you know, Canadian stars and like, um, watching like letter Kenny and, and trailer park boys and stuff like that. And like, I had a cool one last night. My brother and I were just hanging out, out back. And, uh, my, my favorite hockey player growing up, Chris Pronger, uh, messaged me. He's like, no. dude, saw your fight. Loved it. I'm like, no way. Wow. I tried to find, I tried to find this like old thing. I think I thought I had of like, when I was in like fourth grade and I played rep hockey, it was like Mike Mallott, his height, and his town and his favorite hockey player. And I had Chris Ponger on there. I was like scrambling through all my stuff to see if I could find anywhere. But I messaged him back. I was like, dude, such a big fan. My, my uncle moved to St. Louis when I was a kid. So I I started getting obsessed with the the blues and you're my favorite player. So that was like super cool. And then just another cool moment from, from, uh, Vancouver was, uh, we're at, at the ceremonial weigh-ins and they're like, all right, everyone sit down, uh, except for you, Malak, come on over here. I'm like, okay. Which like felt like the theme of the week, dude. I've corn. So, Quick side note, I've cornered so many UFC guys. I've cornered Cody Garbrandt when he rematched TJ Dillashaw for the world title. I cornered Uriah Faber when he came out of retirement in Sacramento. Mm. Like I've cornered really high-level guys throughout their career, and I've never seen anyone do two-thirds of the amount of media I had this week. Like it was in like everything that we did, they're like, all right, you guys are done. A lot you've got these two more yeah. or like i'd get there early it was like and the, the cool thing was uh they're like yeah we want you we want you to meet some of the vancouver canucks and and uh we chatted for a bit and i was like okay boys i'm like all trying to rehydrate and eat and stay yeah. focused and they're like like oh enjoy the show tomorrow and they're like oh we actually got something for you so they got me like uh oh, they gave sick. me a vancouver canuck jersey and put my uh my, ah. my name and and uh 23 like 2023 on it like i was like dude that's super sick man so i uh so you did make it yeah, to the we nhl went, yeah, there we go. Yeah, hit it. I didn't message my brother. I'm like, dude, I swear I'm not a traitor. <laughs> did you meet GSP there? I didn't, man. No, no. Unfortunately, again, I was kind of really focused when we got in the cage. Um, walked backstage, and then uh, Chris Prickett, my wrestling coach, the one who got hit by the railing. Oh, geez. He, uh, he said he, he's he's okay. Just it, it, you know, 
Charlie Horston pretty good. Damn. But uh, he he messaged me or he he came up to me after. And he's like, "Dude, George St. Pierre was there. He was like all excited. I'm like shit, man, that would have been awesome to like walk by and give that dude a hug. Like, hey, man, it's been a while since I saw you, but uh, I was like 15 at the time, walking up to you with like a yeah. a paper and a pen, all like, hey, can you sign this for me? And Crazy. I had that poster in my room for uh, you know the next eight years or whatever. But yeah, man. Pretty and now sweet. you're being serenaded uh, with O Canada as you're leaving the arena. Now you're that guy to people. Crazy, man. As, as like, obviously special and important as it was for me to win that fight, like, I, I don't want to, to to sound like I'm exaggerating. Like, that meant as much to me. Like, they started chanting, Mikey, Mikey. I was like, oh, man, that's so sick. And then just one guy starts singing O Canada. And then next thing, there's, like, however many, like, 100, 150 people all, like, belting it out. Dude, I was like, waterworks are yeah. coming, man. <laughs> and crying. We got on the bus. I, like, buried my head in my hand. Megan O'Leary's on the bus. She's like, dude, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> it's amazing. Awesome. Uh, so happy for you. Congratulations. Enjoy this Thank time you. off. Uh, enjoy everything that is coming with all of this. And hopefully we get to see you. I mean, I, was, I, I, I threw it out there, but... Toronto in December would be tremendous. Any opponent in mind, by the way? Anyone that comes? Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that next. Okay. Right? Like kind of especially in the next month, kind of dissect the division and see what makes the most sense. Okay. Um, yeah. So that one that some some callouts might be happening in the near future. Oh, okay. You're not ready to do that just yet. Not yet. I wasn't focusing past him yet. Fair enough. Uh, thank you, Mike. Very happy for you. Enjoy it. Thank you. Uh, all the best to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Talk the, to you soon. There he is, proper Mike Malott. Uh, what a story. What a guy. How could you not root for that guy? Uh, just just an unbelievable um, unbelievable personality, infectious personality, I would say, and someone that you want to root for, and uh, very exciting that he is representing us. He is representing us here in, uh, in, 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 on the biggest stage. He's representing us Canadians. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. He's doing it. Canadian MMA is back. 6-0, like we said. 6-0 on... He is sending it. He is what? Sending it. What does that mean? You know, like his full send, like he's going to send it. He's sending it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, thank you for that. Thank you for that, yes. Frank. That was great. That was a good contribution. Um, all right. Uh, one more interview to go back into the show on the nose. Stay tuned for that. That's when we shoot. That's when we like to 
shoot from the hip. That's when we like to cook and answer your questions. Also, picks for the weekend. So stay tuned for all of that. Perhaps we'll weigh in on uh, the big boxing match going down at the Smoothie King Center this Saturday, New Orleans, Louisiana, on DAZN. It's the return of Louisiana's own, their prodigal son, the one and only Regis Progray returning at a very interesting time at 140 pounds. Uh, last week on this show, we had Josh Taylor, the pride of Scotland, on uh, just days before his big fight over Teofimo Lopez. And the big story coming off that fight was Teofimo Lopez winning, but then announcing his retirement. Well, 135 and 140 could not be more interesting. We could throw 147 in that mix as well. Of course, we have the uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence press conference going down yesterday in L.A., today in New York. So a lot going on, and I'm trying to illuminate all of this to all of you, but Regis has a great story and has done a lot of interesting things, especially as of late. He gets to go home and fight at the home of the Pelicans, and he's kind enough to join us right now. Say hello now to Regis Program. Hello, Regis. How are you, my friend? Oh, good, bro. What's going on? Uh, uh, nothing much. It's good to have you here. I really appreciate it. This is a massive deal for you, and a lot has happened to get you to this spot. Of course, you are a very proud native of Louisiana, um, and you signed with Matchroom, and Matchroom delivered this date and this location. And I'm wondering, yeah. did they give you this opportunity to fight at Smoothie King? Like, Was that part of the reason why you ended up signing with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, or did this come after you had agreed to go with them? No, man, this came before. I sat with, <clears throat> so the thing was, I I said, Eddie came, he flew to Houston. Um, Now it was about seven weeks ago. And he was like, listen, like, and this was before I even signed with him. You know, he flew to Houston right before the Canelo fight. And um, that Monday we had, we had um dinner and he was like, listen, you know, we're going to fight Smoothie King June 17th at Smoothie King. And this was before I even signed with him wow. already, you know, so he, had this already planned out. Everything was already set in stone before I even, I didn't even sign the papers yet. I was still, you know, and, and really I was still on the wall between, I didn't know which way I was going to go, you know, but he had this planned out and, you know, it just, it happened like this and it, it happened perfect timing. That is a shrewd mofo right there, right? He get, he has that like ace yeah. that he knows, you have a New Orleans tattoo on your chest. Like, I mean, you are as New Orleans as it gets for him to deliver that, that probably put you over the edge, right? Yeah, I mean, well, the both 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 companies said that, but then he already had it. I mean, it was already seven weeks out when he said that it was um like I said, that was the same week as the Canelo fight. That was Monday, Canelo fought on Saturday. So um he was like, Yeah, June seventeenth, Smoothie King Center, you know, if you sign with us, we have that already for you. It was like, All right, you know, I guess, you know, I guess that's what where I'm gonna go. Uh was that your first time meeting Eddie? No, no, I met Eddie a bunch of times before. I actually, we with, with the whole Josh Taylor thing, he was the promoter for that. Okay, so I'm just wondering, like, meeting him and, and speaking to him, because, you know, some people in America don't like him. They think he's too brash, or he's coming in, he's kind of screwing things up and all that. Uh, oh, you're the British guy. You need to stay over there. Um, did you ever feel that way about him, and did you change your mind over time? No, I never felt that way about him. Honestly, like I met him, I met him a few times before. Like I said, the first time was with the Josh Taylor thing. Then after that, um, I was supposed to fight Maurice Hooker. Maurice Hooker was signed with him at the time, and then that whole thing fell apart because of COVID. And um, and then we met in San Antonio. Once I once he heard I was like about to become a free agent, we met, we talked briefly, and then after that, you know, the last time we met was well, not the last time. Then we met in Houston, and then of course we met in um, we was in Guadalajara together. So you became a free agent, and you kind of did this all on your own, right? No manager, no one guiding you. You were the one meeting people. 
Why why did you go solo in this endeavor? I I rather just talk to the source myself. You know, when you when you have when you have like the middleman, you have people in between. They tend to like um, I won't say screw things up. I don't want to say that, but they 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 tend to have their own agendas. Like say if you have a manager and they'll they'll they 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 might try to persuade you a, a certain way. So for me, I rather meet with the people myself. I I went to Vegas. I met with top rank myself. I sat in the office just me and my assistant. And same thing with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn came to Houston and we met and we talked ourselves. So you know I rather do that myself because I'm at an age now. I, I do want to learn. I'm I'm actually starting my my um, rural promotions. So. You know, I want to learn this stuff myself, and you know, and, and if I if I screw up, then I screw up. But if in the past I had managers and they screwed up, and you know, I, I don't want to blame nobody else. I want to do this by myself, and you know, and learn learn everything, learn the business and stuff like that behind it. So, are you going now? Obviously, you're with Matchroom, but are you going to remain without a manager? For right now, I think so. I mean, maybe I might need one later or down the line. But as as far as right now, um. Yeah, I mean, I did this deal by myself. You know, I, I I was a free agent. I did this deal by myself, and you know, maybe maybe a manager pro, maybe could have got me something better. But at the same time, for the money they charge, it probably would be yeah. It, it probably won't make sense anyway. So yeah, what is it? Ten percent, twenty percent? What do they charge? Well, I don't. Some managers charge twenty percent. Some charge ten. But you know, even me, I didn't. Nah, I was, I was, I had people on five percent. Uh. <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. I mean, some some managers. My first manager had me for like thirty three percent, but um, now like, yeah, exactly. So it's like you know they taking they taking a a lot of your money and they not really doing everything for you. So it's like you know, and I won't say that people don't need managers because they definitely do. But you know, me, I have a team around me. So you know, it's not like I'm just it's not like I'm just doing everything by myself, but. I am sitting in those meetings with the people that I need to sit in the meetings with. I'm talking to them directly instead of having a third party talk to them. And how is it going? So, I mean, obviously you haven't fought yet, but just this fight week and the buildup, how do you feel about the decision working with Matchroom? I love it so far. Everything is cool. Everything is good. I mean, we, we had this fight. Um, it was, like I said, when I met with Eddie, he already had the fight planned out in his head at the Smoothie King on, his, on the 17th. So right now everything is going smooth. Um, Everything is cool. Everything is 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 normal to me. Uh, I don't feel like no pressure, nothing like that, because like this is home. All my people, like we had a run, we did a run a few weeks ago when I was out here in New Orleans training in training camp, and then we just did one Monday, and all those are my people, you know. So like, and the thing about New Orleans, New Orleans is a very very small city. It's a big small city basically, and everybody's connected some type of way. So. Most likely in the Smoothie King, every I will be connected to all those people there. So it's not, wow. you know, I don't, I don't feel like pressure. Then like I'm just ready to go out there have fun. Yeah, I saw the run that you did, run with Regis on uh, Monday. Uh, why is that important? If you, like uh, most fighters just want to be kind of left alone on fight week and not run with a hundred other people. Why do you feel the need to do that? Right. It was just something cool to do. We did it. Um, I honestly, I would rather be left alone. Too uh, okay. Myself, I appreciate you I'd being honest. Be left alone. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather be left alone, especially on fight week. But it, it was farther out. It was on Monday, and so it was cool. Um, just had the people run with me because we did one when, when I was in – because I came out here. I trained out here for two weeks, and we did one. We did a run, and, you know, it was a lot of people came out there. So we just was like, all right, let's do it. Let's just do another one, you know, just to, for the – you know, for the cameras, for the media, and just have the people come out and support. And, we, you know, just to, I get more I, – I feel like to get more buzz behind the fight too. Were you surprised 
at how Tiafima Lopez looked on Saturday? Were you surprised that he beat Josh Taylor? Of course, you know Josh, like you said, you fought him a couple of years ago. Ultimately, were you surprised with any component of that fight? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm happy for him. Um, yeah, I'm definitely surprised. I thought Josh Taylor was going to whoop him. I did interviews, you wow. know, weeks up. So I was like, man, Josh Taylor going to beat him. I don't think it's going to be close. And he made Josh Taylor look very ordinary. Like, he didn't, he didn't, Josh Taylor didn't look like the the former undisputed champion. Teal made him, you know, basically made him look bad. Yeah, I, I saw interviews with you before the fight, and you were just talking about, like, oh, maybe this fight gets me the Josh Taylor rematch. Like, you, were, you weren't even considering a Tiafimo right. win, right? No, I wasn't at all. No, I definitely wasn't. I was, you know, for me, I was looking forward to Josh Taylor, fighting Josh Taylor again for the belt. Do you believe that Lopez is actually retired? No, obviously. Nah, nah, nah. nah. I mean, he just, I, listen, he wants his money. You know, he said he made a million dollars, and that's, that is terrible. If he made a million dollars for that fight, that is crumbs. Like, that, he definitely deserves more. So I think that, yeah, he's he's going to retire until, you know, he gets the money that, you know, I feel like he does deserve. He does he does deserve way more money. Now, nine figures, he probably don't get that. But, you know, if he fights a big fight next fight, he might get eight. So, um, no, nah, I don't think he is. I don't think he's retired. But, you know, I, th- I think he just wants his money just like everybody else. So um, I think he'll come back for the right price. I know you were probably focused on your thing. But, you know, even on the Saturday of that fight, a lot of people were saying, like, he shouldn't be fighting. He's not in the right mental space. There's alarming things that he's saying. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like... He's a little too all over the place right now. I feel like mentally, yeah, he he is all over the place. But you know, he he, he came out and did the job. Yeah. You know, like he did a job. So, you know, if we looking at that, if we looking at personal things, personal reasons, maybe he should have fought. But if we looking at boxing, that's what we do. He, he fought, he won, and he looked he looked good doing it. So, um, you know, it, it all it all depends on you know like what you what you rather. Mm. Uh, now, so now that he won, you were talking about Josh before, but now that he won, is the hope that if all goes well for you on Saturday that you get that fight? Definitely, for sure. Well, he, he got to come out of retirement first. Yeah, Basically, well, you yeah, don't believe him anyway. Could could that happen? I Have don't you... believe I, I don't believe him, but um, maybe, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, you know. For me, I don't, I, I can't, I never overlook my opponents. I still have to worry about Saturday. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of big fights at 40 and, you, you know, for me, I thought I wanted the, the Josh Taylor rematch. That would have been huge if me and him would have fought for, you know, he would have had a belt. I have a belt. That would have been a big thing. But now I think that if me and Tio fight, that might be even bigger than me and Josh Taylor. And it won't have to happen. We won't even have to discuss going overseas. It'll be, it'll be in the United States for sure. Right. Would you be okay with fighting him in New York? No, nah, I don't think so. Nah, <laughs> uh, I I did the hometown things before. My last fight, I fought Zapata in in, his, in L.A., which is hometown. The good thing about L.A. is I, I used to live there. So it was his hometown. He's from there, but I used to live there. So I had a lot of support also. But I don't think I would want to, you know, go to New York because I'm basically I, I call shot too. I'm a champion. He's a champion and I'm a champion. So I think that, you know, with that, you do that. You do that on the neutral ground. I, I learned my mistake already before with the Josh Taylor thing going all the way to the U.K., and I was the, I was a champion, number one seed, and I went there, which was you know a bad business decision. You regret that? Yeah, for sure. That, I don't think I should. I, I I still you know the fight. I don't regret the fight, but you know because I became better and I became hungry after the fight. But the business decision behind that it was you know it it, it was it was stupid. Like you know like if I was in my position I'm in right now as my own manager, I'd be like hell no, I'm not going over there. Why would I go over there if I'm the 
at the time I was the world champion. I was number one in the world. I was the number one seed in the tournament, and I had to go over there. Like they they wanted me to go to the UK to fight, and it was just like basically it's just a dumb decision, you know. Especially if you don't have to, if you don't work. Like if if I wasn't the world champion, he was a world champion. Then yeah, all right, I have to go over there. But I was the world champion. I was the number one seed, and it didn't. It really was just a. It was a dumb decision for me to go that way. Would you advise more fighters? To not have a manager, or do you have to be a certain status to to go that route? No, you have to be a certain status for sure. I would advise fighters to have a manager. You know, I've been I've been doing it. I've been pro for ten years right now, and I'm a little older. I read a lot, so and I study a lot. I know about the boxing game, so that's why I feel like I can take control of myself right now. And like I said, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that I will have I won't have a manager for the rest of my career. I mean, I might get one later. I, I might I might need a manager later, but you know, just right now that I just felt like I I didn't need a manager. I don't need a manager right now. Um, but now I think fighters should have a manager, but it all depends on the percentage and what the managers are doing. Um, I've had managers in the past that, you know, basically I could have did a better job. Mm. What was your experience like fighting on that Triller card, the Jake Paul, uh, Ben Askren card at that empty stadium? What was that? That was the Mercedes-Benz stadium right in Atlanta, which... Was super, Atlanta. It was it super was, weird that they booked such a big stadium and no fans were there. What was your experience like working, fighting for them? It was it was weird. That was just a, like the whole show. I don't even like to watch that my fight on TV, on YouTube or nothing like that. Because it's just like, it was just weird. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a fight. Like for me, I fought Ivan Redcatch. I sparred Ivan before. So it was, obviously I never took him light, but I just, you know, I knew what he had already. So, but everybody, when I fought that fight, everybody was just walking around real loose. It was like a party. Huh. You know, it was just it was I was literally like the, one of the only real boxers on the card, and I was like taking it serious. You know, like me on fight week, like I'm doing right now. I usually just stay in my room. I stay in my hotel. I don't really go out unless I need to do media, um, go train stuff like that. But they had people walking all around. They was all walking all around Atlanta. Just you know, people just having fun because it wasn't that you know it wasn't that serious. But for me, I I just. It just like I don't, I don't even like watching that fight. Uh, how do you feel about this influencer boxing stuff? Do you feel like it's ruining boxing, hurting boxing? I don't think it's hurting boxing. I don't think like I think the only thing that can hurt boxing is boxing itself. When you you know with the with the real boxes, I think the influencer boxing is just it is what it is. It's influencer boxing. You know, like you people don't look at them and think um, they're real boxers. They look at them like yeah, they influencers, and you know that's it. Um, I think that it's getting more eyes, maybe for like the young kids. Um, but yeah, it's just for me. I think that the the real boxing they look at is just as influencer boxing, and that's just that's that's what it is. And, and I just learned this yesterday from uh, MMAfighting.com. Uh, you sparred Nathan Diaz. Weird yeah. story though. Uh-huh. You had you weren't supposed to spar him. You were full. You had just eaten, and his guy didn't show up, and you sparred him. Mm-hmm. And to, but that aside. Were you impressed with his boxing skills? And did you know who he was when you were when you were sparring him? Of course, so I definitely knew who he was. Okay. I don't even know why we went to him that night because um I had a chef. He literally served me the biggest plate of shrimp pasta ever, and I was like, my stomach was full, and I just finished eating. And I just I think I went in there just to well, one of my friends had somebody sparring somebody else, and so we came just to watch him spar. He wanted me to watch him spar, and then Nate was in there. He was supposed to spar. And like his sparring partner didn't show up, and they was asking me like, "You want to spar?" I'm like, "Yeah." I literally just finished eating the, like I said, a huge, huge plate of shrimp pasta. But I like, yeah, I'll spar Nate. It's cool. 
And we literally just beat each other up. Like, I, it wasn't no boxing. It wasn't no movement. It was just like, we just fought, like, the whole time. I think we did five or six rounds, and we literally just just fought. That's all. I couldn't do nothing because I was full. My stomach was yeah, yeah. full with pasta. Um, and we just we just literally just fought. Were you impressed by him, by his box? You know, a lot of boxers don't think too highly of MMA fighters and their boxing skills. What did you make of his? Um, I, the, the main thing I was just, he was real tough. I mean, I hit Lick with a lot of punching. He's just real tough. Um, as far as his boxing, like you said, you can't, you can't really compare it to, to our boxing because it's a little different, but I can see why he has so much success in the, in the MMA and UFC just because he does know how to throw his hands. You know, it's not like he's, you know, you can, I've been in there with some MMA fighters. They don't know what to do with their hands. They just, they lost against a boxer, you know, but you know, he still, you know, he landed some punches on me and, you know. So it was it was good sparring. You think he beats Jake? At this stage, I don't know. Um, I just think he's older. Jake is Jake is big. He's stronger. He's naturally the bigger man. He's naturally he's younger. He's naturally bigger, um, stronger. I think a younger Nate Diaz would have just whooped Jake. Um, but now I really don't know. I would I would lean more towards Jake just because he's bigger. But if if Nate could take um, Jake Paul's punches, he he'll beat him because Nate is like a you know, but he's like a heavy bag. Like you can hit him and hit him and hit him, and it's nothing happens. And if you if you have that mental pressure on you the whole fight, Jake Paul might break. But it depends on how much Nate Diaz has left. Is it true someone stole your Rougarou mask? It is. Yeah, I don't know what's that. Literally, don't know. Up. I don't know if I left it. In, I don't know if I left it in Dubai because I fought the last time I wore it was in Dubai. And I don't know if I left it out there or not. I, I literally don't know, but I, I don't have it. It's gone. So, do you have a new one? I don't. I don't have a new one. No, I have something else for the walkout. I'm a, I surprise you. I have something else for the walkout. Okay. Way, I think it's way better. So, um, yeah, okay. I guess it's the end of the room, room mess. Wow. Is, it. Is, is the walkout, is it like New Orleans inspired? Do you, do you have some like local flair to it? A little Mardi Gras maybe? Yeah. You were just in the parade, right? So maybe like your own little mini Mardi Gras parade to the ring, something like that? Um, you got just gotta watch it. All right, fine, all right, fine, fine, fine. Uh, I, I do have to walk out. Okay. By the way, what was it like meeting AI? Oh man, that was legendary. And listen, like, so I was at we was in Vegas for the fight. I was in my room. My my wife, she gambles. I, I'm not a gambler. I don't care about gambling. So she was down gambling. This was our last night in in Vegas, and she was just gonna gamble until it was time to go. Our flight was like six o'clock in the morning, something like that, and so. One of her friends, like, she texted me, like, man, AI down here. And I was hearing that AI was down there, you know, all night gambling. I was like, I was like, man, I don't care about no AI. Like, I care. Like, that's my idol. But I was like, man, he probably not going to, you know, I probably won't be able to get a picture or nothing like that with him. So I went down and I said, that I saw him. I walked past him, you know, and um, he kind of looked up, but didn't really, you know, not too much. And so then me and I went and sit by my wife. She was gambling. And then after it was time to go. So I walked over there and I was going to ask him for like a picture, but he had his friends around. So it looked like, you know, because I saw other people asking for a picture and they was, it's just like, he didn't want to be bothered. And so I was like, all right, I get the vibe. But then Jean Pascal was there and I know him. I'm cool with Jean Pascal. Me and him partied and stuff in Dubai before. So I was over there and I was just, I was, I was standing, they was talking and they back was to me. And I was standing by, I was standing behind Jean Pascal just to holler at him. But he was, he was talking to AI. And so the AI turned around first and he was like, oh, my dog, my dog, my man. And he knew me. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Wow. Bro. Like, you literally my, he knew who I was because 
AI is like actually a boxing fan. So yeah. he knew me, he knew who I was, and we was just talking, man. We chopped it up. He he actually gave me his number and all that. So like that was just like that was that was like real fire to like yo idol, bro. Like yeah. it's only for me, it's only a it's only a certain people that I really looked up to um growing up. Besides like you know, it was like Muhammad Ali. Obviously, I know ne- I never met him probably. I obviously I never meet him until next uh, next life. But you know, Ray Robinson, same thing, never meet him. But like the living Kobe, never meet him. You know, but like the living people is like Lil Wayne. I've been around Lil Wayne a, a bunch. Mike Tyson, I met Mike Tyson. Um, AI, I met AI. And for me, yeah, that's you know, that like maybe like a Michael Jackson or something, like somebody like huge like that. But I, I really I literally met all my idols already. Like the people I really look, looked up to since I was young, I met them all. So I mean that was just Man, it was crazy meeting AI. By the way, you know Daniel Cormier? Of course I know DC. Yeah. All right, I know him. He was at my Okay. He was at my fighting. Cause I he first won the championship. He was at my fight. He claims to be like the king of Louisiana. So I just was wondering like who was bigger, you or him. I, you know, I, 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 I have I, we let's let's just say we different sports. That's all. We'll just uh, say we different sports. MMA. I'm, he's MMA, I'm boxing. Um I think he has his you know, he has his history. I have mine. He's actually from, he's from Lafayette. Yeah. I'm from New Orleans. Um, I'm pretty sure he, you know, he did some historical stuff in the MMA. And already I did some historical stuff in boxing. I'm all, I'm the only two-time world champion from New Orleans. So, and I, I got to look up his record, his stats and stuff like that. But I know he did his own thing too. So. Hey, he never headlined know. Smoothie King. He, he never headlined Smoothie King. So. <laughs> That's another note. Man, we got. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we, we different sports. He, he, he's MMA, I'm boxing. So, you know. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, two last quick things. Um, what's up with Adrian Broner? You think he was uh, purposely not saying your name? You think like, and and why do you why do you want an Adrian Broner fight? I feel like you're on a totally different path. Just because I always want that fight. I mean, I know people saying, man, why would you want to fight Adrian Broner? That you know why you know, but. I, it's a fight I wanted for like six, seven years. I literally wanted that fight for six, seven, like a long time. So it's like that for me that never changed. And Adrian Broner still has a name, basically. You know, obviously, I, I think that yeah, it is a different level. I still want to fight Josh Taylor again. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he lost, I still want to fight Josh Taylor. I still want to fight Adrian Broner. That that is two fights that I still want to fight. You know, before everything, before everything, before he retires, before I retire, I still want to fight those guys. Um, so yeah, that's why he didn't, but he didn't say my name. All right. Um, you're currently a minus 1600 favorite. Your opponent, Daniel, Danielita Zaria is a, uh, minus, excuse me, a plus 850. When you hear things like that, and then it's the New Orleans stuff and the homecoming and you're with the new promo, like, how do you block all of that out when everyone's like, oh, this is like, this is like a homecoming. It's not even a fight. Like, this is going to be a big celebration, a coronation, if you will. How do you not feed into all of that stuff? Well, I didn't. I didn't hear about that. You the first one told me that, so thank Damn. you for that. You the first one told me about the eyes. But um, I, I just for me, man, I don't care about that. I have to go out and do my thing. I, I hold the 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 belt, the WBC belt at one point. I feel like I'm the best in the world. So you know, everybody that fights me, they're gonna come out. And in my head, I have to um, I have to overestimate my opponent. You know, I can't underestimate. Him. I never want to underestimate my opponent. I have to overestimate him and you know think that he's you know, way better. And in my head, he is. He's going to give me, I feel like, I, w- I want to feel like he's going to give me props. He's going to give me trouble. So, um, I don't, you know, it is, a, it is a homecoming, but I still have to go out there and, you know, perform. Still got to go out there and do my job and perform. And then after that, then, 
you know, then we can say, all right, it was a home game. But it's it's still not – I still didn't fight yet. So right. I still have to I still have to go out there and do that. I still have to focus on him. Good luck, my man. Great to have you on the show. I really enjoyed it. Wish you the best. Can't wait for the fight on Saturday. Take care. Yep, thank you. There he is, Regis Progre of New Orleans, Louisiana. Rougarou doesn't have his mask, but he says he's going to have a, a, a better walkout with something even cooler than the mask. His mask is legendary. And yes, uh, he was on that Ben Askren, <laughs> that Ben Askren, Jake Paul fight, um, which was a weird one, if you recall. It was uh, initially announced as a technical decision, then later it was changed to a TKO. But what was mainly weird about it was the fact that it was at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and there was no one there. Why they booked such a massive stadium for no one, I still don't understand. Like the first, the, that first one uh, with Triller, where Jake fought Nate and Tyson fought Roy Jones was at Staples, which was super expensive in its own right. But, you know, it was November of 2020. And uh, it's not like Staples was booked and there was anything else going on. So maybe they got it at a discount. Um, but to book a venue of that size and it's empty, got to feel weird. I think that's why Ben Askren lost. That's my opinion. I think that's why he lost. Um, all right. That's this Saturday, by the way, on DAZN. Uh, and there's the UFC card at the uh, at the Apex. UFC Fight Night, headlined by Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier, Armand Sarukian versus Joaquim Silva, Christian Leroy Duncan against Armin Petrosian, Pat Sabatini, Lucas Almeida. Uh, let's see, what else we got? Muslim Salihov against Nicholas Dalby. Miles Johns up in there. Jimmy Flick returning. Ronnie Lawrence. Modestus Bukaskis. How many fights are on here? Uh, 14 fights. Ooh, that's a lot uh, for an Apex card. That's this Saturday. Uh, the prelims are on ESPN2. The main card is on ESPN. 14 fights total at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um... Wait a second, wait a second. Major. Yeah, that's how I like to do it. Bellator 297, that's on Friday, as I said. PFL on Friday, and then UFC on Saturday. But there was an... Oh, where, where did I... Oh, there it is. You go on tap... Tapology is the best. You go on tapology. Oh, you know, they don't have that, huh? Just as I'm saying they're the best. Um... This Saturday, I wanted to get the time to see if they coincide. Saturday is it June seventeenth? Yeah, June seventeenth. Uh, wow, there's so many fights on Saturday. Holy smokes! In boxing, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh yeah, Tim Tzu. That's on uh, Showtime at eleven thirty p.m. Oh, here it is on the Zone. Regis Pro Gray. That's at eight p.m. But that's the main card at eight p.m. So. Yeah, it'll be happening at the uh, the same time. Ramla Ali also fighting against Alejandra Guzman. So a lot to like this weekend, a lot going on. And speaking of which, go check them out. Please support them because they support us. All right, time to shoot now. Time now for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time. It's time yeah. for a good old-fashioned Q&A, MMA fans. Oh, yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has arrived yes, to yes. hear from the man himself, Ariel Helwani. Live from the Box Studios in beautiful New York oh, City. Oh yes, thank you very much to Mike Heck. And now, on the nose time. To answer your questions. Get out of your seats and on your feet because here he is, Ariel Helwani. Oh yes. Yes, yes, from the Northwest. Oh, you want to play it again? So good. We like thought it. we could do it again. Do it again, yeah. Getting very nervous about all this Brennan Johnson transfer talk. Have you seen this, GC? A lot of people saying Brennan might be leaving. Yeah, let's hope not, man. Need him to stay up next year. Oh, I'm so nervous. I mean, if he leaves, no, I'm not going to leave as well, but that would suck. I don't like this. What, they people who just poach your talent? What is up with this? Yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to football, man. Fucking hell. I mean, I think that would be more devastating than Mbappe leaving PSG or Messi leaving PSG or Benzema leaving Real Madrid. I mean, let's go. I mean, Declan Rice leaving uh, West Ham. Brennan's the heart and soul. Can't have that happen. Eric Haber's first. Shalom, Ariel, and crew. With the career of Amanda Nunes being celebrated by hardcore fans, but perhaps flying under the radar with the casual audience in the wake of her retirement, how do you feel her career will be remembered by the masses in 10-plus years? I think history will regard it as increasingly spectacular as time passes. Thank you, your friend Eric. I think it will be remembered quite well. But, you know, if I'm being honest with you, uh, as I've said many a times before, I don't think this sport celebrates its legends well enough and enough and i don't think that their careers are remembered and i don't think that the audience is reminded of their careers as much and as well as they should what i mean by that is talk to a current fan today about anderson silva talk to them about gsp talk to them about chuck liddell about randy couture about tito ortiz how many of them know who those guys were and perhaps things will be different because the sport is more popular today than it was five six seven eight nine ten years ago but i i i wonder like even now you 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 talk about gsp and people are like yeah so and who what no big deal talk to me about you know mr x who's currently fighting instead and so here you have a fighter who had the greatest run of any women's champion with one of the greatest runs of any champion period who I will say, and, you know, I want to do talk about that, you know, like the greatest of all time stuff. It's always hard to say the greatest of all time because what if they retire on an eight-fight losing streak? Are they still the greatest of all time then? That's why I like to say one of the greatest runs of all time. But now the run is over, and now I could say, all right, you go out on top, you defended the titles, all that stuff. Yeah, you're the greatest of all time. But I'm always hesitant to say that in the moment I try my very best not to say that in the moment because things can change that would affect their standing as greatest of all time. Uh, from losses to performance to drug tests to all that stuff and more. Um, I do think a great way to have ended it all would have been the trilogy fight. And then you're, you're done. You win that and there's literally no one left. But you can also say she won the, you know, she won the rematch. It's over. And, uh, and, and, and now she walks away as a double champ and, and that's going to be very hard to replicate. Um, but that being said, I do wonder because she doesn't put herself out there as much and isn't necessarily a media darling and a superstar in terms of her popularity, will she get that same love and, and, and will people reminisce and talk about her like some others five years down the line? I do wonder. She deserves it. I would love for that to happen, but I do wonder considering 
how I see people talk about Anderson and GSP and Tito and Chuck and Randy and guys like that now, you wonder what it's going to do to someone who maybe didn't connect with the audience as much, as much. Um, she deserves it. Demetrius Johnson deserves it. All of them deserve it. But I do wonder just based off of history and those examples. So it will be interesting to monitor. Uh, Scott F. Good day, Ariel. At this point, I think it's clear that Juliana Pena is doing her best job to play the heel. For the most part, I think she does a good job of selling the rivalry between her and Amanda, even without Amanda really playing along. And I do think Amanda plays along to a degree, saying that she doesn't like her, doesn't want um, her to be champion, wouldn't have left if she was champion, etc., etc. She does it in her own way. With that being said, I'm starting to get the feeling that she is reaching X-Pac-level heat with the fans. Most of her comments last week, her reaction to Amanda's retirement and most recent interview with you seems so disingenuous. I can't help but just want to look away or skip. I know that it's not the heel's job to be genuine, but if it's not convincing, it just doesn't land. I could be wrong here, but as the number one wrestling reporter, I'd like to hear your opinion on how she's managing this wrestler persona. You're the man, Scott F. I got to be honest with you. I think she's doing a fine job. If she fights Raquel Pennington for the belt without this persona, without this personality, without seeing people want to, you know, without people wanting to see her get her head smashed in, I, I you know, I, I don't know if there's any interest in that fight, just being honest. And I see the engagement on her stuff. And and to me, X-Pac heat is people turning away and you could call her annoying, you could call her disingenuous and all that. And I, and I actually don't, I think you can, if you want to call her annoying, fine. I, I don't think it is disingenuous. Is she dialing it up perhaps? But I think she's trying to pick a fight. And um, I don't think that she is lying to herself when she is saying any of these things. And I think she's getting people, I mean, who, how many people at 135 are connecting with the audience right now? How many people at 145 are connecting with the audience? Like she's trying to get people emotionally invested in her good or bad. Um, if she was just, you know, not doing media, playing it down the middle, very vanilla, who's talking about her? And so you could say like, it's unfortunate that she has to go that route, but I'll tell you, there's going to be a lot more interest in a Pena Pennington or a Pena home fight um, with her doing this than there would have been without her doing this. And I think that sometimes we get too caught up with the internet, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And people are like, oh, she's so annoying. She's so cringe. She's so this and that. Um, but I think all those people are still watching her fight. Now, she's selling a million pay-per-views as a result of this? No. But historically, this type of approach works. Look no further than the great Colby Covington and so many others. And there's different ways of doing this. Chael did it. I mean, it works. It 100% works. And I think it's working for her. Now, is it resonating with everyone? Is she becoming a fan favorite? No, I don't think she wants to be. But as long as they're talking about her and feeling some sort of way about her, in her mind, I think it's working. And I do think it's working. I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for Raquel Pennington if that is her next opponent, if that's who she's fighting for the belt, to beat her and shut her up because she says she's the greatest and all this stuff. I see the reaction. And, uh, you know, if you are okay with being hated and people saying things about you online... You're off and running. And I think she is. If you are sensitive about these things and you want to be loved, uh, then it's, it's hard to pull it off. But her type of personality can pull it off. Uh, Jacob. Greetings, Ariel and crew. Just up the street from the Militich Fighting Systems uh, in Iowa. Shout out. First question I have is for you, Mr. Helwani. Do you foresee Connor Chandler getting pushed to 300? Although far out, what do you want for 300? 
Um, didn't we talk about this on the show or am I crazy? That might have been something else. Might have been a different show. Anyway, unrelated. But as he goes into retirement after his bout against Nico Price at UFC 290, could you reflect on the illustrious career of Robbie Lawler? I'm forever grateful for his representation of Bedendorf High School, which I'm currently attending. Wow. That's awesome. I'm assuming as a student? Uh, he has a second question here. Let me just address the first. There's a couple in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw something online. I think it was from my good friends at Verdict MMA saying that Connor has to enter the pool in the next couple of days in order to fight this year. I don't know about any of that stuff. Honestly, we're all kind of claiming that we know everything there. Who the fuck knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, if the six months are a real thing, who knows? And, and we're getting close to 300. I threw out the idea. Oh, I was talking about it with my friend... Uh, J.D. Bunkus of uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, who I think is one of the best radio guys in the business, Canada or U.S., and he was asking me about Connor, and I threw out the idea if Nathan Diaz wins on August 5th against Jake Paul, he gets on the microphone and says, I'll see you at UFC 300, Connor, for the trilogy. I mean, the UFC will salivate. And I think Nathan wants to go back at some point. He has said as much at the press conference in, in Dallas in May. So who knows what is going on with all this? How how is tough? Uh, by the way, GC, I I, I saw that he's out. oh he just stepped out. All right, He'll um, be right back. Uh, I saw that he's zero and three. Um, so that's not great. I don't know if it's you know entertaining or not these days, but um, you know, I, it's just not like I said. It's not for me. I don't I don't think it, it it's produced for me or fans like me who have been watching it for so many years. Uh, but let's see what happens. I get the feeling like Chandler is getting a little bit nervous, but maybe that's just me, you know, looking a little bit too deep into all of it. Um, I thought I thought Juliana fighting at 300 would have been interesting because she headlined 200. But I still think we're a little bit far out from that, a little bit far out, because if it's in March or April, like there's a few things that need to happen first. Like if O'Malley becomes champ, maybe you put him on there. Um you know, who knows? There's there's just like one more slew of fights that need to happen before we get to 300. As for Robbie Lawler, absolute legend of the game. Took him a while. You know, there was that period there. He's fighting for strike force. Seems like he's just kind of like coasting. He's falling asleep at press conferences. He's winning some. He's losing some. He's unmotivated. Um, he's a former UFC legend. He's an elite XC grade. He gets the strike force. It just feels like he's kind of plateauing. And I'm talking now like 10 or so years ago. Uh, and then he gets into the UFC, and all of a sudden he's rejuvenated, he's reinvigorated, he's remotivated, and he goes on this amazing run. And he wins the title in the latter portion of his of his career, and he produces some incredible fights: uh, the Carlos Condit fight, the Roy McDonald fight, uh, Johnny Hendricks. Like these are some great historic fight of the year winners and candidates. Uh, he was incredible in this last run, but it is time. I mean, it's amazing that he's been fighting for so long and kind of like one of those guys like Max Holloway who started out so young. So it just feels like he's been around forever. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm happy for him that he's getting to go out on his terms. Nothing left to prove, nothing left to do. And I suspect that the fight against Nico Price is just going to be bananas and just, you know, the perfect way to say goodbye to him. Not someone who, you know, went after the media in terms of getting attention, didn't really want to do media. That was part of his charm. I'll never forget that press conference in Chicago where he's sleeping at the dais. Um, 
he has his he has his uh like his his hat over his eyes and he just could not give a fuck. Um but he showed up, always showed up to fight, great performances and just an absolute legend of the game. Uh the second question is for New York Rick. Is New York Rick there? I'm here. Hello, New York Rick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, this gentleman is saying, uh, Mr. Eric Jackman, if you can make one UFC fight that's not often talked about, what would it be? What I mean by that is something other than Jones Francis or other fights that are talked about regularly. Love from the great state of Iowa and thank you for your time, my friend. Yeah, the one I wanted the most was Justin and Dustin, but we'd been talking about that forever, right? Yeah. The one I want that I don't think we'll get, but I would love is Dustin versus Colby. That's mm. the fight I, I've always wanted. I've always thought they should have been on a collision course when both were kind of like, it seemed like sidelined and not really like able to find fights due to the circumstances. I've always thought those two should have fought and uh, I would really like to see that one. I have floated that to um, to Dustin and he he dismisses it right away. That's why I want it so bad. <laughs> I know, but I think it's because it's very, very personal. Yeah, that's why I want it I so know, bad. I know. I know. That's why I want that fight so bad. I don't think we'll ever see it, but I would I would absolutely love to see Dustin versus Colby. By the way, uh you've been working on this show in some way, shape, or form uh since 2012. Right? Uh, yeah. That's right. Um which is wild that like you were working on the show January of 2012, right? Was it 20 No. Was it 2012 or 2011? It was tw- it was 2012. End of 2011 was when I met with you and I met it was with 2010. Uh, no, 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 no. 2011. It's just crazy that. Uh, and so then, April of 2012, my son was born, and then I just went to his fifth grade graduation today. Like we're getting really old. Anyway, I was talking to you yes, yesterday. Yeah. I was like, "Has Max ever been in studio? I didn't think he was ever in studio." And you said you weren't quite sure, but thought he had never been in studio as well. That was the best, and we've had him on a gazillion times, right? And, that, and I'm not saying it because of me, but just like that was just, it's just amazing when you don't talk to them about fighting, what you get, um, and especially in person. Wasn't that face just the face, best? I think is, yeah. Face-to-face, I think, is irreplaceable, right? Like, you know, that's, yeah. the, that's the gold. The gold is when you can sit in a room with somebody and look them in the eyes. It puts them at ease. I feel like Max has become a little bit, like, protective, mm-hmm. um, but he was very open today and i feel like it's you know you see a person you can get a sense of them and uh yeah that was the that was the best match even when you start talking to him about the fighting though he goes back to being a little bit short with you and then you talk you know what i mean usually it would be like you're asking him about his mom doing drugs you're like (laughs) fuck that like and he's very willing to speak about that and then the fighting is just like yeah it is what it is we'll see i think there's like a fear of like getting misquoted or aggregated or this or that and it's yeah. a lot more likely to happen when you're talking about fights than when you're talking about like his life yeah um so i think it's that but uh you know i'm with you a, a plus from max today his his best appearance on the show ever and he's been on the show a million times a couple dozen times yeah. yeah like a bunch uh john and hb ariel a challenge you're the best in the business so i know you can do it find out what the hell is really going on with shamayev we're hearing Usman Hamzat is not happening via dear friend Chael. Why is this guy really on ice? Dana says they're in the fight business. Why would they have one of their most exciting on ice for so long? We trust in you, Ariel. You're our only hope. Honestly, I think it's an Abu Dhabi thing. They, they want to deliver certain uh, fighters with uh, certain fan bases to Abu Dhabi. 
And uh, that's coming up in October. I would be shocked if he's not on that card. And I think it's just, I think it's just a uh, a scheduling thing, honestly. That's my opinion. Uh, dear Tom Kenny, hi Ariel. Several MMA UFC Hall of Fame questions. Oh, this Hall of Fame thing is so weird. Like, what are we talking about? Can we talk more about why there's not a real MMA Hall of Fame? Like, where everyone's getting all up in arms about DC's throwaway comment about Jim Miller. And, like, uh, yes, Jim Miller is a Hall of Famer. Sure. What, what, is, what is the requirement? I don't even know what the requirement is for a Hall of Fame. Can we put that same energy into an actual MMA Hall of Fame? And then we could talk about what the requirements are and if this guy is eligible and if this guy makes the cut. This is so stupid. Like I have no problems with the UFC Hall of Fame, but to me it's like it's like debating if the you know the Knicks should retire Carmelo Anthony's jersey. Okay, great. Let me know when they retire uh, Charles Oakley's first, and if not, who cares? You know what I mean? Like and 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 if and if and if Frank Shamrock's not in the UFC Hall of Fame, who cares? And then all you know, my good friend Ant Evans will say, oh, he doesn't want to participate in the thing. Who gives a fuck? The, the, the Hall of Fame shouldn't be about if you want to participate in the ceremony. It's do you, do, you, do you make the cut? Are you good enough? Does your career hold up? Is your resume good enough? Does that mean we can't put anyone in who's dead? So, like, the UFC Hall of Fame is what it is. It's a great thing, and they've done a great job of revolutionizing it and making it into a thing and uh, it's become a thing, and people care, and the announcements are great. I have no issues. But can we talk about why there's not a real MMA Hall of Fame and then talk about Jim Miller being in there? Anyway, do you predict Amanda Nunes goes into the Hall of Fame this year? This year? What? No. Look, can we wait a bit? She just fought in June. She's not obviously not going to go in this year because the Hall of Fame ceremony is in like three weeks, but no. I like the four-year thing. Can we institute that? distance makes the heart grow fonder what is your reaction to dc's jim miller hall of fame comments i mean it's his opinion why are people getting so mad about his opinion about something that has no criteria oh of course you're crazy dc what he's just taught he's just by the way he's fucking daniel cormier for the record he is daniel cormier if anyone could speak on this stuff it's daniel cormier one of the greatest fighters of all time a his opinion holds a hell of a lot more weight than yours. And I don't know who the yours is that I'm talking about, but 98% of you, Daniel Cormier's weight, well, his opinion holds more weight, but also his weight holds more weight. <laughs> Love you, DC. I, well, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, I have DC all over. I mean, you're right here. I got him right there. I mean, it's a lot of DC. By the way, is there any sign of me on his show at all? And not even the ESPN stuff. Is there any sign of me on any of his programming? And his heart. Ugh. I don't even think he's he's lots of names. You see Chris Weidman on the way in show says my name. He DC gets all he gets all clammed up. It's probably a ringing in his ears right now. Still love him. Um, if you were in charge of the UFC or an MMA Hall of Fame, what would be your criteria for a fighter entering? Everyone's different. Just like the basketball Hall of Fame, the best baseball Hall of Fame, the football Hall of Fame, the hockey Hall of Fame. Everyone is different. Everyone has their own story, their own journey. Um, it should be up to a vote. But man, oh man. Man, oh man, do I wish that there was an MMA Hall of Fame. Long, long overdue. It would be great. There's a boxing one. They just had the uh, induction ceremony a few days ago. Uh, Think about all the greats. The sport in America is 30 years old. It's been around longer than that. 
worldwide, it is so long overdue. And it is a massive bummer. And I kind of feel like until we don't have a proper MMA Hall of Fame, like the sport is still here. It, 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 every, every major sport needs a Hall of Fame of some kind. And, uh, and it bums me out that there's not one that people can go to visit. Fighters can get the honor, not just UFC fighters, everyone who has put their blood, sweat, and tears. By the way, DC's Jim Miller comments um, were as follows, quote, I just don't feel like time served puts you in the Hall of Fame. You have to have accomplishments to go into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he is the winningest fighter, right? I mean, that's not just time served. He's not like some guy with a 140, you know, what was it, like 100 wins and 48 losses or some crazy thing like that, or 48 losses and 100. Like, he, he you know, he... He's done stuff. He's on he's on he's on the list in the record books at least for now. So it's not just time served. Anyway, last one outside of MMA. Do you think Eric Bischoff was a bit too harsh on his comments on AEW? It seems to me if a company sold over 65,000 tickets in Wembley and just scored its second TV show on a major network, it's more than just a hobby. I mean, I don't think it's just a hobby, and I don't know what his beef is with um Tony Khan, and I think it's unbelievable that they sold over 65,000 and 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 I see these wrestling fans, they get so it's so crazy how they're like, as good as you are in MMA, you're horrible in pro wrestling. All right, why is that? Um, because I've I've praised AEW, because I've had Daniel Bryan on. Be, what about that day that we had freaking MJF and and um Action Bronson, all booked through me, by the way, to promote their Queen show? These people are insane. I've never seen such a sensitive bunch of fans. Um you're crazy, and you've convinced yourself that I have some sort of vendetta against AEW when I've talked about them and praised them as much as WWE and often put down WWE's product in praising AEW's product and what they're doing with the 65000 and the Wembley and all that stuff and getting the other TV show is great. But if a guy like Eric Bischoff is going to say that, by the way, I asked Hogan about them, like, chill the fuck out. I don't know what Bischoff's... Um, vendetta is or what his beef is maybe he doesn't like the comparisons to wcw i can tell you this it's not more than just a hobby uh it is you know it is an actual thing that he takes um very seriously i would imagine i do wonder though outside looking in call me crazy you know he's got a lot of jobs and there is something called spreading yourself too thin maybe he's paying attention to one more than the other but on paper, the Jaguars job in itself seems like a full-time job. The Fulham job in itself seems like a full-time job. The AEW job in itself definitely seems more like a, a full-time job. And then you also have, you know, the other businesses that he's a part of. And so that's the thing where people might say like, oh, is there too much? But I, I don't think that there's – I mean, it's incredible how far they've come in a short amount of time. And when you consider that there's nothing even remotely close to AEW in MMA, and they've, you know, they've been around, what, four years? There's nothing even remotely close with the same crazy fans, as sensitive and tribal and crazy as they may be, they are a credit to AEW. They are a credit to them because they, they, to them, AEW could do no wrong. Any MMA promotion outside of the UFC wishes they had crazy fans like that. Wishes. Would, would, would do anything to have that. I mean, we've got this Bellator card with Patricio Pipple on there, and like, who's fighting on on Bellator's behalf? Who's fighting the Bellator battle online? Who's fighting the PFL battle online? Who's fighting the the Japanese MMA battle online? The one championship? There's no one. 
There's absolutely no one. All I see is apathy. Except for UFC. UFC they'll battle for. AW they'll battle for. WWE they'll battle for. And so that's a credit to them and what they built and the fan base. Um, so no, it's it's not just a hobby. It's it's a real thing. It's a it's a real player, and it's been more successful than any other promotion um, in the 21st century. And it's the most successful non WWE promotion since WCW. And so we'll see what happens, and we'll see if he's being spread through too thin. But you'd have to ask Eric these questions. Um, I know he does another show. He does 83 weeks and another one. I didn't really know about his beef with AW, if you want to call it that. Um, I was just, I mean, the natural question to ask him is about AW since he was the AW to WWE's WWE back in the day or WWF back in the day. It was a great conversation though, and I really enjoyed it. Um, you can check it out on my on my YouTube page and also on the Showtime basketball feed. Uh, because the main impetus. Oh yeah, someone said Ariel only books. Uh, I saw Ariel only books people who hate AEW or to shit on AEW. The reason for the interview was to reminisce about the 25th anniversary of the Dennis Rodman, Hulk Hogan, Carl um, Malone DDP tag match that happened in July of 1998, 25 years ago. That was the main reason. And then we got into the wrestling stuff because how could I? I mean, how could I not ask Eric Bischoff first time I speak to him some of these questions? So just chill out, all right? It's not that serious. Uh, ben P., hello, Ariel, big fan. But you and everyone else are annoying me when talking about the DDP versus Robert Whitaker fight. If people don't think DDP can beat Rob, how is he a credible contender to fight Izzy? I mean, it's not that they don't, it's not that I don't think he can beat Rob. It's just that what if he loses to Rob? What if he loses to Rob? And Rob is arguably the second best middleweight on the planet and one of the best top 10 fighters on the planet as well, pound for pound. I'm just saying, like, why kill him off when you could have done Rob versus Costa, which would have made a ton of sense, or Rob versus Strickland. People, you know, Rob having lost to Izzy, Costa having lost to Izzy, so they're not canceling each other out. Strickland needs a big time. Like, that's all that I felt or feel. Same with Arnold Allen and Max Holloway. If Allen can't beat Max, then he doesn't deserve a shot at Volk. That's not how it works. You have to try to build up the talent because you can have Sean O'Malley fight Corey Sanhagen tomorrow and say, if you can't beat Corey Sanhagen, no, it's not how this works because all styles you know, make fights and not every fight is the same. And you have to have contenders. You have to have people waiting in the wings. If you keep killing them off with people who have lost to the champion, that's the problem that they faced with like a Joseph Benavidez back in the day um, or a Faber back in the day when Cruz was champion or, you know, a ton of other guys over time. Now Usman with, with Leon as champion. Anyway, I disagree with the notion that these kinds of fights are bad for the up-and-coming contenders and believe this is how true number one contenders are made. Um, yeah, but if you're left with the same guys at the top, you're going to have a hard time selling those fights. That's all. So you've got to be strategic and smart about it. Patrick, if Oliveira loses to Islam, he's in the same strange boat as Whitaker and Holloway. If you were the matchmaker, how would you avoid creating these log jams in each division? And how should we treat a former champ number one contender who's lost to the reigning champ multiple times? Move divisions, trade. I love Dubronx, Blessed, and Bobby Knuckles. Oh, yeah, and, and Max Invoke is another one. But I don't care about seeing them fight for their old belt against the same guy. Now, Dubronx is different. He's only lost once. So you can't put him in the Blessed or Bobby Knuckles um, category. If he loses again, then all right, we'll deal with that. But 
I don't think that the Oliveira Islam situation is the same as Whitaker and Holloway. He's only lost him once. Uh, Nick the Dane, gang, big weekend of fights coming up. Yes, one of the bigger fights is the Pitbull Sergio Pettis bout. I agree. The next part is your favorite, Ariel. Hypothetical, stay with me. With a win over Pettis, Pitbull will be a three-division champion. So the question is, will he be considered one of the GOATs or will he get the Fedor treatment where since he never fought in the UFC, he's irrelevant? I wouldn't say irrelevant, but I don't think that he gets the attention. I don't think he gets the love, partially because he fights in the number two or number three promotion, whatever you want to call them, but also partially because of the, the caliber of the opponents. Um, some might not think that they're UFC caliber. I think that's kind of crazy. Look at how Michael Chandler has done in the UFC. I just think that he's kind of been in the shadows. I think he'll get some love, but just look at the difference between Michael Chandler and Bellator and Michael Chandler in the UFC. It's just a whole different platform. It's way bigger. You get way more popular, way more attention. If Pitbull wins this and has a run at 35 and is a double champion, feels to me like Pitbull will be one of those guys that is appreciated a lot more when he's gone. But it's hard to say because at some point he could go to the UFC too and turn into a Michael Chandler fan favorite because he has that style. He's a very fun fighter to watch. So, But yes, right now, I don't know how many people would put them in their top 10 favorite fighters or I don't know if he's walking around the streets here, if he's getting noticed like a top 30 UFC fighter, even though he's arguably, you know, number one in Bellator or up there. You know, Bellator champions, like I said, they've never been better. And he's at the top of that list. Uh, but because it's Bellator and, you know, there's not a ton of promotion and hype around them right now, for whatever reason, he doesn't get that love. Fedor was on a totally different level. Fedor at his prime, way more popular and famous than Pitbull. Fedor was beloved in Russia. Uh, you know, I don't even know how popular Pitbull is in Brazil right now. Um, so totally different time, totally different era. Also, Fedor beloved in Japan. Huge. I mean, he was the face of pride in many respects, along with Mirko and, and Rampage and a few other guys, Shogun, Vanderlei. But, I mean, he was up there. He was the heavyweight champ. Um, Redneck Jiu-Jitsu. Hi, Ariel. I've been watching your content since the infamous House Taste My PP interview, wow, July of 2008, that was affliction. In honor of 30 years of UFC history, I had a discussion with some of my friends. I've never heard your opinion on. If you were to take Mighty Mouse Johnson with all his skills and martial arts knowledge, would he win the first UFC tournament with his massive size disadvantage? I'd like to hear your and the boys' thoughts on this. Keep the old school rules in mind. No holds barred, no biting, no eye gouging, no mandatory gloves or combative uniform, no judges scores, unlimited five rounds, knockout, tap out, corner stoppage are the only determination methods. And referee could halt a match pending the corner decision. Um, I think I think MMA is a completely different sport today as it was in 1993. And so, yes, you you somehow like transport him to 1993 with the skill set that he has. I mean, a 135-pound Mighty Mouse might have a tough time fighting a heavyweight, but skill for skill, he smokes all of them. It's not even a question. Now, if you're actually literally putting him in there at 135 pounds against the likes of Gerard Gordeaux, Tyler Tooley, I guess it depends on the matchup too, because like Gordeaux smoked Tooley in 26 seconds. Kevin Rogier, Zane Frey, a lot of these dudes were big. 
Now, Gracie was still like in the 170, 180 range. The only thing going against him is his size. But skill-wise, I mean, he wouldn't even, I I don't even think he would be challenged. It's just, but the sport has evolved so much, it's totally different. Like, Gracie couldn't really strike. DJ could strike. It's just a totally different sport. It's like comparing a 2020, it's like comparing like Nikola Jokic to George Mikan. You know what I mean? It's just a totally different sport. But yes, skill for skill, I think he would smoke all of them. Uh, Nathan, what's up, Ariel and crew? I really loved your interview with Lee Ellis on the Showtime Basketball Pod. Thank you. That was great. Uh, A great story there to be told. Lee is the man. I got all nostalgic listening about 80s and 90s All-Star games. And as a fellow Aussie, I too knew the pain of getting my hands on anything from box scores, NBA countdown highlights, and the 1994 NBA Finals on a seven-day delay. Holy shit. I was in mourning on day seven. That was after the Knicks lost to the Rockets. I was especially struck by the conversation you both had about being in a rut with a job and wanting to take a risk or chance in your career. I know you have taken risks, and it's amazing to see you become independent Helwani across not just MMA, but now in boxing and basketball. Do you have any tips on taking chances? Do you line them up before taking that leap of faith, or do you just take the plunge? Well, I appreciate the uh, the note, Nathan. And obviously, you have to think things through, and you have to you know plan it out and see if it's doable and see if it's you know something that you're able to be successful at and accomplish. But I would say like you you kind of have to take the plunge as well and just uh, hope for the best and believe in yourself and 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 believe that things are going to turn out well. And I just always live by the credo that you only get one life that uh, you don't want to be 80 and regret things. And I have regrets about my early days, my early childhood, like high school, college me. I have zero regrets thus far about adult me. Um, And part of the reason why I have zero regrets about adult me is because I have regrets about childhood me. And what are my regrets about childhood me is that I, I, I sweated the small stuff too much. I was too nervous about stupid shit, about school stuff. And I'm not saying like, I took school seriously, but like ultimately that math test that I was freaking out about in the grand scheme of things in the ninth grade didn't really mean all that much. And I know it's easy to say that in retrospect. And I know all these things lead to a bigger thing. But trust me when I say I sweated the small stuff way too much. I wasn't as, you know, carefree as a kid. And so like when I talk to my kids now and my son's upset that he didn't, make a certain level of his soccer team. I, I just try to remind him that he's only 11 and, and, you know, none of this really matters as long as he's having fun and successful and whatever he's doing right now and enjoying it. That's what it's all about. Um, and hopefully you have a certain mindset later in life that helps you be successful. And so you could say like, oh, okay, it was great that I learned that. And I learned that those regrets are not something that I want to have in my later life. And that's what, you know, helped me here as an adult. But I would just say, you know, ultimately I'm okay with saying like, oh, you know, I didn't go to this or I didn't do that. I didn't do, you know, this in college and I didn't have fun. I didn't join this frat, whatever it is. I'm okay living with those regrets. I wouldn't have been okay with career regrets or adult regrets if I didn't move to the States, if I didn't, you know, take a leap here, if I didn't start jerrypark.com in 2007, if I didn't leave Spike TV, if I, you know, if I didn't uh, go to ESPN, if I didn't leave ESPN, if I, you know, X, Y, and Z. So 
that's my main thing. That's why I'm trying all these fun, new things, different things. Um, and I would just say, like, if you look around and you feel like you can be successful, even if it, you know, I was just talking to, who was I talking? Oh, when I was talking to Tim there, um, about like pro wrestling, um, and, and boxing and representing those people. And, you know, I was actually thinking a little bit cause he's like, I don't know anyone in those worlds and, and, and we're in different spots. He's 31. I'm 40, about to be 41, um, which is crazy to me. Um, but like, I don't know. Look. I'll tell I'll tell you guys something about this Showtime basketball pod. Like when I signed up, you know, I was like, "Great, I, I love to do this." Um, I thought that you know the guests were going to be booked for me. None of the guests, one of them, was booked for me out of the twenty that I've done so far. Um, that was daunting at first. I remember coming to the realization in March, like I'm going to have to book these guests myself, and you know, the, I will be a Mike Brown fan for the rest of my life, Coach Mike Brown. NBA coach of the year who I'd met because he was coaching the Nigerian men's basketball team two years ago. And he somehow got my information, I think from the PR guy, Raymond Ritter of the Golden State Warriors who put us in touch and he wanted to try to get in touch with uh, Izzy and Usman to send the Nigerian men's basketball team as they were going to Tokyo for the Olympics, uh, a message of encouragement and so I kind of kept in touch with him and I asked him to come on and he was the first person to say yes after I got zero replies from a whole bunch of people or no's. And that's very humbling because you think I sit here and you're like, oh, you talk to Max, you talk to Izzy, and all of a sudden I go into this other sport and no one gives a fuck about who I am or knows who I am or cares about me. And that is daunting. And uh, it was not very easy at first and it's still not easy. I'm only like 20 episodes in. But the point is like, yeah, I was like, you know what? What's the worst that can happen? So this person says no, that person says no. I think I could be really good at this. And so you just keep chipping away and then eventually, you know, good things start to happen and this person replies and that person replies and you start to feel good about yourself. So I would say, don't live with regrets. Go out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to stumble. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't lick your wounds. Don't say, woe is me and, and, and the world is out to get me and I can't make it and I can't get over the hump and this person has this and I can't get that. Go out there and fucking seize the day. Fucking take life by the horns and, and, and remember that you only get one shot at this. And when you're 80 and sitting on your porch and, and drinking some warm milk, you don't want to regret anything. You want to say, you know what? That was a pretty freaking great run. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. It was fun. Now I could chill. That's all I want. Uh, thank you very much for all the questions, everyone. Thank you to moderator Lewis for moderating the questions. I appreciate it very much. Let's make some picks for this weekend, shall we? I think we shall. Uh, yes. Hey, guys, how are you? Oh, I was asking. Um, yeah, I missed my tough. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just asking. Was you, were you on break? or? Yeah, long show. I had to stop by the old bathroom. No, I understand. Read the, the question nose. in advance. Thought it was going to be okay for me to go. I mean, I think it was like a tough-related question. Was it not, or did no, I no, no, go no, off script? Just, yeah, you guys went off script. I was running through the halls trying to go quickly in my tough jersey. A couple, got a couple compliments on it. People were like, oh, sick jersey, man. Tough start, 0-3. What happens... Like when you come back in the room, who's the one who tells you? Oh, uh, you... This, this time it was Frank. Frank. Yeah, he's just like they had a tough question. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, why'd they ask that?" <laughs> I thought they were talking about UFC 300 dream fights. I guess a dream fight was. Uh, I don't even remember how tough came up. 
It was about Connor. Well, it was about Connor. Yeah, you know, you, not tough. a big stretch to go from Connor to th- to Tough Talk, to be honest. Uh, well, I'm here now. Tough yeah. last night was fantastic, <laughs> as it always is every week. Uh, the biggest development is the dog curse is has moved from suspicion to it's a it's a real living breathing thing right now. What's uh, a dog curse like? Underdog? No, 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 no. Uh, no odds for tough. But when a fighter has their dog in their little intro video, like oh, this is my, my family, this is where I'm from, uh, they are zero and three so far on tough. And I mean, as soon as I saw Aaron McKenzie's dog last oh, night, no. I, I knew his fate was sealed. Who's keeping track of this? Uh, tough hang. The great people at tough hang. We have we have <laughs> statisticians on board. Uh, in the back. Can I ask you a, ser- a serious question right now? Yeah. And, and some might say this is a question you ask off air, but that's not the way we do things. At any point, are you like, you know what? I shouldn't have agreed to do this Tough Hank show. This show isn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh... <laughs> Come on. The the, the, the the buzz has worn off, right? It it's... went from like my whole timeline talking about it to be like, oh, is it Tuesday? Uh... The thought has creeped into my mind, uh, but we're not there yet because okay. it's like, all right, so yesterday morning, you know, watched Tough, uh, and it's like as soon as the as the theme song hits, as soon as the starting hits, I'm like, I remember why I did this. I remember why I set out on this journey, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I mean, we're getting to know the characters. Next week, uh, Timor Valiev back in the octagon. Oh, yeah. Excited for that. Uh, Trevor Wells feels like they've sorted out the uh, the cold sore that he had, uh, and we'll be ready to roll. Is there any fear that Connor goes winless? Yes. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. God. I mean, I, I've looked up uh, Valiev's opponent next week, Trevor Wells. I obviously don't know what's going to happen, but I would imagine if they were fighting in the UFC, uh, I mean, Valiev eighteen and three has fought some of the. The best of the best in the world going against eight and three in Trevor Wells. I feel like he would be a pretty sizable favorite. Um, obviously, we'll have to see next week. But yeah, I mean, if the, if if the leave wins next week, I mean, we're halfway down, and and Chandler is is already four and up. Mm. People are claiming T-shirt curse is evolving into the tough jersey curse. I think it's more the dog curse. I think it's the dogs that are ruining this for for Team McGregor. Man, that would be a blow. That would be a bit of a blow to the ego, right? If he goes winless. He goes 0-8. Am I the only one who feels like Chandler is getting a little bit nervous that this fight isn't going to happen? Is that the I, I I'm getting that vibe. What are these rumors that I was seeing? What rumors? Uh I these these rumors about like him potentially not being able to get in the USADA pool and the fight just not happening, period. Oh, I didn't see that. I don't know. I mean, that's obviously just rumors, yeah. uh, you know, on Twitter, but this whole USADA thing is is getting dicey. I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think some people are just doing the math, right? And and you know, and uh, getting a little ahead of themselves, but okay. doing the math. All right. Um, and ultimately, like, who knows about this math? Anyway, yeah, what were you gonna say? Yeah, that that was the other thing I was gonna say. Was like, you know, it's at the UFC's discretion to sometimes change that, right? So we'll see. Um. By the way, I was talking about sensitive fans. Can I add uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans to that list? I mean, I tweeted something about their parade yesterday. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ooh. First of all, I didn't know that there were any real Vegas Golden Knights fans. And I love Vegas. I kind of consider Vegas like a bit of a second home. I was in Vegas for Tank and Garcia during uh, the first round 
of their playoff series against the Winnipeg Jets, and I tweeted a picture. I, w- I went for a walk on the Strip, beautiful night. I walked to T-Mobile. I took a picture to hardcore, diehard, lifelong Vegas Golden Knights fan Danny Rubenstein, who goes on and on about them on social media. I'm in the plaza, the Toshiba Plaza in front of the T-Mobile, and they're playing the game. You know the shots that they were showing last night of all the fans? Mm -hmm. They're playing the game on a big screen. I kid you not, there might have been 12 people, including me, watching. I was like, this is your hardcore fan base? There's 12 people watching a playoff game, first round against the Dutch. You guys are a top seed. This is your fan base? He's like, oh, you know, this guy, I mean, come on, First you know, round. relax. Wait, but so where is this coming from? The sensitivity, like, what happened to you that is causing you to point this out? Is what I'm not understanding. Oh, so so I was watching, and it became clear that the Golden Knights were going to win the Stanley Cup, and so I was just okay. throwing it out there. I was like, okay, where is this parade going to happen? Because you know. The strip is a bit of a mess. You've been there, you know, like the traffic yeah. is insane. Obviously, you can. It'd, you be, can, it'd be a logistic nightmare. You have all these tourists nightmare. there, and I was just wondering if you're a hardcore Vegas fan, which I presume you don't live on the strip. If you're a hardcore Vegas fan, you're a local, you're a Summerlin native, you're a Henderson native, yeah. etc. Um, do you want it to be in the tourist area? Do you want it to be in Times Square, or do you want it to be where they where they practice? In the Burbs, do you want it to be – because it's a team of the people. It's a team of the community. It was the first pro team. It has brought the community together. I was just wondering. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. why would you say that? Oh, that's so fucking stupid. And I'm like, geez, chill the F out. I'm just asking. <laughs> I mean, I'm still getting – I'm still getting – I mean, I'm still getting uh, comments from this. Like, so, don't, so don't dare big... you disrespect us. Da, da, da. I'm like, whoa, 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 chill out. I was just wondering where the parade would be. Did anybody have a clear answer? No, they just said, well, what was interesting was, of course, it would be the strip. But then I had other smart, like, relaxed people who were like, actually, the strip is kind of under construction for the F1 race later this year. So maybe it won't even be. Maybe it'll go to be, maybe it'll be like Fremont Street, like old Vegas, you know, which I think is actually kind of cool because that's like throwback stuff. Or maybe they figure it out. And then they were bringing up the Aces Parade. But I mean, with all due respect, I don't think that will be as big. And also... The strip wasn't under construction when the Aces won of the WNBA. I was just asking a question. I wasn't hypothesizing that the strip, you know, was so, – I, I actually love Vegas, and I've been to a Golden Knights game with our friend Shaheen Al-Shadi, colleague here, and it was a great time. I know they have a passionate fan base, um, and I'm not one of these people who was Clearly. jealous because they were six – you know, they're six years old, and they finally got a championship, and some people, like, you know, have been waiting 50, 60 years for their team. Shout out to Leafs fans. But uh, the sensitivity in the comments and the rudeness really took me Breaking aback. The fourth wall. Yeah. Like you asked us this after the show on Monday, and you yeah. weren't being facetious. You were like, "What do you think they would do it?" Yeah. Because we were talking like it looks like they're going to win. Yes. So, uh, Twitter is being a little extra. They're so. I bad. mean, how dare you? How dare you? Honestly, is Twitter more Don't extra? Well, it looks like some. It looks like some people uh, pointed out that the Vegas Aces. Yes. Uh, the actual first professional team to bring a championship. Okay, I just said that. Vegas. You weren't listening because you were looking it up, but I uh, just know. said this. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though. On the strip. Yes, that's the a much smaller that's... deal. And well, as I'm, I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm actually in the tweet right now. Uh, I'm just looking at it. As I noted, I don't think the strip was under construction when they won last year. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. but the fact that F1 chose to do the race there and is utilizing the strip then tells me that they could have also prepared for a parade which tells me like yeah how dare you for even questioning whether wow. they do it on the strip they deserve it on the strip i mean La- las vegas locally 
Get oh oh yeah! Nobody disses Summerlin and gets away with it. You hit Las Vegas. <laughs> I hit him locally. with the bro. I hit him with uh, the bro. Chill, bro. Yeah. You, you hit a yeah. uh, just like an unknown account. Chill, bro. <laughs> no, because I saw him retweet it, and then I got these <laughs> other fucking. Oh Vegas wait, wait, wait! He type. responded to you and then retweeted it. No, no, no. He he retweeted me for so that the you know the minions could come after me, and nice. then he responded to try to nice. flex. He doesn't even follow me. This is me giving props to the burbs who knew the knights were so sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. that's right. I that I, 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 now I'm. I honestly don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand why wondering where it's going to be is a huge slap in the face. I really don't get it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very confused. Uh, JT Goodman, a local, chimed in and says, "As a local, we adjust to things being strip centric, especially since T-Mobile is on the strip. However, would be cool to see something at downtown Summerlin where the practice yeah, facilities. Why not? Yeah." I think that would be kind of cool. Why not? I don't understand. I get I get the visual, though. The visual would be really cool. I don't know. If the, they probably have announced where it's happening. I don't know. But the visual of them on the strip is probably going to be something that they're going to want to do. And it will be publicized. And it's great for hockey. I, I have no problems with any yeah. of this. I mean, yeah, 15 the Aces players. High, it looks like really came after you. Oh, yeah. They were very upset. Yeah, the By the way, Aces are older than the uh, the Knights. I don't know about that. Mm, I think I the Knights were first. Knights. No, first championship. Oh, first championship, but first pro team, definitely the Knights. I will say the Aces and the Knights are much cooler because they're like OG, whereas the Raiders just came and the A's are just going to come. Yeah. Like the Aces and the Knights were kind of boring. No, no. And I would say the Knights are even cooler because they're not a they're not a, a team that relocated. They're a legit expansion team. The others oh. are all relocations. No love for the Aces, huh? Well, they're, I'm just saying they're not With that diehard about our New York Liberty. That's right, the big rivals this year. Oh yeah, I, um, I think the didn't the Aces come from Detroit? Am I right about that? Were they the Detroit Shock? I mean, I'm big on WNBA. I interviewed Sue Bird recently. I don't know if you knew about that. Yeah, sounds like it. You don't even know where the Aces relocated from. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It looks like they were the Stars, and then the San Antonio, the Utah Stars, and then the San Antonio Silver Stars. All right. Close enough. Shock is kind of in there. By the way, could we di- while we're just uh, off the MMA topic, could we just talk yeah. about how great Nikola Jokic was in the post-fight celebration? He truly is the... Post-fight? Post, yeah. Post-game, sorry. He truly is the Fyodor Milinenko of of basketball. Yeah. Like, they're all going crazy. Sure. They've won their first championship, and they go to him going down the line, shaking everyone's hand, not smiling, and even going after, like, the bench warmer and being like, yo, bro, like, let me give you a little uh, fist bump here. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. And then, of course... The Lisa Salter's uh, interview where he's like, you know, the job is done. We could go home. And then the press conference where he's like, oh, I want to go home. And then they tell me it's to stick around till Thursday. And he seems legit annoyed <laughs> that he can't go home before Thursday. Oh. It's amazing. The champagne bottle. Say, oh. Yeah, he's like. Yeah, just weak. He just doesn't care. He just starts <laughs> sipping it. I'm going to zig a little bit. You hated I it. I love all this stuff. No, I don't, I, I don't hate it. I love it. But I do think he's in on it more than people are kind of like, ex, oh, you know, really to accept. Yeah, he's he's too smart a guy. He know he knows what's going on here. He's uh, not. It's not just like I don't know if that's true. Doesn't get it. Yeah, see, you're one of those people. He's you he's think too him, sharp. okay? He's, I mean, he's you think the, okay? The pessimism on on Rick just not okay, pessimistic. The inter- I love it. The post the post game press conference maybe, but him going down the line. You think he hasn't gotten enough feedback on the idea of like, wow, you're so aloof and you don't care. And only thing you care about is basketball. You think he hasn't heard or seen that enough to recognize, okay, people are responding to this. I am going to continue to do this. I don't know. Okay, but fair. But him going down the line and shaking everyone's hand just speaks to the type of person he is and competitor. There is no part of me 
that believes that he would not rather be with his horses, would not rather be competing in basketball, wants to shake the last guy's hand, is the ultimate competitor, doesn't really care about the theatrics of it. But I also think he's aware that the people are attaching themselves to how aloof he's being and playing into it. I don't know. It, Winning it, your it, first championship, like it feels like if, if you were ever going to show the, the emotion, I feel like that's when it would be. He was holding his daughter. He's kissing the brothers. He was showing emotion. Man. It just wasn't. He's not the rah rah. He's not Kevin Garnett. That's him. He's I feel like that's just who he is. is possible. It was yeah, so good. Sure it it's just who he is. It was so good. I love it. For sure. It. It I mean, the pre the pre series interview where they're just like, uh, if you win, are, are you going to buy a, another horse? He's like, uh, I mean, honestly, if we lose, I'll probably just buy another horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's great. Uh, by the way, he is great. What is going on with Yoel Romero? Why didn't he show up? Do we have? Uh, can we talk about this for a second? The, and, the official explanation is afraid of heights. Okay, is it possible to get? The, what, what is this picture? They they had him on via Zoom or something. Zoom, whatever it is. So they had a press conference and they had him on the screen. He's in bed. He's not even like sitting at a chair. He's no, just he's in chilling. a car. He's in a car. I think, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was in bed, but what what heights? I guess the hotel must be, or the venue must be high up. Oh come on. The venue must be high um, up. The guys, look. I was, I was, I was also skeptical of this, but it's been since shown to me that Yoel Romero is legit terrified of heights, like legitimately, deathly afraid of heights. Well, so like, they had, to, they had to go to like a high floor. I assume that's it, right? Mm. Here we have reporting. Know. Here, hold on. See if Morocco just published a, the article. Working on a screenshot here. Yeah, this, this is, is bizarre. Uh, while you're working on that, um, McGregor telling TMZ the mascot's good. It was a skid and it went the, <laughs> the, the it went the way it went and all is well. I spent a lot of time with, time with him afterwards. We hugged it out. Everything is great. It was a skit. It was part of the show. We were backstage. All is well. It was part of the show. It blew yep. up. I recently made my acting debut. I'm not a bad actor. Um, so... The the press conference was scheduled for the 99th floor. <laughs> wow, <laughs> in Chicago's Willis Tower building. Oh. So yeah, that I that, that kind of changes things a little bit. But he was in his bed. Yeah. He was in his bed, by the way. That's really There's, his bed. Uh, it's it's He's embedded shirtless. in the article by by no. Stephen Morocco for MMAfighting.com. But there's a video of him like visiting. Um. Another tower. You know how they have like those those glass walks where you can like step out onto the glass overlooking yeah, um, yeah. the city. He did one of those, but they had to like li- physically drag him there with his eyes closed. So like the dude is legit scared of heights. Uh, I have a I picture here of the of the face off. Uh, if we go to that, yeah. Next, I next, see the bed. Joel Romero bed. fight. Shades next of Hannah Brown, T.J. Yes, Dillashaw. 100%. Yeah, great stuff. Hundred percent. Just don't he, just don't schedule the press conference that high up. It's yeah, ninety ninth floor. I I can actually get behind. What if, should be the main event? Like fifteenth. What should be the main event on set on Pitbull. Friday? Right. It's history. Pitbull, sure. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I think mean, so too. I, in and, my opinion, it's a no brainer. I feel like the only reason they're not is because they're at a higher weight class. Nah, just go with the, the bigger fight. That's I agree. But this is also champ versus champ. I I feel like that usually could supersede. I would. Yes. I personally would have put. That fight above, but at the same time, is Yoel Romero not the biggest name out of the four? Is he not the one who, if you put his face on a poster, sells some tickets, people are coming for him? It's still history. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I feel hey, like I'm, I, f- I, I feel like you, you just promo the hell out of it as how historical yep. it is, and that's the main focal point. 
You um, could, no doubt. But I mean, Yoel Romero is still the biggest star. To on me, the, the card. biggest fight, of the, the most important and biggest fight of the weekend, of the weekend is is Pitbull and Pettis. No doubt. And number two is actually Romero and Nemkov. Um, and and ordinarily, I have no problem, and I'm looking forward to it. And I want to see if Romero can get one before it's done. But uh, I mean, going for a third belt is pretty damn huge. And so, with that in mind, shall we make our picks? Gentlemen. We shall. Back so, to full strength here. Yeah. Four of us. I will randomize the order. Do you have the uh, promo from Juliana? or? Oh, I don't know. Uh, is the randomizer working? It is working, and you will be fi- picking first, Frank, followed oh. by Eric. Then I, I will go. It. Then Ariel. Oh, wow. All right. Well, going to go to UFC. That was a nice job, Pop. Yeah, you heard that? Yeah. Yeah going to say yes yes to the no-no himself Alessandro Costa money line and what is that minus 260 minus two yes six. yes to the no-no um nice yep he going up against Jimmy Flick yeah that's the one that's the one all right there you go there's your first one who's second that uh, brings us to Eric yes sir I'm gonna head to the PFL. Yeah, oh. let's let's mix it up. Let's go cross promotion. And I'm gonna go Ante Delia. Wow. Yeah, fighting Mo the Pirate Green, but uh, I like Ante here. Are there odds on PFL? What is there it? Certainly are. There certainly are here on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Minus five fifty for Ante Delia. Minus five fifty. How about that? All right. Uh, what else? That we brings got? it to me. I'm sorry. I will head back to the UFC. Though I was kind of tempted to head to Bellator with, uh, you know, just just make sure we check everything off the box. Team Nemkov, not a terrible pick. I will go to the alternate total rounds. I'll go to the main event. I'll go to Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, over one and a half. Wow. And that gets us to minus 114, three legs down. Just you to go here, I want it. By the way, is, are there any props for the uh, Larissa Pacheco fight? There are no props ah, available for, for the Larissa Pacheco fight. <laughs> Uh, what were you looking at for Bellator? I feel like we kind of have to. I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a couple pretty big favorites here that I like. I don't mind Vadim Nemkov minus five forty. I don't know if I could go against my guy Yoel after all That's this. That's true. You know, uh, Vladimir Gueva definitely will take him. Jordan Newman, a light minus twenty one hundred. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at this Regis Progray fight. You know, I feel like that's an interesting one. Uh, minus 1,600 seems up my alley. <laughs> 1,600 is, is right up your alley, yeah. Uh, uh, mm, got uh, burned on a minus 650 last week. Yeah. Take uh, Regis by knockout, minus 500. No, I don't love those. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of close calls here. Uh, ultimately... I am. You guys all picked, yeah? Yeah, we're all in. Minus one fourteen. Why don't we recap it? Well, let's just recap. (laughs) Sure, yeah. Quick Uh, recap. Frank using. I wasn't expecting this. (laughs) We've only been doing it every week for a year now. Uh, Frank wisely used a play on words of the incredibly well-known nickname of Alessandro Costa. No, no. 
Uh, he supposedly said good. yes, yes. That was really great stuff by him. Rick, main event of PFL 5, took Ante D'Elia, minus 550. And then I went to the main event of UFC Vegas, UFC Apex 75. The over one and a half, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier, minus 650. Which brings the pals to minus 114. Pals? The boys. I yeah. can't even. I can't even. I'm always I'm always worried uh going after Bellator prelims, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw caution to the wind here. You know, I've often said you anytime Kyle Crutchmer is on a card, you have to go with Crutchmer, although I do believe he lost his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. You, you are correct. Yeah, so I got a little bit of worry uh, as far as that is concerned. I'm gonna go with uh my good friend, very high on this individual, uh, the pride of Russia, Gatsi uh, Rabadanov. A uh, big fight for him on uh, Friday uh, against uh, Peter Boist of, uh, of uh, Netherlands, uh, the Archangel. So I'm going to go. Uh, Gatsy. Um. Not seeing him here on old draft. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm on. went so deep in the bag, the bag no longer exists. Um, I know who you're talking about. I'm on sportsbook.draftkings.com. I am not no, that's seeing Godsey's list. Right. So, okay, this is what we're doing. Uh, you know, that's the parlay. If if they don't want to put it, then it will go three deep, you know? I mean, what are we taking Godsey at? I'm seeing some books minus 1,000, some books minus 750. <laughs> This is this is my pick, okay? I mean, we don't even... <laughs> I don't want anything else. I don't want to be forced into anything else. This is my pick. Take it or leave okay. it. Okay. Wait for the, the the line to go up on that. Why, why, why is there not a, a line on... Because it's on a Bellator prelim. What if it shows up as a minus 1,200? Because it's, No, I'm because seeing it's, him. I see him right here. Why is there not a lineup? Godsey Rabadama <laughs> versus Pieter Bust. That's, That's my guy. I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be a huge, huge player. And, and, and one day we're going to look back on this moment and be like, wow, I can't believe I they can't believe he was only a minus 1,000. <laughs> Dude's, I mean, undefeated in Bellator. Yep. Not just one fight. One, two, three, four fights. Well... Uh, beat Kochi Takeda um, on this particular program. Yeah. Well, I've talked to him. He just, you know, he can't speak English. It's not my fault. Has fought in the PFL, beat Steven Seiler. Um, I mean, the guy's been around the block. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I like mind it. you picking I like him. Pick. I, I think what I do mind is the that odds are not up on DraftKings Sportsbook. So, so if it's not, if, it, if they don't put it up, then we'll go with three. And if they put it up, you get another win for a courtesy of me. You're welcome. I mean, what if they put it up at minus fifteen hundred? They're not going to do that. We see what it is right now on uh, Best Fight. It's no, no, no. Best Fight is FightOdds.io. Ugh. Best Fight is what is it? What is it is there? And gone. What is it on FightOdds.io? I see it's like minus, minus twelve hundred, minus eleven. No, minus I don't see that. Minus twelve hundred. Mm, no, minus I see 11, it right 15, here. Minus a thousand. I see. Where? Where? where. Uh, minus seven fifty. This is really uh, this is awkward. Yeah, so if is... he shows up on DraftKings, lower than minus. I'm not taking anyone else. I don't want to be peer pressured into this. <laughs> I'm sorry. You set these rules. I'm not taking anyone else. I made my pick, and now I'm going to lose. I'm going to have to take someone else that I don't. Feel. I have my heart set on Gutsy, and then I'm going to take someone else. 
And uh, even Rick is out of here. <laughs> see, you, see you, Rick. <laughs> um, all right. What about your picks? All right. What, what, why are you being so begrudging about all this? You know, it's just, I mean, it's not up on the on the book. I'm looking right at when it. It does come up. It's going to be at like minus 1,200. Okay, if it's minus 1,200, I'll pick someone else. We've got a trillion different fights to pick from. Yeah, that's the one I want. I'm sorry. The heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> the heart wants. The biggest odds possible. It's not. I've, I'm looking at a minus 200, 2,000 I mean, right now. If, I mean, if you're going to take that, why don't you just take Larissa Pacheco? Minus no. 1,600. Good grief. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm um, not going to be forced into this, okay? This is insanity. All right. Let's go to UFC Apex 75. We start oh, yeah. Teresa Bleda taking on Gabriela Fernandez in the confines of the friendly Apex. I'm actually going to take a shot here on the under two and a half. Um, Blade is going to be at a pretty big size advantage, three inches height, four inches reach. I think she'll have a strength advantage too. And she is just aggressive, pushes a pace with that wrestling. And I think that's going to give Gabriela Fernandez fits. I mean, we saw last time out our friend, Jasmine Jazidavicius. Uh, she went out there, took her down four times, got 11 minutes of control time. I think Blade is going to look for finishes more than Jasmine did. Five of her seven pro fights have ended under the four and a half. And then on the flip side, if it does stay standing, if if, if Fernandez can keep this on the feet, Blade does not have great striking defense. Uh, and I think there's a world where she could get TKO'd uh, on the feet. Fernandez, four of her last seven have gone under the two and a half. I, uh, I will, I'm willing to take the shot at these odds next up. Denise Bondar, I took this one at open. I was kind of surprised to see him open as an underdog. It's like minus 120 right now. I, I still kind of like that. I was on him going into the Malcolm Gordon fight. Obviously, he injured his arm there, and that's really my one concern here is how he's going to look. That is the one fight he has had in the last 30 months. Doesn't tell a ton on his Instagram, but skill for skill, I like this. I mean, it really just comes down to if he's going to be able to get the wrestling off, and I think he's going to be able to. Carlos Hernandez has been taken down in every one of his UFC fights, including one where he got taken down five times. He hasn't really impressed me so far. Two split decision wins um, and being finished in the first round. And on top of that, he really doesn't pose too much of a threat to Denise Bondar in terms of finishing him. He has zero professional KOs. Uh, And the guys that he's submitting, all 500 or below fighters. Some of these guys don't even have wins. Um, and then his amateur career as well. He only had one knockout, and it was against a guy that was his only amateur fight of his entire life. Um, he just doesn't really have a ton of finishing upside, and I think that's going to be good for Denise Bondar as the fight goes on. I think he'll be able to get the wrestling off uh, and pick up the victory here. Next up, Henry Barcelos taking on Miles Johns. I'm taking the under two and a half here. Um, Barcelos, last time out, scary knockout against Umar Nurmagomedov. Now, that doesn't make me believe that I, I think his chin is shot. I mean, we've seen him go the distance almost all of his fights uh, in the UFC. I still think he's a tough out. But the way this lines up, if there is a world where he is 36 at bantamweight and he's five months removed from a very serious knockout, um, Johns can put people out. And on the flip side, I do think Hano Barcelos is just a better mixed martial artist uh, pretty much wherever this fight goes. And I think he's live for a sub on the ground at this price. Also, just willing to take a shot on this one being finished. If you look at their records, John's four of his six in the UFC have not gone to a decision. Henry Barcelos, while he has been to numerous decisions, four of his nine have gone under the two and a half. Uh, I like this one here. We keep it rolling. Banger. 
of a fight. I think this one is going to be really fun. I am taking the under one and a half in Nicholas Moda, Manuel Torres. Not much to say. Manuel Torres, 14 of his 15 fights have ended in the first round. 12 of those ended in the first two and a half minutes. And on the flip side, Nicholas Moda, 11 of his 17, have ended in the under one and a half, including both of his UFC fights. We go to the co-main, a weird matchup. Armin Sarugian taking on Neto, BJJ, Joaquin Silva. I just think this is a... uh, this is a mismatch. You're getting Armin Sarukian, top 10 lightweight in the world, championship potential, has fought some of the best of the best going against the guy who was 2-3 in his last five, has fought no ranked opponents over that time. I just don't think this one is going to last long. I, I understand that Armin Sarukian has been to many decisions in his UFC career, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have finishing capabilities. We saw it in the Giagos fight. We saw it in the Joel Alvarez fight. And I was kind of high on Alvarez going into that one put them both out under the one and a half, and then you look at Silva. Last two losses was finished under the one and a half by Nasrat and Ricky Glenn. Nasrat, 10 UFC fights. Ricky Glenn, 9 UFC fights. For both of them, their only finishes inside the promotion came by KOing Joaquin Silva. Now he is thoroughly outmatched. I don't think this one goes long. I think Sarukin gets it done. Uh, and then over to PFL. I actually haven't played this one yet. We talked about it on No Bets Bar this morning. Pacheco, Librock under one and a half. I mean, these girls coming out. I mean, we know Pacheco last season. I think she had five straight first-round knockouts going into that matchup against Kayla Harrison. She obviously has supreme finishing capabilities uh, for the women's division. And then on the flip side, Amber Lybrock, you know, if they, if it's tough to get up in the morning when you're going to bed in satin sheets and Lybrock pulls off the upset like we saw with Brendan Lachnane last week, she, on the other side, has had four straight wins in the first round. Her last six overall have ended in the first round. And overall, eight of her 11 fights have ended in the first round. I, I think this all has the makings of a barn burner for as long as it lasts, and I think someone is going to get finished. And then I just have a multi-weekend, multi-promotion parlay. I took Vadim Nemkov, Armin Saruki, and Ilya Taporia next week in Jacksonville. I like all of those matchups. And those are the picks. UFC Vegas 75, a little bit of Bellator, a little bit of PFL, and that's that. A lot to like. Good stuff. Go check out the pod as well. Yeah, no bets barred. Up now. Appreciate it, gents. Uh, we will not talk on Monday, <clears throat> but we will talk on Wednesday. A lot Sounds of exciting good. things to come, so stay tuned for that. Um, and one last thing, if I may, uh, before we uh, we say goodbye, uh, you know, uh, here on the program over the past year, we have talked a lot about uh, our favorite football team, Nottingham Forest. You see the logo there. You see the logo there. You see the logo over there, and uh, some have questioned our uh, our allegiances and our love. Uh, there's nothing to question. It's all very sincere, at least on this side of the table. And I, I do want to um, recognize and send my best to the families of Barnaby Weber, Grace O'Malley Kumar, and Ian Coates. Uh, you may have heard uh, Tuesday morning in Nottingham, uh, these three individuals were brutally murdered um, by a suspect that I still do believe is at large, based on what I last read. Uh, Barnaby and Grace, 19-year-old students who had just uh, finished their last um, college exams for the semester. Ian Coates, a 65-year-old 
longtime uh, Nottingham Forest fan, uh, and this is just a horrific thing to hear about two very young um, individuals who are just starting their lives and uh, a fixture in the community like Ian, who, based on what I was reading, uh, is just uh, was a great guy who uh, did a lot for others in the community and uh, just heartbreaking stuff. So I just wanted to send my best to their families, uh, our condolences, and I just can't even imagine what their families are going through. And I hope that that individual is found and uh, and never sees the light of day and is and is and is put to justice. So our hearts go out to the good people of Nottingham. I'm very sorry to hear that they are going through this, and I can't imagine what it is like when a community gets rocked uh, with something like this. But um, we we are wishing them the best and thinking about the good people of Nottingham and, and hope that things like this cease to happen because uh, I mean it's just it's it's. It's tragic, it's heartbreaking, and, and no one deserves to go through this. So with that in mind, uh, we shall call it a show. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much uh, to our great guests this week, four in-studio guests. What a, uh, what a time it was. What a week it has been. Uh, a very, very, very fun week. These are the best. The dream would be if every show was in-studio. We don't have... Uh, that budget to fly people out and do that sort of thing but when it works out and part of the reasons why part of the reason why I want the show to always be in New York City if I can keep it that way um, is because when people are in town and 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 Lord knows a lot of people come through town uh, it just as New York Rick said it just makes for a, uh, a better and more memorable conversation so uh, thank you very much to Izzy and Ash on Monday thank you to Max and Tim today. Uh, great stuff from Max. That was awesome. And great stuff from Tim. And what a roster he has amassed. Truly impressive. Such a young age. Ty, Yuri, Casey, Mohammed, Don, Max, Jack, Leon, Jack, JDM, Hakeem, Israel. Uh, tremendous stuff there. Good luck to Patricio Pitbull. Uh, very curious to see what happens on Friday. Do check out that fight on Friday. Also, the PFL event on Friday, UFC on Saturday. And good luck to Regis Progre on his uh, big fight, his homecoming of sorts. I know he's fought in Louisiana, but never at the big Smoothie King Center. Thank you to him for stopping by as well. And how about Mike Malott? Still on cloud nine. Tremendous stuff out of the Canadian. Looking forward to seeing where he goes from here. Back on Wednesday, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Uh, I do want to let you know that today's program is brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 300 is here. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is giving new customers a shot to turn five buccarinos into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any UFC 300 bet. So uh, there's a lot of close fights. Jamal Hill, Alex Pereira is a close one. Um, one that is of interest to me, Kayla Harrison, Holly Holm going the distance. Um, obviously, Zhang Wei Li is a big favorite. The biggest favorite on the card is actually Bo Nickel against Cody Brundage. That may not be a surprise to you. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things on this card. And the place to be for it all is DraftKings Sportsbook. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THEMMAHOUR. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code DMAR. The crown is yours. Gambling prong call 100Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.100gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash mma.com. Yes. Uh, for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources, 